Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life on this Wednesday, February 7, 2024. Hello again, everyone. I sure hope you're doing well. It is so great to be back here on a lovely, lovely Wednesday in beautiful New York City. We love Wednesdays around these parts. And I have to say, right off the top, the questions that we are getting on the Substack have just been incredible. I mean, Who, me? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they've been they've been they've been just pouring in there full of positivity. Good questions, insightful questions. Uh, people who are, you know, locked into the show who appreciate the show very li- I have to say very little negativity and what's great about it is you know, there's a couple of questions here or there where people are asking for the tea, as the kids like to say they want. And, you know, you sometimes accuse me of wanting too much of that. And then all you do is ask me for that. And I try to give you, you know, from time to time. But for the most part, it's all very good stuff. So I'm happy and excited to dig in on this Wednesday afternoon. It is February uh, 7th. We're about to get into a very fun stretch beginning next weekend. Of course, UFC back at the Apex this weekend with a pretty intriguing main event. If I do say so myself, and of course, as always, we are presented by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Yes, they are the official sports betting partner of the UFC and this program. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with the code DMMAR because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem call 100Gambler. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com. For details, you guys ever use those guns that go brrrr, those Theragun things? You ever use that? Yeah. You, you've used it before? Yeah. Yeah, I've used one as well. Where's the joy in this? I used one yesterday and it actually, I feel like, like caused me more pain and anguish than relieved any type of pain. You ever had a massage, like a deep tissue? Did I ever have a massage of deep tissue? Uh, yeah, this is worse. I felt like I was going to throw up. I felt like I felt like something was like going to come. Like, I felt like like my insides were going to come out. I don't know. I'm just feeling. I'm feeling very tight. I'm not going to lie. Did you do it on your stomach? Yeah. What's no, I did it on my back. If I'm being honest, my trainer did it on me, and uh, I was like, "Hey, bud, no mas, okay? Can we not do this again?" I didn't really enjoy it. All right. Well, tapped out to the Theragun. Pretty much. I was close. I was this close. I was like, my hand was here, and I was like, "Yeah, maybe next time we just." Uh, X nay that just throwing it out there um but it's good to have the whole team here appreciate you all we've got a fun show back in the show we'll uh, get the picks for the weekend what do we got we got a little uh ufc at the apex 
We've got Teofimo tomorrow, uh, live from Las Vegas. Uh, perhaps a little Octagon, a little LFA as well. I really think the UFC could have done, maybe not a big show, but for the longest time, they used to have these Super Bowl weekend shows when, of course, the Super Bowl wasn't in Las Vegas. It would be in, you know, Phoenix, New Orleans, Miami, etc. But for the longest time, Super Bowl weekend was a staple, was a staple pay-per-view on the calendar. And then they got away from that. And, of course, now they have a show, but it's at the Apex. I feel like this could have been a bit of a, you know, a bit of a showcase, if you will. Do it at a smaller venue. You know, maybe not even T-Mobile. Maybe maybe MGM, maybe Mandalay, maybe the Palms. Um, but, you know, there's so many people in town. There's so much activity. That's why Teofimo's fighting on a Thursday. Thought for sure they would try to do it up as they are essentially the home team in Las Vegas and maybe the first one ever if you uh, exclude college sports, UNLV, etc. But nevertheless... They're not taking my advice on that one. Uh, we'll talk about all of that. Prior to that, we're going to be joined by Ben Whitaker. Ben Whitaker, not to be confused with Rob Whitaker, is an absolute sensation, a rising star in the world of boxing. Uh, he is nicknamed the Surgeon uh, from England, silver medalist at the 2020 Games, which of course took place in 2021 due to COVID. Had a win, his sixth pro win this past weekend, and he fights for Boxer, the promotion Boxer. There's three big ones in the UK. There's Matchroom, Queensberry, Boxer, their head man, Ben Shalom, and everyone has been talking about him. He has gone completely viral because of how he fought and how he's been fighting, but this one seems to have just exploded. Also, by the way, Boxer just signed a deal with Peacock, which is, of course, the streaming platform of NBC, this was their second show, and I think that has helped a little bit. But we have some of the highlights, right? Could we just show, just so people understand what we're dealing with here. Like, you think MVP is a showboat? This is Ben Whitaker this past Saturday. This is some of the stuff that he did. And uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., who's the son of Ice Cube, tweeted about him, and that went completely viral. This is him. Look at the moves here. He's in the black shorts. I mean, the guy is just, what? I love this. Look at this guy. He is different, and of course, it's all fun, fun and games until you get knocked out. But look at the movement, look at the speed, look at the showmanship, look at the hot-dogging, look at the elusiveness, and there's one sequence right here when he's up against the ropes in the corner, and he's just moving, he's chucking, he's jiving. Look at this guy, look at this guy, look at the movement. I mean, this is just, look at him. He does like a, a, three, a three Stooges little bop on top of his head. Incredible stuff. Uh, and the referee was all up in his grill. The referee was not... Look at that movement. Look at that movement. I mean, this guy is something. This guy is in uh, incredible. He's dancing. He's got a rap video coming out tonight at 2 o'clock. And some stats regarding Ben Whitaker that his PR team shared with me. He's gained 220,000 followers since the fight. Last 48 hours. Shaq followed him. OBJ followed him. Shakur Stevenson tweeted about him. The O'Shea Jackson tweet as well. There's a Sports Center post on Instagram with 1.1 million likes. And the old guard, especially in, uh, in England, are like, eh, this is a little too much. He's embarrassing us, this and that. I feel like in America, they're loving it. So I'm looking forward to talking to the young man and uh, seeing how he's dealing with all this. Like I said, silver medalist. So he's got skills. Let's see how far he can go. Very fun stuff. Tim Welch, the uh, head coach for one 
Sugar Sean O'Malley will join us. A fan favorite. People love the Red Hawk. Do we have the music, Frank? We will have it. Tremendous. Um, they're getting ready for March 9th, and that's in Miami. That's the big rematch against Cheeto Vera. Corey Anderson's going to join us. We found out officially on Monday, I reported last week, that he will be fighting for the vacant Bellator light heavyweight title on March 22nd. I was going to say February 22nd. March 22nd against one Carl Moore of of, uh, Ireland. And that will be the first uh, Bellator show of the new PFL era. Uh, We know that it's going to air in Europe on the zone. We still don't know 100% where it's going to air. Here in America, I'm hearing some things, but uh, not quite finalized. And I will also say that if what I'm hearing is going to come to fruition, I think MMA fans will be happy with this news. So stay tuned. Randy Brown, who had a big win on Saturday against Muslim Salihov. What a tremendous finish that was. He went the uh, the 1-1-2 route, double jab, right hand, bang, knocked him out. And that's his second win in a row and quite a run for Randy Brown. He stumbled against Jack Della Maddalena almost exactly one year ago, February 12th of last year. That was the pay-per-view in Perth, UFC 284. Prior to that, he had won four in a row. So that means he's won six of his last seven. Pretty damn good. Benoit Saint-Denis, the God of War, is going to join us also. Love talking to him. And of course, we spoke to Dustin Poirier. So we'll get the complete picture of that massive fight going down in the 305 in a little over a month. But of course, on Wednesdays, we love to shoot. And I like when I get extended time off the time off the top to shoot because there's a lot going on. There's a lot of great questions. And so let us... It's shoot. time for a good old-fashioned Q&A, MMA fans. Yeah, Frankie. Ladies oh, and gentlemen, we got a lot of questions. Oh, I didn't send you my questions, huh? Himself, needed to Ariel do that. Helwani. You know... I haven't Live been able, you know, there's a lot go, you know, this. Typically so the moderator. Ah, sure so much with the moderation, now, you know, so much. I didn't, I didn't actually put them in order. If I'm being honest with you. My, my usual Ariel routine is Helwani. when I go get my coffee and lunch, my routine, like I've been doing this for years. Who, me? Weeks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, it's taking the world by storm, by the way. We need to come out with merch. Who, me, merch? Me and Beetlejuice, you know? You know Beetlejuice? Yeah. Um, not the one you're referring to. For real? From the Howard Stern show? Um, no. Connor, you know Beetlejuice? Yes, of course I know. (laughs) Who who doesn't know Beetlejuice? He's iconic. This guy? (laughs) Which guy? Oh, you. Oh, right. Who, me? (laughs) Um, that actually sounded exactly like it. In any event, uh, everyone buzzing. Everyone loves your drops, Frank. You're really developing into uh, an integral part of the team. You're finally, uh, you're finally, you know, carrying your weight around these parts. So I like it. It's great. Uh, providing value to the, uh, to the audience. Okay, let's not waste any time. We got a litany of questions. Let's try to get to all of them as quickly as possible. Okay, so this gentleman, Emilio, and you know how I know this, Frank? Because I'm moderating the question, so I know that he's been asking this question a lot. You know, it's just being in touch, keeping an eye on things, trends, etc. Emilio says, Ariel, not sure what else I got to do to ask a question or get it read on air. I ask the same one every week. I will try again. So here you go, Emilio. This is your big chance. Now, I'm sure you're, re- you're, you're hearing this and you're like, wow, what is this? What is this big question that Emilio wants answered so badly, right? I'm sure you're, you guys are on pins and needles. Here it is. 
Do you know why the UFC has stayed away from Chicago? This is what Emilio is dying to know. I'm guessing he's a Chicagoan, a native of the Windy City. At this point, every major city has had an event come back to their city. Disagree. Not true. They are even going global again, but for some reason, Chicago is left out of the equation. Bellator had multiple events here before they were bought. Would that be part of the reason? No. Shout out to my guys, Rick, GC, and of course, the sassy, mysterious Frank. I've said it already. They, uh, they are mainly, especially here in the United States, and even more so overseas, they're going to places that are paying them. There's a reason why they're going to Utah. There's a reason why they're going to Miami. Now, the MSGs of the world are different, but they're, they're in such hot, high demand, and they're such a hot property that they're only going to go to places that are going to pay them to come, site fee. And so I can only hypothesize, because I haven't specifically talked to anyone in the you know, Illinois government, athletic commission, etc., that they're either A, not willing to pay or not willing to pay enough. And so them's the breaks. Unless you're a Las Vegas, which they have a deal with T-Mobile, or unless you're, you know, the Mecca, New York City, they're not going to go to these random places. And there's a ton of places that haven't had an event in a while. Um, top of my head, well, they haven't been back to Montreal. You know, they just came back to Toronto. Denver. Where else? There's a whole host of places that haven't hosted a big show in a while. I'm assuming and, and, and suspect that they'll come back in the near future. And also, you know, they went to Chicago a lot back in the day in the early days of the Fox deal. And sometimes they feel like they've kind of uh, ran a market dry and they just, you know, you know, it took them like 20 years to go back to Miami. Now they love Miami. So keep the faith, but that's basically the breakdown. Matt Moe. So, Ariel, I haven't heard you or the crew ever talk about or mention the UFC weigh-in show they've been doing in recent years. I find myself really looking forward to them. It's always hilarious. Vibes when Sanko, Heli, DC, and Weidman are on. Recently, we got to see DC try Tim Horton's Timbits and good old Canadian poutine for the first time. I'd just like to know your general thoughts on the show and if it's something you and the crew pay attention to. Thanks for all you do. I think that the weigh-in show that they do on YouTube on Friday mornings, usually Friday mornings, I think that's maybe the best thing that the UFC produces outside of the events. Obviously, the events are the events. The fights are the fights. But they've, they've, they've developed a great thing, which to me, the gold standard as far as a studio show, and I know this isn't your typical studio show because they're often on the road, is Inside the NBA. Inside the NBA on TNT is the greatest sports studio show of all time. And really, there's nothing close. And they have a similar vibe. And it's only getting better and stronger. The chemistry is great between the four of them. And even when they bring in other people, it's fun gags. It's, uh, it's loose. You hear from the fighters involved. And I know they don't love doing those post-Wayne interviews, but they love talking to fellow fighters, etc. Um, it's just a great time. I remember the first time that the first ever morning weigh-ins happened at UFC 199. And that was in Inglewood. Those were closed to the public. UFC 200, it was sort of like a well-kept secret that it was open to the media. Even the media couldn't attend at 199. UFC 200, select media went, but no one really did anything with it. I went to UFC 201, and that was Woodley Lawler in late July in Atlanta, 
watched it and I was like, okay, I feel like there's something here with these morning weigh-ins. And, and, and the UFC wants you to watch the ceremonial weigh-ins because that's the one with the lights, the glitz, the glamour, the pomp, the circumstance, the buzz. But this is the news right here. This is when we find out, A, who's on weight, who's not on weight, and how they look. And so for 202, what we did was, I remember Casey recorded it, and I just spoke into a, um, a lav mic and narrated the whole thing. And then it evolved. And I'm not trying to say that I'm some kind of, you know, trailblazer here, but no one was really streaming these live or making it into a show. Fast forward eight years, they're the show. Like, it would be stupid to go up against them. It's the best show. Um, they have the access. They have the production. They have the gags. It's fantastic. So kudos to everyone. Uh, I think Zach Candido is, uh, is involved as producer. Michael LaPlante, who I used to work with back in the day as well, and the whole crew over there, they do a great job. So well done. And uh, obviously the talents involved, DC, Sanko, Heli, Weidman, and the others, they all do great. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's Friday mornings on the UFC YouTube channel. I think they do a fantastic job. Cortland, hi, Ariel and crew. I'm curious what you all think about the way the UFC has been announcing fights as of late. I remember some of the amazing video packages they used to put together to announce fights, and they'd be uh, premiered during pay-per-views, sometimes, not for all of them, but for the, the big ones. And um, it always felt very super exciting and exclusive seeing those cards get announced like that. Now it's just Dana announcing them from his phone on social media. Don't get me wrong. I love watching a middle-aged man scream his lungs out in his office as much as the next guy, but it feels a bit cheap. Am I overanalyzing this or does it make fight announcements less exciting? I think you're overanalyzing it, to be honest. I think, like I said on Monday, the Dana White announcements are just his way of trying to beat the media to the punch. And I don't think as many media members, I can certainly speak for myself, are even trying to break that news anymore. Um, the juice just isn't worth the squeeze, but I think he just wants to beat everyone to the punch for whatever reason. Um, the the main thing is the main. I don't have a problem with Dana announcing the fights. I think it's actually easier. My two main gripes are a. I think the fighters should announce their own fights. To be honest, I think it should come from them, and I think that you would get much more, especially these days with everyone doing their own content. I think you'd get much more entertaining and original stuff to announce these fights. Uh, the fighters and their teams are very creative. And, and, and so that's one. And, and B, the obvious other thing is, uh, you know, they're not always done, as we outlined on Monday. They're not a done deal. Someone hasn't agreed to it. Still in the works, etc. And there was one thing that I failed to mention on Monday when I was talking about this. The biggest thing that I didn't mention when Dana got mad at us for saying that, oh my gosh, the fight isn't done and you announced the fight and it's been a month and it's still not done and you're selling tickets based on a fight that's not done. This wasn't the media saying, hey, according to sources, according to people we spoke to, anonymous, this was coming from Dustin Poirier himself. Dustin Poirier is the one that broke this news. And, and his teammates, Johnny Eblen, backed it up in subsequent interviews. So it wasn't like we were doing this anonymously, and I can understand that Dana doesn't want to shit all over Dustin Poirier. That's his guy. That's his fighter. What's the point of that? So it's easier to take shots at us. But this came straight from him. And unless you think he's lying, which he wasn't, I know for a fact, there was really nothing to argue about. He came out, told me, told others, the fight wasn't agreed to. He was done playing the negotiation game, and he was going to move on, and then it got rectified. It wasn't like we were saying, you know, Dana could say that 
my report on the Saudi thing is wrong because it's from sources. There's a reason for that. But this one wasn't from sources. This was straight from Dustin. That's a pretty big detail. In any event, um, I don't care about the videos. They don't bother me. The main thing that bothers me is if it gets announced and it's not done. That should be the biggest issue. And I think for some of the big ones, they'll put together video packages. They don't do it for every single card. Um, I don't think that that should determine how excited. Like, you tell me that Alex is fighting Ilya. I'm excited. I don't need a snazzy video package to to let me know. Now, in the past, they did have like the Jones DC one and others. Those are great. Why they're not doing them, I don't know. But it doesn't really impact my level of excitement or anticipation going into the fight. Hi, Ariel and the team. Love the show. This is from G. My question this week is, how long do you think it will be before Turkey Al-Sheikh turns his attention to the UFC, trying to create super fights he wants to see? Will they be able to resist the money he can put forward? If they can't, how do you see him getting involved? Thanks, G from Glasgow. Uh, my understanding is he's a gigantic boxing fan and MMA, not as much. So I think you're seeing his passion for boxing come out here. Um, I don't even know, and I think the answer is no, that he's seen an MMA event live. That's going to change on February 24th. It was going to change on March 2nd. His first UFC event, God willing, June, um, that's the plan. And so I think it's just a matter of him being more interested in boxing. And 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 let's be honest, I saw his interview with Adi Oladipo, fascinating chat over on the DAZN boxing page. And he talked about how, you know, the UFC was the preeminent organization in combat because everything, you know, is, is, is very organized and the best fight, the best whatnot. And I think he's trying to kind of turn boxing into that as much as he can and maybe feels like he doesn't necessarily need to do that when it comes to MMA. This is me just hypothesizing. Obviously, he has a very strong relationship with Francis. The only thing I can see him doing is, hey, I want to see Francis fight this guy. Now, I think the UFC is powerful enough to say, no, thanks, but no thanks. Like, they don't have to do anything. That's the only one I could see him trying to make happen. But boxing is so disjointed, and there's so many people who refuse to play in the same sandbox. It's easier for him if enough you know, resources and money is involved, say like, hey, you need to come together. And it's so rare for that to ever happen. For example, this Queensberry Matchroom five-on-five event, it makes it feel very unique. There isn't a massive demand at the moment for a PFL versus UFC card. There isn't a massive demand for a Bellator versus UFC card or a one championship versus... There isn't. Uh, For the most part, UFC fans, if you're strictly a UFC fan, you get the fights that you want to see, for the most part. I know that there are examples, but you want to see this guy fight this guy? You want to see DDP fight Izzy? You're probably going to get that. You want to see, I don't know, Islam fight Charles last year? You got that. Uh, You want to see Grasso, Shevchenko too? You get that. And there's not a lot of roadblocks. There's not a lot of negotiations. There's not a lot of drama. We see in boxing, this happens quite often. And so there's a lot more for him to be able to accomplish there as opposed to on this side of the fence. Being Bobby, Ariel, another week, another downed opponent foul. Yes, this was during the Nesrudin Imovov versus Roman Delice fight. Last Saturday, we saw Nesrudin Imovov being deducted a point for kicking Roman Delice while he was down. But should Imovov have been deducted a point? Yes. 
because that's the rule. I thought the rule in Nevada was that um, the hand slash fingers needed to be weight-bearing. To me, Delisa's hand was not weight-bearing, and he was doing exactly what the rule tries to prevent, trying to take advantage of the down opponent rule to prevent being struck. Thankfully, the point being taken away didn't ultimately impact the correct result of Imovov winning, but please help me understand why a point was taken in the first place. The point was taken in the first place because the hand wasn't, excuse me, the hand was weight-bearing. Um, that's why it was taken away. I, I disagree with your assessment that it wasn't weight-bearing. It was weight-bearing, and he was hit. Now, what they are trying to rectify, and on the broadcast, they say in California, I think people got confused with Andy Foster. He's bringing this to the ABC, to the larger, I just wrote on my pants. He, he's bringing this to the Association of Boxing Commissions. So these are the people that oversee everything. These are all the commissions in all the jurisdictions and all the states coming together. And they got by the first hurdle, the, 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 the vote to modify the rule, which, as he explained, would include other parts of your body, your knee, your elbow, etc. That passed the rules committee, and now it's going to go to the larger group in the summertime at the next ABC meeting. And so if that had been passed, it wouldn't have been illegal. But Nevada, it's weight-bearing, and according to the referee, it was weight-bearing. And that's why the point was deducted. So technically, by the rule today, it's illegal. Um, I noted this on Saturday. Not only is this problematic for the one throwing the knee or the kick, whatever, it's also problematic for the fighter. Because if you are playing that game and you think that this is an out, you think that this is a safety net, perhaps like Dolice did in this moment, sometimes you get blasted and you're not defending yourself. So it, it, it's, it's like a false sense of security for the fighter. He's down. He's like, oh, I think I'm good, right? Like, I, you know, it's like, it's like if you're doing tag team wrestling and you put your hand on the rope or something. I'm not going to get touched. And then you get blasted and you're like, damn, I wasn't expecting that. So it just creates this illusion that, oh, this could be my out when in a fight there shouldn't be outs, especially not in a, in a situation like that. So it's better to just get rid of it unless you're like actually down and it's very clear. And then if you're blasting someone who's actually down, then you probably, you know, deserve a punishment. Um, let us move along. Sam, yo, Ariel, quick one from me this week. Wondering if you can put your manager hat on for a second and use the Wizard of Oz managerial technique on Rick, GC, Mysterious Frank, and Andy. Unfortunately, uh, Andy is on... Maternity leave, we miss her dearly, but she's having a great time, and so she cannot partake. Tell us whom you think is. Oh, gosh. Dorothy has lost their way and is just missing the guidance. The Scarecrow has everything they need to succeed, but is just missing the knowledge piece. The Tin Man, total rock star, but needs more heart. The Cowardly Lion simply needs to find the courage to showcase their strengths. Vest Sam. Now, Matt Moe, for whatever it's worth, said Lion is Frank, but I am, I'm not co-signing that. I wanted to just throw this out. Does anyone have any thoughts on any of this? I mean, it could be a bit problematic. No, no, you, um, you selected that. <laughs> no, you I know what? I encourage you to. Yeah, yeah, you picked you it. That, so I encourage you yeah. to, uh, You're not a moderator. You're a curator. No, you know, it's interesting you say that. When I'm getting the coffee, there's a lot going on. So I'm just like screen grabbing, screen grabbing from the Substack app, so which is So you're phoning great, it in. Well, I just, I just thought it was an interesting question, you know? 
Um, can we? I want to hear what I'm negativity you tie to each of us. Well, you see, the interesting thing about the question is, you bring up a great point. You see, why does every single person have some sort of negative slant to it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, was there a boss? I mean, does, they're, is, they're it, lacking. is everyone lacking on that film? I mean, yeah. yeah. In the That's end, the journey. They, it's been they a while. All succeed. Mm. They were yes, following the wizard who ended up being a uh, sham. Dorothy, what are we eating, Frankie? Frankie, we're chewing in the middle of the program. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah. That one was a perfect who me missed one. Yeah, you really missed that. Who me? I was me? too busy chewing. I couldn't hear you. What are you eating? <laughs> who me? <laughs> Grapes. <laughs> Grapes. In the middle of the of the segment where you're called upon the most. Yeah, I was trying to... You know, it is weird hydrated. to me. Like, you know, there's like... You just try to say, what? You try to say hydrated with grapes? Yeah. Grapes don't hydrate you. What are you talking about? At least I can use so a massage is... gun without getting hurt. Mm. <laughs> wow, this is getting this is getting contentious. Yeah. Who knows this question would open yeah, this up will the, bring, uh, Yeah, this will bring Ariel's I, answers out now. I'm just, I'm just curious about the thought process. Like, oh, show starts. This is definitely the hour where I'll get called upon the most. Let me pop grapes in my mouth. You have the questions in Who, front me? of you. You know I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> Let's does hear it, the answer. Why does it work every damn time? Why does it work every Don't, damn time? Because it's your voice, and uh, it was such an honest question. <laughs> uh, I got nothing, but I thought it was fun. You guys could ponder. Let us know in the comments. Yeah, it seems fun. It seems fun. Uh, let us know in the uh, the YouTube comments or the uh, the chat. James, hi, Ariel and team. I have a hypothetical situation. I would like to hear your thoughts, especially New York Ricks, since he doesn't think this is a big deal. Cody Rhodes winning the Royal Rumble and deciding to give up his chance to main event the biggest show of the year to The Rock is like Dustin Poirier being next in line for a title shot, but saying, nah, I'd rather see Conor McGregor get the chance because he's more popular to the casual fans. Remember, in this WWE storyline, Cody Rhodes himself decided this, not Triple H or Nick Khan. In the UFC hypothetical, Dustin decided himself and wasn't told by Dana White. Would you be okay with Dustin Poirier's actions in this situation? No, there's 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 some there's some faultiness to all of this. In case you don't know, that was the explanation. Cody says to The Rock, "Hey, I'm going to step aside. I'll, I'll go for Roman's belt, but not now. Here you go, carte blanche." And people are like, "What? This is weak." Now, I will say on Monday. They seem to have played this up a lot. Is it The Rock versus Roman? And they're doing this press conference tomorrow in Las Vegas, which is smart. A lot of media there, center of the universe um, for the sporting world in America this week. So they're doing a press conference at T-Mobile. Rock will be there. Roman will be there. Cody will be there. Kind of brilliant. And let's see where they go. But it feels, as I said on Monday before Raw, let's just wait to see how this story plays out. Because I don't think that Cody is completely out of the picture, and they were playing into it on Monday. They were playing it up. How does it pan out? I think Cody will be fine in the end. This is only making him a bigger deal. This is only making the fans want to back him more and see him get the belt and see him get over. And contrary to what lapsed fan Rick might say, this is all about the belt. I know it's fictitious. I know it's scripted. But the whole point of this is, not to see Cody beat Roman. It's to finally get the belt. That's the story. It's not because there's some long-standing feud between Cody and Roman. It's because they want to see the story that started with Dusty Rhodes never winning this belt or technically winning it for 10 minutes at Madison Square Garden at a house show in the 70s. They want to see his son, who has been through all kinds of trials and tribulations, get it and say, Pops, we did it. That's what they want. And they're invested that's, in this story. This is what it's all that's about. Touching, that's touching stuff. 
and yeah, all the such a whiny crybabies <laughs> are gonna cry their eyes out when the rock set when uh, rocky when Dwayne, when dj comes back and says that's mine i mean you know this person laid out this this fictitious like kind of comparison with ufc if conor mcgregor decided that he wanted to come back and fight xyz the same as uh the rock is deciding i promise you it would happen I promise you that's that's the scenario yes, that they would choose. But Dustin Poirier would never get on a on a on a microphone and say, yeah, You know what, Connor, out of the kindness of my heart, I think you should go for the belt. You know They they made him turn what they, you did think? they not make him look a little bit weak in that moment? Okay, but this is fake. Cold yes, these real reactions. But you know what? Probably, you can't, can't pull, believe no. this is happening again. You can't pull out the fake card. You're supposed to suspend disbelief. This is a TV show. This is like people debating. Oh, should Peter Parker have met the guy Venom? Who like? No, no. We're we're having fun here. Okay. When someone's having business. a wrestling debate, you can't pull out the fake card. No, you can't. Pull, business. Oh, 100 percent business. No, I'm. We're comparing UFC to WWE. That's where fake has to be exposed. If if we're just saying, oh, what's better for the storyline and all that? Sure, like that's okay. All but I'm saying unfortunately is, unfortunately for all you, the Rock is back. They're they're and looking at all of this. There goes they're that. playing into it. You see on Monday they're using specific words. Let's see what happens. Let's see how this plays out. Remember, WrestleMania is WrestleMania is two nights. Conceivably, you could do, you know, Rock Roman night one, Cody Roman night two. You could do that. There's no uh, nothing or saying you can make them. Wait another year. I think this is. I think at this point, I'm pretty. Sh- I wasn't sure before. Now I'm pretty sure this is intentional, uh, and it's working. They're getting all riled I up. I will also say one thing. I don't want the only thing. I don't want. I would actually rather wait a year than a triple threat match. I don't like triple threat. Yeah, don't do that. Lazy. Do that. I agree. Cody I agree. has nothing to do with Rock Roman. Don't insert him into that story. Make make him have another roadblock. The Rock became another roadblock for him getting what he wants, and now he conquers that and the next year he gets it done and then you get another year of roman with the with this streak i'm not like i don't know the the ins and outs of it who who has the longest streak but i know he's like uh, approaching yeah. some kind of like best streak top ever. three so top four just do just keep that going and then next year you get the the payoff from cody i think i i wasn't sure now i'm pretty sure that this is intentional and that they will they will play this correctly should they should they turn Rock heel and bring back Hollywood Rock to play into all of this? That'd be pretty cool. Imagine that'd be pretty like, cool. Oh, you guys! Oh, you're so sad about Cody. But it doesn't Roman matter heel? what you think. Uh, yeah, isn't Roman That's heel? Because that might be the problem. I'm very curious to see what they Roman. do tomorrow. You gonna watch? I mean, hasn't there? No, probably not. But hasn't there been like situations <laughs> where they switch where they switch them both? Yeah, where like Roman could all of a sudden be the guy. Like I wanted to give it to Cody Rhodes. But they wanted the rock came in here and steamrolled his way. This part timer's coming back, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then they like flip it, both of them. That could be fun. That's not bad. I'd like a heel rock. But he's too, like, he's campaigning for president in five years, in six years from now. You know what I mean? Like, there's probably not a world where he wants to be a heel. I, I wouldn't uh, imagine. Wholesome rock is fun, but heel rock is even more fun. I, that's the one that I watched. Yeah. I, I fell in love with heel rock. That was my guy. But. I, I just can't. He he's too he's too manicured now. Everything is too yeah. like perfectly placed um, for him to do it. But I think that'd be the most fun outcome. Bottom line, like, I don't know if you saw Super Bowl Media Day. You got guys weighing in on this on the podium. Like everyone's yeah. talking about this. Everyone wants to talk about this. Is all good. Anyone who thinks that they're fucking up, they're screwing it up. The fact that people are this passionate about the main event of WrestleMania in this scenario is is all good. Is good for everyone think, involved. It's, it's I, all part of the plan. I don't think. 
Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think that if Cody just got it, this would be the same, unless you disagree. No, like, of course. I feel like the element because, of this. Well, the element is of him that. getting screwed has brought out this passion. Yeah. But honestly, yeah. when he won the Rumble a couple of weeks ago, people were like, oh, nice. He's going to finish the story at WrestleMania 40. People were hyped. But now, I but think. But it wouldn't it's, have crossed over yeah, to yeah. this, like, new level. Yeah, because it's like, oh, Rock's coming back and he's taking something from a guy who's there week in and week out on the road, face of the company, and, like, he hasn't been here for years. This is all good. I don't follow wrestling, like, very closely, but I've always. I've always loved when they do the like, this guy's a guy part timer coming back. Oh, yeah, like when best. Cena did it to The Rock. I love oh, that. Punk is I the biggest, uh, Punk, you know, naysayer yeah, of all this. That. Yes, yes. Also, who else was talking about it other than George Kittle? Um, Travis. Oh, all right. Oh, are you trying to call me a liar or what? No, I'm not trying to call you a liar. <laughs> I, mean, I just, you know, I don't know how many, you know, I heard everyone was talking about. Yeah, Travis and Kittle. Two big names, would you say? Like, I mean, tight ends, though. Tight ends, I mean. They don't count? <laughs> Anyone other than discounting tight ends? positions. First of all, positions. you think I'm fucking watching Media Day? I saw Triple H retweet both clips. That's how I saw it. You think, I, mean, I don't know if fucking Eric Bieniemy is talking, if he's still on the team. I don't even know. <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah, let me uh, let me get Andy Reid's fucking thoughts on uh, the curtain jerker. Right, so many people, yeah, two pretty big watchers. fucking names. <laughs> Excuse me. So, I mean, we're, we're Two pretty big names. Yeah. By the way, are they being asked 100%. about the main event of UFC 300? No, they're not. Not even close. Not even close. Oh, hey, who do you think's winning? What is the main event of UFC 300? Yeah. By the way, guess what? No one cares anymore. They're all talking about this. <laughs> there it is. Proving your point. Yes. I, I have to say this. It. I feel like this Wizard of Oz question is fractured. Uh, the entire. I don't know if we can recover from that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who, who knows? Well, uh, uh, random tidbit Wizard of Oz my favorite movie love that movie ever Just, your favorite movie ever is Wizard ever. of Oz number one this is such number cat 1935 such cat. when did that come out this is cat this is cat no, not, yeah. uh, maybe actually but, uh, Wizard yeah, of Oz are you kidding me you told by the way this is such a lie because that, that no. stupid movie that uh, that Devin Sawa is in you always say is your favorite movie you Final said Destination you no, that's said my this. favorite horror <laughs> you said this this is this is, this is the greatest of movie of all time number one stop, stop. love it stop. this is this Can't is stood enough. the test of time for the 85 best. years the greatest movie ever well, I'm not, nothing I'm not has been better give us one piece of Shawshank you're confusing you're confusing. I'm not making the case that everybody universally will agree that Wizard of Oz is number one. I'm saying my number one, Wizard Fair of Oz. Fair enough. Love it. But, but you said Titanic was your favorite. Perfect movie. Have you showed Perfect your kids? Movie. Have you showed your kids this movie yet? Not yet. Because I'm afraid. I when I saw the it, I monkeys. was scared of the flying monkeys yeah. and the witch, and it kind of you know was was a thing I had to overcome. But stop it. Oh when they're God. old enough, what are you I talking about? Sure. I mean, so dude, my it's parents, the fakest thing I've was, ever seen. I'm looking at yeah. screenshots right now. You haven't seen Wizard of Oz. They're walking coming? into like paper sets. The, the, oh, bro, was it was kid, made 80 years me, before I was classic. born. It is they a took me to like, um, like they used to have like a Ren Fair in, in upstate New York somewhere that was they like Wizard of Oz like themed. And they took me to that when I was a kid. It's my number one. Number one. I've definitely seen it at some point in my life. But it was so. I feel like you're not gonna like it because you're you're big on the like the special effects and like it yeah, doesn't. I'm, really, I'm looking up. at some of these screenshots. That feels yeah. like shade right no, there. Wasn't it like I the first color like movie? Gonna, I don't feel like you're gonna enjoy. Why? No, it wasn't the first color movie. But they did the thing in it where the black and white turned to color. You're gonna let him talk um, about you like that, GC? That that you can't appreciate what? cinema? He says you can't. You you need the glitz and glamour. No, I actually but, find that as a compliment. I don't enjoy. <laughs> Old timey, just like I mean, you got to come into the new age here. I'm not trying to using trying my to telephone the, the, from 1939. You know okay? what? Connor's a scared. Trying to do some division. This is a, this is a pre World War II movie, huh? 
It's it's incredible. Can we do a watch along? I feel like a watch along of you trying to explain the beauty of this film to Connor would. It's yeah. it doesn't need to be explained. It's very simple. It's a simple movie. These these characters are searching for something. And what, what are you going to tell uh, me next? Your your favorite actor is Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> Who's your favorite actor? <laughs> he's, he's a great Listen, actor. Why are you coming at me from my favorite movie? What's your favorite I'm movie? Just saying, it's a crazy take to say this is the greatest what? movie you've ever seen. I, it is. You've uh, never seen it. It is. It's pretty great. I'm actually That's concerned about great. the Burke's household not showing uh, Amy Connor oh Wizard of Oz. Yeah, how have you never seen this? Yeah, that is weird. I'm, I, I I feel confident that I have seen it. It was just like a it was like a fever dream. Like I saw Charlie and the Chocolate Factory like 19 times in school. Which you go back and watch that. Shout that out. was a, a roller coaster. Charlie and the, the Chocolate movie. Factory or No, the original Charlie's was great. Too. So you the original saw the was great. No, you, you know, the OG, OG yeah, the really Pond with Grandpa stuck in the bed. Yeah, yeah so and great. the blue face. So it's great movie. That's a great movie. That's a great oh, movie. I, I went back and watched it in modern times. There's actually a new one. Have you the, seen the new one? There's a Wonka the now? The new one's Charlie. There's two new ones. The well, there's Johnny Depp, but then there's like yeah. a real new one, like out in theaters right now, or it was just out in theaters. Right? Has yeah, there ever yeah. been a Wizard of Oz remake? Because I could actually appreciate if there hasn't been. There's yes. one called Oz. Oz, yeah. Uh, uh, Which I, I kind of like that the 39 stood alone. Wasn't that one based in prison, though? Was it? <laughs> no, that was... <laughs> no, he's talking about the series Oz on HBO. Well done, Me? Frank. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. one of my, another one of my favorites for TV. That is definitely one of my uh, favorites. What was the one? What was the one? Prison Escape? Was that the show that oh, everyone Prison loved? Break. Prison yeah, Break. That was a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's that was a good one. Nah, that's See, I like Oz. GC will like Prison Break. That's the, you know, generational. That's how it goes. But uh, see The Wizard of Oz. Watch it again. It's great. It's fantastic. All right. Um, let's move along. OC. Shout out to uh, moderator OC on the YouTube chat. Howdy, Ariel. Besides the Buffalo Bills, which NFL team do you think deserves slash needs a Super Bowl win the most? And why is it the Dallas Cowboys? No way the Dallas Cowboys. Listen, they want freaking three Super Bowls in the 90s. Like all this belly aching from Cowboys fans. Wait 50 more years before you start belly aching, if you ask me. Um, Bills, Browns, they certainly have been through a lot. Lions have been through a lot. Um, any other... Vikings, Vikings have been through a lot. Definitely not the Cowboys. All the best and thanks for the shows. Shout out to the chat. By the way, Frank, in case you were wondering, uh, he writes, I ended up making chicken tacos for the potluck get-together I had last week, and they turned out great. I'm sure Frank has been dying to know. Yeah, it's a big uh, weight off my mind. Cross, hi, Ariel. I know you had a separate basketball podcast from the MMA Hour, but... Have you thought about having some basketball-oriented interviews on the MMAR show, too, since you already do WWE stuff on the show, which is not MMA-related either? Yeah, but closer? Anyway, I was thinking it would be cool if you could get Jalen Brunson on the show to talk about being an all-star for the first time. Um, first of all, I will just say I was watching the Knicks game last night. They're up by 30 against essentially what is a, a G League team in Memphis. And then all of a sudden Memphis comes back, and then all of a sudden – Jalen twists his ankle, and I was so depressed. Ugh, it ruined my night. And so I just want to say, if he needs a pretty good right ankle, I'm happy to uh, give him mine. I think it was right. Left works, too. Actually, left is better than the right, because I broke my right ankle 20 years ago. So, you know, I would happily donate mine to him. Hopefully he's okay. I'm very nervous about this. Uh, number two, congrats to him and Josh Hart. They have a new podcast together. Everyone has a podcast these days, and now they have added their name to the list. Uh, number three... Basketball, I try not to steer too far away from combat. I know we've had the darts, the odd, you know, yeah, J.J. Watt soccer, but 
I try not to steer too far away. All I'll say is, watch this space. The times they are changing. That's all I'll say, Cross. Uh, Return of the Nose. Hi, Ariel. Last year, you mentioned that you were planning to have your uncle Gad said as a guest on the MMA Hour. Are there any updates regarding this? Uh, might do it on the YouTube channel. Uh, yes, Gad is my uncle. Uh, my mom's brother. Uh, quite popular on social media. And uh, I just, it didn't feel right for this program, but maybe on the YouTube channel, he has his YouTube show or podcast as well. And so maybe there. Um, no real specific reason, but that felt like a little bit too much of a departure from what this show is. But I do appreciate you asking. Um, Anitsela, Anitsela Perf. Hi, Ariel. Why did Mohammed Mokayev say he will not go on your show anymore? Wow, that's a great question. Um, well, uh, I, I appreciate this question for multiple reasons. Number one, uh, today marks four months since the brutal attacks in uh, Israel. We found out yesterday that uh, 32 of the hostages that we thought were still alive are no longer alive. Uh, continues to baffle me that the world doesn't care that innocent women, children, elderly are being held hostage, just like that. And it's okay to negotiate the release of terrorists and criminals to bring these innocent people home. Blows my mind. No one seems to care. If one person was held hostage here in America, I, I would think that there would be an uproar um, and no one seems to care, which is just insane to me and appalling and uh, further proof that we just have to play by a different set of rules. Nevertheless, why Mohammed Mokhayev? There was a, a Sunday evening, maybe two weeks after uh, the attacks on October 7th, where you may recall uh, there were scenes out of Dagestan where... Uh, Hundreds, if not thousands of people rushed the airport because they, they thought or heard that a flight had landed from Israel, um, and the scenes were shocking. Uh, they were searching in the plane engine for the people. They were going up to people outside of the airport asking to see their passport, and I think the timing coincided. I reposted this because these are scary scenes. These are 1939 scenes. Uh, people are rushing airports to find out if there are Jews on the plane. And I dare I even think of what they would do to these Jews. Insane, disgusting stuff. So much so that Habib uh, even commented on this and said, like, we need to chill out um, based on what I had read from a translated interview. I, all I did was post this sans commentary of any kind, reposted a video, and then I saw him say that he's not going to uh, talk to me. Great. No problem. No skin off my back. I didn't even respond on Twitter when I saw that um, you know, uh, Muhammad and I, I think he's a tremendous fighter, a, a young fighter. I know his feelings on Israel, and I have looked past them and have been happy to have him on, and I would still be happy to have him on uh, prior to that comment. He doesn't want to come on the show, no skin off my back, no problem. I'm, I'm uh, blown away that me simply reposting actual news footage, sans commentary of any kind, would lead him to say something like that. But, you know, based on things that I've seen in the past from him, I'm not too surprised. And I've looked past those things and I've still had him on the show um, dating back to, I think, 2021. So, yeah, it's all, you know, it's all right there. You can see it. Uh, look at anything that I've said on social media since October 7th. Um, look at anything that I've said regarding 
Israel, regarding Gaza, regarding Palestine, regarding Muslims. Nothing has been derogatory, defamatory, um, disrespectful, salacious, nothing of any kind. I'm not reposting 15-second, you know, out-of-context videos. I'm not posting gruesome stuff. I'm not posting any of that stuff. It's all, I've, I've, I've tried to be very careful about all of that, even though I think I'm well within my rights to post whatever I want, as long as it's fair and accurate. He doesn't like the fact that I reposted a video of an actual avalanche of people showing up at the airport looking for Jews. If that offends him, sorry. I'm, uh, I'm not too bothered that you don't want to be on this show. You can go talk to someone else. Ace, Ola Ariel, I'm sure you'll be getting a lot of questions about this, but I would like to share why I'm upset about The Rock taking Cody's place against Roman Reigns. I like to watch wrestling to escape reality for a bit, but The Rock stepping in made me think of my own life, and I'm sure many others too. Cody is an employee who shows up every day to do his job, and he does it well. He wins the Rumble, and to compare that to events to a regular person's job, that is like having the highest rated guest interactions at your hotel, earning that big contract for your consulting company, or the class you teach having the best most improved test scores in the district, even though you're the one to really work hard and make a difference. Here comes someone from upper management to take the credit and earn that huge bonus in payrolls, while the regular employee just gets a nice pat on the back and told to keep working hard for a chance at a raise next year. I'm willing to let the story play out, but this just sounds too similar to my own stories and many other people's stories that I hear about. I don't know what my question is, even to you, just wanted to share my thoughts on this situation. Also, Cody was already the number one face and over person in the company. If your argument is to make it another Daniel Bryan situation, I'd argue they didn't have to. So fair enough. But all I'm saying is this passion, you relating this to your day-to-day life, this is exactly why it's all working. The biggest angle, arguably, of the last 30 years was Mr. McMahon versus Austin. Austin McMahon, right? And why was it so great? It was so great because people said, I wish I could do that to my boss. I wish I could flip off my boss. I wish I could kick him in the nuts and stone cold stun him. People related to it being held down and they're relating to this. So just enjoy the ride. Let it feel the way you want it to feel. Get mad, get upset, but just remember it's entertainment. It's fun. And I think Cody will have his moment. I too want to see him win. I wanted to see him win last year, but I'm choosing to sit back and letting this story play out. I want to see where they go with it. And then when it's done, we can assess how it went. Taco, rapid fire question, one for Ariel, GC, and New York Rick. Okay, you ready for this? GC, should the Hawks trade DeJounte Murray? Yes. Now, oh, what happened? I thought you had more to say. No, it's rapid fire. I just want to, okay. yes. By the way, I just want to tell you, Murray is a player on the Hawks. I know you don't really watch the Hawks, but he's, no, 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 I he's high in demand. Okay, um, Almost went to a Knicks game last night. Against the, no, against the Grizzlies. Yeah, almost went. What happened? Got offered free tickets, uh, you know. Life? Prior, uh, yeah, life. Things, things had to be done. Good game. Breen yeah, and I heard Clyde, it was a great game. My years. roommate went. My roommate ah. went. Yeah, you know, came back. Souvenir cup. Damn. Knicks, Knicks banner, foam finger. Courtside? No, 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 no. Have you ever been to a Knicks game? Yeah, several. Several Knicks, Hawks games. Oh, okay. Because I'm a Hawks fan, you know. Did you go to the playoff? Yes, when we eliminated y'all. Yeah. F. Trey Young. Uh, yep, yeah, I was at the final one, wearing a Trey Young jersey. Wow. You're that guy, huh? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, Hawks. New York Rick, in shout the social... To, shout out to Clyde and... Oh, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the best. The best. That was really nice. It was really nice what they did for them. Um, yeah. 
as I think I've said on this show, I don't know if anyone was nicer to me at ESPN who didn't need to be nice to me, uh, more so than Mike Breen, like went out of his way to be nice to me, take me for lunch before working a game together, texting me, um, just like he guy. seems like a nice guy from the outside, and then you find out he actually is a nice guy. It's even better. It's just incredible. I was blown away, honestly. Like it wasn't just fake nice. It was like go out of your way to make the guy who's completely irrelevant to this whole equation feel a part of the team. Shout out to his son Matt as well, big MMA fan. Um, obviously, I think he's in his early twenties, but a very nice kid as well. New York Rick in the social media world. There's been a lot of talk about hyper-specialization in one platform versus spending time developing presence on multiple platforms. Do you agree with this strategy from a business perspective? Yeah, I would say match the platform um, to what your goals you're trying to accomplish are and don't spend time trying to have presence on every platform if they're not going to achieve your goals. So yes, I agree with not necessarily hyper-specialization, but match the needs uh, to the platform. If it's a few, then do a few. If it's one, do one. If it's all of them and you can sustain that, do all of them, but make sure you're you're matching the needs. So yes. Okay. Ariel, I'll be in London the first weekend in March and want to go to a football match. Can't go too far out of London as I fly in Saturday morning, March 2nd. So within reach of me, which would you choose of the following? I've only been to one match at Old Trafford. Fulham Brighton, Craven's Cottage. Mm. Tottenham Crystal Palace at Tottenham, high up on the list. Obviously, shout out to Brandon and I've heard Hotspur Stadium, tremendous. Brentford Chelsea at Brentford Chelsea, bit of a mess at the moment. Luton Town Aston Villa, uh, Luton's on fire, golly. And big uh, Forest FA Cup match uh, coming up at 2:45 against Bristol City. We'll be keeping an eye on that. Uh, to me, it's down to Luton Town Aston Villa, Tottenham Crystal. Uh, Crystal's not great. Tottenham's amazing, especially if Sun is playing. They're doing well. Shout out to Big Ange. I like them both. Aston Villa's been great too, but ultimately I'll go with Tottenham for the uh, stadium experience. Luton Town Stadium is great as well. That's like the old school one in the in the middle of the neighborhood. But ultimately, I, I, I say you can't go wrong with any four of these, uh, any one of the four, but I'll, I'll go with Tottenham. Enjoy. I'm jealous. Um... Hello, Ariel. And the new video by Bellator's X-Page is from Ken O. Their events will now have at least one title fight when Don Davis mentioned two title fights on your show. Thoughts? Also, what is the point of the champ versus champ fights if the loser is still able to keep their belts? Wouldn't it be better if the winner has both belts and have just one champion under one banner? Well, yes, I did hear about that. I think they wanted to do, honestly, I think they wanted to do Cyborg versus Liam McCourt, which should have been the main event. But I think it's a budget thing. It is a little weird off the bat that it's not two championship fights on the bill. I think probably the fact that there's a February 24th card that ties up a lot of those champions, I think three or four of them, is part of the issue. I I do believe going forward of the eight events, they're going to try to have two championship fights on the card. So let's see. But yeah, it is a little weird that the first one off the bat doesn't have that. Um And I haven't gotten a straight answer as to why that was other than budget and close to the February 24th one. I don't mind that the, you know, champ versus champ fights isn't for one particular belt, 
because you want them to go their separate ways, especially the Bellator guys and defend those titles. If they're tied up, you can't do that anymore. And now you've got belts that have been unified when you don't really um, want them to be unified. Hello, Ariel and crew. Jimmy here. Uh, you guys rock. Just curious if you heard anything about the nature of Dana White's recent meeting with David Feldman. Yeah, that was cool. David Feldman of BKFC met with Dana White recently. Thanks a ton for all the amazing entertainment. I haven't, but I think it's great for BKFC. And I also saw Dana White meet with uh, Saki Kabara of Ryzen. Um, so this is great. You know, who knows? Who knows what this all leads to? Um, Dana met with Eddie Hearn. You know, all these guys look up to Dana White. He is the creme de la creme. He is the best in the business and obviously has this long track record at this point, 20 years plus doing this. And I think it's pretty darn cool that, hey, maybe it's not, you know, Bellator or PFL, who cares? He's willing to meet with these other promoters to share insight, to show them the PI, to show them the offices. Doesn't have to do it. Um, And I'm not even sure if the Dana White of 10 years ago would do this, but he seems to be in a place where he's comfortable enough doing it. And I think that's, that's commendable. Gabriel. Hello, Ariel. Who, me? Hiawani. You and the gang recently hosted a live show in New York City, which I would have loved to attend. Unfortunately, being on the West Coast, it was tough to. Any chance you and the boys will be heading to Vegas for International Fight Week? Or is there anything else in the works regarding another live show? With much love and appreciation, Gabriel, we've talked about 300. We've talked about IFW. Would like to do one in Las Vegas in the next few months. Let's see if it works out. But yes, this is something we'd like to do more of. I enjoy doing them. Um, I think the crew like doing them as well. I think that was the fourth one that we that I've done, dating back to the ESPN days. So yes, yeah, something I'd really like to do, and especially would love to do it consistently, right? Like one a quarter or something like that, I think would be amazing. So yes, hopefully either 300, IFW, or hell, why not both? P the G, bonjour, Elwani. I finished last week's show at 17.45, which is 5.45 UK time, 15 minutes before you guys go live. That's 12.45 our time. And I was wondering, I wonder what they're all doing right now before the show. So my question is, what does the 10 to 15 minutes before the show goes live look like? I imagine Frank is at his angriest at this time. Why do you think P the G thinks that, Frank? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe he's reading too deep into things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe you should stop. Uh, We're all uh, getting ready. There's usually a trip to the bathroom. There's last-minute testing, looking over things. Um, Anything? Yes. my favorite line of the day gets spoken. What's that? Um, Somebody says, hey, do you guys want to do anything? Yeah. That's my favorite line. Why is that such a big Because we always want to do something, Ariel. We're here to test and make sure the show is great it's uh, just it's, are... it's so funny when you do because it basically is you saying hey i'm ready to do stuff if you guys are. wow it, no this is a compliment wow i don't, I don't want to intrude everyone's very particular about their time their space their lunch break i just would say you guys like you know do you want there's things we could do we could go over lower thirds we could go over the b-roll we could go over the videos the photos we could do a test intro i mean we're doing the show almost three years we still have to do the test intro it's all i mean you press that a button is... Sacrament. You literally you press a button. I don't know what we're doing when we do it, but we still do it every time. Well, me? Um, I, f- I feel like we've tried to explain this several times. To me? Yeah, the test intro. Tell me, you know, tell me. Just, we're just making sure everything's good. 
Everything. Like the technology oh, is working. Oh, I, I have no problem sometimes with this. Sometimes there's technological issues. It sounds like you have a problem with no, this. No, I, I have no problem. It's, it's, it's Frank. Don't understand it. I'm glad Frank that we're modeling getting... what it looks like 10 to 15 minutes before the show right Frank's now. saying like, oh. I was at a doctor's appointment today, you know. No, you, you came you in. Can, you, can, you can do anything 15 minutes before the show. Hell yeah. Oh, Frank's getting all testy on me. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Nobody's getting Everyone's testy. getting testy. Is everyone okay back there? Is everyone, like, do we need to have a post-show meeting? Is... Why is it uh, upset? What would Frank like to call it? A huddle? A huddle. Come on, everybody, huddle up. Huddle up. Uh, we used to do the huddle, and then now I walk in there, and Frank's the first one to leave, like the second I walk in. So oh, like, my right. God. You should see him on the watch parties. I mean, I, I can't even get out of my chair, and there's just a cloud of dust where Frank was. He's just he's already halfway home by the time we get off the air. Why are you in such a rush, Frank? It's quite the hustle. <laughs> oh, I got to uh, upload the video. I mean, we just we just sat and watched the entire UFC card together. You know, we're we're kind of digesting, reacting, and then I'm like, "Where's Frank?" They're like, "Oh, he's gone." I'm like, oh, "You want to download? You want to? You want to recap?" I mean, especially when it's a crazy card. It's like, "All right, man, I'll see you Monday." Alex has a great one-liner after every single watch party uh, because it's like 2 a.m. Yeah, he always hits me with the, uh, "All right, man, see you tomorrow." Ah, oh, that's a classic. Oh, that's, a that's a good one. That's a good one. That's every good one. time. Every time. Uh, this one's for you, GC. Nate fought a bear. Hello, Ariel and crew. Today I have two questions pointed at GC. Please make sure he's available. I wasn't going to read them because, uh, but now you're, you know, you're back. Uh, GC, are there plans for a fight feast in regards to UFC Apex 100? I think this monumental moment in UFC history has to be celebrated and recognized in a way that only your fight feast content can truly do. Can I also just say? Big props to you here. You've only done one fight feast, and this guy's talking about it like it's been a staple for 10 years. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I think that really shows how much it resonated. Please give us what we want, more GC content. Okay, so that's the first one. Well, A, I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, me and Frankie, we're, do, we're doing number two this weekend. Uh, very much very much looking forward to doing that one, so I appreciate all the love. Uh, and yeah, I mean, obviously, I was I was just talking with, with our very own Jed Mishu last night uh, about the plans that need to be made around UFC Apex 100. Obviously, we're going to f- have to find out when it is, who's going to be on the card. I'm sure they're going to stack it top to bottom uh, in honor of the occasion. Uh, but yeah, plans will be made. Watch party, UFC Apex 100. Oh. Sounds like it's going to have to be a, a have to. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't wait. I, I know Dana and, and crew have big plans uh, surrounding that. Anything we don't see on 300, I'm sure we'll get on UFC Apex 100. Okay. Um, the other question is, additionally, I haven't been able to watch the pay-per-view watch parties in a while since starting a watch party group of my own. I'm curious, are you still ripping open packs of UFC trading cards? If so, anything good recently? And are you excited for the new Tops cards coming at the end of the month? Great question. A, uh, still ripping every single, every single time. Uh, just ripped a, uh, Alexa Grasso, like Constellation Auto. Uh, that was great. I mean, one of the best we've gotten in a while. Uh, had a little heart on the auto, felt real personal. Uh, B the tops, yeah, I can't wait. Grew up on tops, baseball and football cards, so uh, yeah. And I think it's an exclusivity deal, so no more Panini. Tops is the one owned by Fanatics, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. They so, got an office right over here. Maybe we're gonna. I'm gonna have to go knock on their door see if we can get some yeah. sort of sponsorship deal set up. Has the card thing gone down a little bit? My excitement for it? No, not you. Like, just in general. Like, I feel like 2021 NFT cards, all that, you know, it, it had this big comeback during the pandemic. Is it as big of a thing now? 
I feel like people are still big on it, but I follow like card accounts since I started opening them. My personal excitement has gone down a touch because you realize once you open a lot of these, it's tough to get good cards. Right. It's huge in Brazil. <laughs> Brazilian hiking trails. Right. Like the kids in Brazil. Yeah, they love them. Um, my kids like to open the packs, but I, I, I noticed that 10 seconds after opening it, like they like the rush of the unknown, but then they're just kind of done with it. You know what That's I mean? That's me. That's yeah. me because most of the time it's just come up womp, there. womp. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the womp womp sound effect is is perfect for 98% of the packs you open. Like I've probably opened 200, 250 packs on these live streams now and like the memorable cards are I got a Volk Auto, I got an Alexa Gross Auto. That's pretty sick, Volk Auto? Oh, the Volk was sick. It was like tie-dye to one of 25. Uh yeah, I mean, see, like, I can name two cards, and I've opened thousands of them. Yeah. Especially, you know, when, when you open the soccer cards as well, you get a lot of lower-level guys, and you're like, what is going on here? It feels like they make, like, a million of the lower-level yeah. ones, or just, like, the super common of the of the really good people. Cole, good day, Ariel and crew. Do you think the UFC will ever bring back the media day one-on-one interviews? There seems to be less passion when it comes to the media day. And as a fan that started watching in 2014, it really is a downgrade watching them in the present. Do you miss attending these at all? Would you consider attending them again if there was no pushback from the UFC, aka White Wall, put in your way? Thanks for your time and love the show. The media days back in the day, I was talking about this with the guys after the show on Monday. Even like pre-media day, where it was just Wednesday open workout, Thursday presser, and then after the open workout for each guy, I was at one point the only video, we were the only video team there, and so we would just get these one-on-ones, and then they would leave. There'd be like one scrum, one one one-on-one, and then that was it, and then presser on, on Thursday. Those were great. I mean, those those were huge for my career. Getting that inter, you know, the moments with Rampage, with Machida, with um, you know some of the guys in the early days, uh, whether it's Chuck Liddell or uh, Tito or Habib, all those guys. Like those were huge, 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 huge. Alistair Overeem, et cetera, et cetera. So Nate, Nick. You can't get that one-on-one time unless you go out of your way to their hotel, and that's harder to book and track down. Um, and I think it's, as a result, harder for people to break through. So, yeah, I would love, I, I would love for the younger journalists to have that opportunity. Um, I sort of feel like I, I did it, and we do more of this now, and I do other stuff, so I don't feel like I need to do it or, or miss out on it. But, yeah, I agree. The scrums... It's just not the same. You can't get that. And and I'm sure, by the way, that the fighters prefer it because as opposed to doing one long media day where you're sitting there doing multiple one-on-ones, answering the same questions over and over again, you know, sitting up there for 15 minutes and answering questions is a lot easier on them, especially as they're cutting weight. But in terms of creating content and sticking out and differentiating yourself from others, those were huge and they are missed in my opinion. So I agree with you. Joe Daddy, hey, A.H., um, I listened to a few podcasts that you were on recently. I try to catch them all. Thank you. Thankful there's no beef with post-wrestling. Love those guys. Love Pollock. No beef. Love those guys, too, as do I. Is there a show that you would want to appear on that hasn't asked you yet? Also, is there an update to your YouTube channel? Um, second question soon. Uh, first question, not really. Howard Stern Show, that would be the one. Yeah, 
I mean, I'm sure there's other shows that would be great to be on, um, but that's probably the biggest ever, in my opinion. Uh, Blaine, Ireland crew, are we running out of time for McGregor to headline 300? It seems the UFC would want to announce the return of McGregor sooner rather than later to get the most hype and fans interested. Is it too late for McGregor to headline 300? No, it is not too late, but I checked in as of today and still no plans of that happening. It's still moving towards the 26th. So they're telling everyone, like, sit tight, sit tight, sit tight. But still no plans. No plans at all. For McGregor, that is. And still no real clarity as to where they're going to go. And we're approaching two months. Ah, two months. Oh, my gosh. What is Chael going to be able to put out on his YouTube channel once they announce this main event? Every third video is... What's going on with 300? Once they announce it, what is he going to talk about? Wait and see. This is from No. Greetings, MMA Hour. Questions for the whole crew. Ariel, do you think your relationship with Turkey will make the boxing pundits put respect in your name in the long run? And Dana White? Um, no. I, I, love, I love to see who doesn't and who does credit us in the MMA and boxing world. And that's fine. Um, it's, it's totally okay. We're fine with it. Um, we don't need that validation. We don't need the pat on the back, but it's interesting to see. I just love pulling out the microscope just to see how small the font can get on some <laughs> or of that. graphics. Or that, if they do like, it, yeah, there it is, right there. Yeah, via the MMA hour. <laughs> if they do that, um, yeah. and then there's some people who just completely ignore it, or they just like to say like the person said it, but not where he said it. Anyway, New York Rick rank Wait, fights. Before, b- yes, b- before you jump to that, can I just jump in to say uh, Dana White was on Pat McAfee just just. Uh, a few moments ago, oh. said, "Hopefully this year, I'm hoping for the fall in regard to a Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler bout." Oh. We don't see it in 2024. From one, from one question ago. Oh wow! Thank um, you. Um, yeah. Last I Hopefully heard, hopefully in the fall. Jeez. Last I heard, the plan was still June 26, but that was before all of this. So maybe I need to check back in. Um, but this is all very freaking weird, man. Again, My, I told Michael you, Michael Chandler, 26 is, to 29. 38 39 years old something something like that i think we just looked it up and i forgot already like this is kind of wasting some valuable years on the end if of it happens career. in the fall that's two years without him fighting his last fight will have All been right. two forget the fact that the connor part of it but like michael chandler is really eating doo-doo on this like, he this hasn't fought since good. 281 right uh how old is Poirier? he Michael, Ch- yes, he has not fought since that MSG show. And, and, and you're right. Did I say June, in April? Did I say June 26? I'm sorry. No, wait. What did Twice. I say? Twice. Uh, you said so 26. 29. 29. Yeah, I'm thinking of six, tw- six, two, nine. Yeah. Um, yes, 37. 29. So we're we're wasting like the end of this dude's longevity here. This is, this is pretty rough. 100. percent But you're also wasting prime Con- years. Yeah. The biggest draw in the history of, of the game. Of course. And and trust me when I tell you he has two fights left. That's not a coincidence. It's mm-hmm. good to have him around as you're negotiating new TV deals and pay-per-view deals, et cetera. They are going to drag. This is going to turn into the Nate Diaz thing all over again. I, there's no reason why this guy shouldn't be at 300. There's no reason why he shouldn't be in June. Uh, let's see if he ends up being in June. But what are we doing here? He's ready to go. He has told us this. He is ready to go. Why are you icing him? It's crazy. It's a travesty. Really. Anyway, Rick, uh, rank fights in order of must-watch. Haney versus Tank, Teal oh, wow, versus Crawford, yep. Crawford versus Canelo, Ben versus Eubank. Now, personal preference, I'm not ranking these by like wider appeal. It's still Ben versus Eubank for me, but it is. <sighs> I admitted crazy. this on ben Monday. Ben versus Eubank it's is losing. dead. 
It's is dead. It, it's losing. It's again. losing. It's losing steam for me. It's Did you see that they, they they made an offer to Tank? Ben yeah, Tank. Tank versus uh, Ben is is a good one. That was one of the ones, right? That was one of the ones to rank in there, right? Unless no, I made no, that up. Uh, Haney uh, Tank. Haney, Haney Tank, Tank, which is tremendous. Okay. Tremendous. Uh, Lopez um, Crawford. Still, still Ben and Eubank, but it's dropping, and and they need to make it ASAP. Um, I think it's Terrence versus Canelo is is my second because I just feel like those two are great. Like, and Canelo, I know Canelo is kind of more close to the back nine, but greats that are just still great um in my opinion so i'll take that and then um then give me tank and haney and then what was the last option the last option was canelo yeah and then tfm no tfm crawford right then i'll take tfm crawford Crawford underneath that although tfm crawford is like a sneaky like low-key kind of banger one like I think that that would be more competitive potentially than Canelo versus versus Crawford would, um, but I don't hate any of those. I, I love all those. I think objectively, everybody else in the world would have Ben and Eubank at the very bottom, and I'd completely understand that. And then those Crawford, other three Crawford, in some order. Crawford and Canelo is also like potentially two weight classes difference. It's interesting that that's, you're picking that's two. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, look, Crawford. It's how much I respect Bud Crawford. Like, no, I know, but like that dude is. He's he's one of my favorites to watch. Period, but I just like he's different. I know it's very like cliche and trite and common and annoying for somebody to say somebody's different. Terence Crawford is different. He is not like other other boxers. He is he is extremely different. That du- the viciousness that he has, combined with the technical ability, he's he's unlike anybody else. And I'd be willing to see him chase greatness against Canelo, even though I do think that's not really a great matchup. Um, but it's it's because of how much respect I have and love I have for Bud Crawford. Like that dude is different, for lack of a, a I can't describe how. Um, but yeah, I I would really like to see him potentially chase greatness there. I think Tiafimo and Crawford would be a better fight. All right, uh, this gentleman had questions for uh, GC and Frank as well, but we'll put a pin in those and get back to them because our first guest is standing by. Let us get to him. He had a massive, very impressive win over Muslim Salihov last Saturday at the Apex. Second in a row, clean KO, a beautiful finish. He is Randy Brown. He is rude boy, and he's kind enough to join us. Yeah, there he is. Randy Brown in the house. Uh, Love that picture behind you over there. That is tremendous. You probably need to add that KO to the... uh, to the wall as well. That to me was your best finish in the UFC and, and maybe the best of your career. Would you agree just how brutal it was, how clean it was, how, how, how nice it was? Do you agree with that, Randy? Yeah, for sure. 100%, man. Thank you for having me back, Ari. I appreciate it. Of course. It's great to have you. So that's your favorite one? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, I couldn't ask for any, anything better than that. I mean, one and it's done, you know, that's it. Clean. So, like I said, I couldn't ask for anything better. Perfect yeah. performance. I've been waiting for a moment to kind of just show what I can truly do and, you know, honed in on it, and there, there it was. I, I saw you say that in the post-fight interview, like you've been waiting for this moment to show people who you truly are. Why do you think we sometimes don't see the real you in there? I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I, I bear away from the game plan. It happens, you know, stylistically. Styles make fights, you know what I mean? And... um. It's been a, it's been something you know I'm very confident in my game Ariel and I always tell you that you know it's just a matter of time man I feel like it's just a matter of time and I'm very consistent I don't stop I work extremely hard in the gym every day you know and uh, my goal remains the same I remain resolved from the beginning 
know what I mean? So I knew if I continue the path and just keep doing what I'm doing, it's only going to keep getting better. And I'm, we'll see a lot more wins like this coming from me for sure. Your, your, your boxing is so nice. You're, you're so long. So like you see that with the, the double jab, like you can just create so many fits for your opponents with just doing, I, I hate to call it basic stuff, but I mean like a, mm. a, a one, one, two is not like you're reinventing, but like you see what happened there. And so do your coaches get mad at you when you stray from the game plan and don't, cause I would imagine they say, use your attributes. Absolutely. It, it, and it is basic. It is. It's basics at a masterful level. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's just something that we do over and over and over. And I remember there's actually a video of Dana posted uh, in the back, you know, when we're warming up, getting ready to come out. And you see me in that video, literally practicing that same exact simple one, one, two. And throughout the camp, my coaches, they wanted me to kind of move to the left away from his uh, spinning back kick, but and into his overhand right. So the goal was to keep that his right side occupied so he couldn't throw that overhand right and stay away from the um the spinning back kick and the spinning hook kick. Right. So um the whole camp was just doubling up on that two and drop doubling up on that one and dropping that two. And sometimes it would have been jab three two. It would have been jab jab two, but at the end of the day it was down the middle and we knew that was gonna put him away. And so you put him away like that, and then you show up at the post fight press conference with a black belt around your uh yeah. your neck. Uh, why did you get the black belt in that moment? It's crazy. Everybody's asking that. Like, why would he get a black belt? <laughs> it's so I'll tell you what, the preparation and a lot of the game plan was in round two, I was going to take him down. Okay. I trained so much jujitsu for this camp, man. I trained a lot of jujitsu and I trained um, just, you know, kind of honing in on certain areas and certain aspects of my game on the ground. And a lot of people don't really get to know, get to see that from me a lot because I, I like to strike, you know, so people don't really know that I'm a great strike. I'm a great grappler. You know what I mean? So um, I guess he's seen it throughout just the preparation. He's like, wow, like you've seen my, my progression and he thought that I was ready. And I think I've been ready for a while, but for my coach, my sensei, it's more about, um, it's more about just, it's not only about my skill set, it's about my mentality, you know, and my ability to do jujitsu, you know, more than just in the cage or in the gym. It's more so about in life, you know what I mean? And, and how do I approach the game? How am I growing mentally? How am I honing in on certain things and using my, you know, my verbal jiu-jitsu or life jiu-jitsu, you know what I mean? So he maybe felt that in this time I was ready or I've been ready for a while. And he said, hey, let me just do it now. How did it feel when you got it backstage? Like what what, what were the emotions? What happened? Man, I tell you, it's... Ariel, I've been training so long. I've been doing jiu-jitsu for like 14 years, you know, and it was... I don't know. It was a lot of emotions already. I was already excited, you know what I mean? So in that moment, I just couldn't help it. It just, the tears started coming, you know what I mean? It was just, just overwhelmed, man. Overwhelmed and just excited and, and just proud that I stuck to it because this is something that, there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs, Ariel, you know that. Yeah. And, you know, I just stayed the, stayed the course and that's something I'm big on that. I'm big on staying the course. I'm big on not deterring and, 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 and not falling into, because it's easy to fall into, you know, that, uh, well, it's not working out, so let me just go through the motions and just kind of just let people tell you who you are and just kind of like, all right, maybe I am, and you just kind of stay there. But then you look at some of the greats, and you look at some of the great guys that had their breakthrough moment later in their careers and stuff like that. Guys like uh, Dustin Poirier, the guys like uh, Alex Oliveras, who just stayed the course, and they could have easily said, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to just go through the motions and just be a 50-50 guy. Whereas, you know, they didn't. They kind of stayed the course, kept grinding, you know, wholeheartedly still. They never just gave 50%. 
and look what it got them. You know what I mean? So I figured maybe that's the path for me. And I always admired that. So I just stayed, you know, I stayed diligent. And, and I think you're referring to Charles Olivera, right? No disrespect to Charles, Alex. Yes. But yes, yes he, my bad, Yeah, because he was a 50-50, uh, you know, 500 fighter um, for a good portion of his career. And then he turns into this champion and, and legend of the game. Were there moments where you were really seriously doubting yourself that you would ever... And, and I know you have so much more you want to accomplish. It's, it's not like you won the belt on Saturday, but it feels like you're yeah, on a roll now. Sure. Uh, you've won six of seven, this great finish, a nice win last summer. But do you, do you, do you, do you, can, you know, now that you're in this moment here, can you look back and say there were times where you were seriously doubting yourself? No, I, I'm, I'm very confident, Ariel. You know what I mean? I'm very confident in my ability. It's just, but I, I know, I hear the streets. I hear yeah. the streets talking, you know what I mean? So I still know what's up, you know what I mean? I know what people think. And I'm still tapped in with, with you know, with the fans and all that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not hard. It's not easy to, to just ignore it. You're going to hear it, so... You want to prove people wrong. You feel like you're getting a little more respect now? Um, I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> okay. Well, I know you say you hear the streets. So what are the streets yeah, saying? I hear it, but, it, I, they, you know, it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, he's not as good. He's just not as good as he thinks he is or what? whatever. You know? After that? On Saturday? Oh, well, after that, I don't know. I didn't see. Okay. But I'm sure that, that waked a lot of people up. Hell Yeah. And now you're calling out some some big names. So tell me what happened with Michael because you called him out, and then you it, it was respectful. You said you saw him in the back, but then I saw a tweet afterwards where you said the UFC said he's not interested. So can you tell me start to finish what happened here? No, yeah, that tweet was a tweet from before. So okay, to to, to really sum it all up, I mean, back in the day, I've been called. I called him out before, you know, and me and him had a conversation. You know, I saw him in Vegas. I was with Joey P. Joe Piper, he's fighting this weekend, shout him out. Um, yeah. And he told me, you know, he was down. He was down to fight. You know what I mean? I asked him about it. You know, respectfully, we just had a conversation. And at, at the time, it made more sense than when I called him out back in Brazil. And he he was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. We'll, we'll make it happen. I'll talk to my people, see if we can get them talking to the UFC. I'm like, all right. And I didn't do it in a way where I got to put him on the spot, so he has to say that. You know what I mean? It was it was just me and him one away. And then... uh. Nothing happened, and I seen him again in in uh, Madison Square Garden. You know oh. what I mean? And me and him had the same conversation again, just us again. You know what I mean? And he was like, "Yeah, man, I'm sorry. We're definitely gonna get it done. Yada yada yada, all that stuff." So I reach out to the UFC, and apparently UFC is like, "Hey, you know, he's, that's not something he's interested in." And um, I was like, "All right, I respect it," and I just kept it pushing. You know, um, fast forward. You know, he he's very he was very critical about one of my fights. I think I fought Jared Gooden. And he's very critical. I had a great performance. I yeah, I broke my toe, but he said that I can't. He just he's very critical in the things that he was saying. And I felt it was because of me, you know, wanting to fight him. So that's why he was saying the things that he said. So uh after that now, um, I decided, you know what, let me call, let me, let me try to fight him again. Let me, let me I saw him again, right? No, I said, let me DM him. So I DM'd him. And when I DM'd him, you know, he told me that uh he didn't see the message. He immediately he went and he called out someone else, right? He called out Colby Covington, right? Right after Colby Covington's loss. And I'm like, all right, I guess he wants to fight up, which makes sense. But I'm like, bro, you, you know, you on a on a street on a losing streak, you should probably fight somebody that's um, you know, that's coming up. You know what I mean? And I thought, no, who better to fight than me? I thought that would be a good fight, you know. So um messaged him. He claimed he didn't see it. So I saw him in the hallway again, and I was just like, bro, what's up, man? What are we doing? Like, what are we really doing? Like the just tell me you're not interested yourself so I can just yeah. fuck off. You know what I mean? Like, just 
because I'm, I'm not like bullying you or nothing. I just want to pick on you. I'm down to fight anybody, but I think that we make for a good fight. And I too, truly have a ton of respect for dude. I think that the dude is a legend, you know, in his own right, because he's been around for so long. These are guys I was watching when I was an amateur, when dudes were in like the ultimate fighter and stuff like that. It was more so about having that on my, my belt. You know what I mean? Having that on my not saying, hey, I fought one of these guys that I looked up to coming up as a kid. And um, yeah, he said this time, he said again, same thing that for sure we will get it done. He promised he didn't see my message. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll for sure get it done this time. So and that was we'll at see the, what that was at the apex? That was at the apex, yeah. Okay, you believe it? No, <laughs> not yet. But uh, I have a gut feeling maybe. We'll see. Now that you know people are talking about it, we'll see. And, and why him? Why him? I told you because, again, I just want the notch. The notch of like, okay. one of the, it, it can be him, it could be Magni, it could be those guys that I looked up to when I was coming up, you yeah. know what I mean? From my class, where I was like, oh shit, these are the guys that, at one point he was 155 and he had he was top five or something like that, you know what I mean? And these are the guys that I've that I seen coming up and I'm like, that would just be cool to get a notch in my belt. And honestly, it doesn't have to just be him. Anybody in the top 15, I don't care. You know what I mean? He just has a number and he's that guy. So hey, double whammy. And and I've heard you say this and I, I, I don't, I don't know if it necessarily applies to Michael, if only because I know he's been injured and that's not his mm -hmm. fault per se. But do you think it is a big problem in in a lot of these weight classes, and in particular 170 and 155, feels like those two divisions in particular, where guys really don't want to risk their spot, you know, their their ranking, and uh, you know, like look at look at DP, look at Dustin Poirier, he's fighting a dude who's 11. That's very rare. Benoit Saint Denis is 11, and he's three. That's so rare, and I feel like this happens a lot at 170 in particular. Do you feel like this is a real issue, and and uh, is there any way to combat this? Absolutely, I think that I think that everyone wants to fight up. That's the problem, mm. and I think that once you enter the top 15, I think you should be prepared to fight anyone with a number at any time. You know what I mean? So. I don't have the answer. I call it the welterweight, you know, the welter yeah. WAIT division, because it seems like everybody just wants to wait for the perfect moment. And when, you, when you're a welterweight, you know what I mean, and, and you're the, considered the, one of the best in the world, if you're truly the best in the world, you fight anybody, man. Anybody with a number next to their name, you show up and you fight them. You know, so it is weird. It is an issue, and I don't have the answers, but guys need to just fight each other. Man. They talk a big game online. They talk all this stuff, but when it's time to really show up and put their name on a piece of paper. They, they ain't doing it. I don't know why. Mm. Um, I know it was a quick fight for you, and I'm assuming unscathed, right? Like no injuries or anything like that. I know you mentioned three... Yeah. Or, or, or Did you get hurt? No, no. Oh, okay. I know you mentioned 300. Um, I think it might be full other than the main event, uh, but it sounds mm -hmm. like you want to come back in like the next couple months, yeah? For sure. Okay. Um can I give you? Pro I mean, the fighting has been great, but I really like this tiny desk thing that you're doing. Um, am I getting? <laughs> am I getting that right? Is that the name of the? Uh, yeah. the video? This is great stuff. Who came up with this? Uh, thank you. And and I really thank think you, you should do more of it. The visuals are hilarious. It's really really good. <laughs> I appreciate it, bro. I appreciate it. It's, it's been my idea for a little bit. I know, love it. And, uh, We're showing yeah, some man, of it we... right now. It's it's a, it's amazing. <laughs> this is great. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. This next one, we got a pretty big guest that's coming on. It's going to be pretty nice. Um, I can't really say who it is yet, but um, if everything goes well, you know what I mean? It's going to be going to be pretty cool. But we just, I'm just on it, man. I like, like I told you, I'm into, I'm into media. Yeah. I'm into like, uh, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah. Where do you film this? I filmed that in, in the city, in Manhattan, over at the Meta. 
Meta uh, headquarters. Ah, uh, it's brilliant. I love it. We're we're yeah. showing you and uh, Bisping here, just like you guys sitting in this time. It's just great stuff. It's I I really think you should continue doing it. It's unique. It's fun. It's different. Um, it's perfect. Really, I love it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Ariel. We actually. I started putting them up on my YouTube channel as well. I mean, I got a premiere. If you haven't checked out my YouTube channel, the guy to check it out is pretty cool. We got a premiere of one of my episodes from the Pro and the Bro today at five o'clock. Okay, oh. we shall check yeah. it out. If we just put in uh, Pro and the Bro, pops uh, up. Just Rude Boy Studios or Randy Brown, and my channel will come up. Look at you, a real uh, Renaissance man, doing all kind of things. <laughs> I like it. And I saw, guys I, do, guys do. I saw you with my boy Action Bronson uh, recently. Yeah. Isn't he the man? Top five coolest human beings on the planet, Action Bronson, in my Hell opinion. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. New Yorker, too. Big Queens. Yes. You know, big Queens. So we locked in immediately, you know. That's my guy right there. He's the freaking man. He shows up to the fights. I think we're, we're showing this picture. I think this was at MSG. Yoani uh, and yeah. Jacek photobombed you guys in the back over there. But uh, <laughs> this guy shows up for the first fight, the first prelim, and sticks to the end. Like, he's not there just for the main card, main event. A real, real fight fan. True fight fan, man, and he, he he hit me up after this fight too, you know, just congratulating me and everything, and uh, showed me lots of love, you know. So, um, yeah, he he really watches the fights. Like he's a fight fan. The guy knows everything about all the guys. Apparently, you know what I mean. Who's uh, upcoming matches and all that stuff. So, shout out to him, man. Uh, I see Big Bob behind you over there. Are you gonna see his movie? Absolutely. It looks you know, pretty good, huh? Yeah, yeah, it does look good. It, it looks pretty accurate. And my my boy Kyle Chin. Um, he actually helped uh, produce it. You know what I mean? Really? So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So shout out, to, shout out to Kyle. You know, um, yeah. So I'm definitely checking it out. And when you got guys like that, you know, who's immersed in the culture for real, I don't think they can get it wrong. They can't get it wrong. You know, especially such a big movie with Bob Marley. Sure. Oh my God, it looks amazing. But I'm wondering, so if your boy was a part of the production, why didn't he get you like an extra spot, like a little cameo? It's like something, right? <laughs> he didn't offer you anything. No, no, no he didn't. <laughs> what the hell? That's messed up. Not even like in the back, just like standing around. Right. <laughs> That's iconic to be a part of the Bob Marley movie. I think the first one ever. I know there's been documentaries, yeah. but in terms of like a motion picture, um, I'm wondering how it's going to be received by especially Jamaicans. Like if they feel like they'll capture his essence and you know what I mean? Yeah. And Jamaicans are very critical of that. Oh, you gosh. Know? So I'm just hoping they got the the, the accent right. You know yeah. what I mean? And they, they did all that. Because the guy's supposed to, the, the main actor is supposed to be from, uh, He's British, right? Oh, I, I don't so. know. Is he? I think he is. I think he's British, you know. So, um, but the culture, Jamaican culture is massive in England. So, you know, I hope, um, I'm sure, I'm sure he'll probably do a great job. Next one at the Apex? Or out of the Apex? Nah. Okay, yeah. Nah, come That's on. Ariel, come on. I mean, come on. <laughs> the Apex is like, it's becoming a thorn nah, in everyone's side. Nah. What happens when you I get the call? Say, Yo, you're at the apex. When you get the call from your manager, it's like next one apex. Like, what does does your heart just sink? A little bit. I was a little reluctant. I ain't gonna lie to you. I was a little reluctant. I'm like, all right, man. But I I needed to fight, so I was just like, all right, let me just you know, the fight got put off. I like big cars. I think I'm not an apex fighter. No, I'm a guy that needs to perform in front of big crowds. I'm an entertainer. You see the way I swag around out there, the way I move, and you know. I want to entertain people. People need to see me fight. You know what I mean? Imagine that that finish from last weekend on in like somewhere in a big arena, T-Mobile Arena or something like yeah, that. Of the course. place would have went crazy. You know? So um, I don't know. I just love the crowd. I fight better with the crowd. The apex is killing me. It's killing you. It's killing your vibe. It's my life, bro. It's living my life. <laughs> oh my gosh. For everyone. And more people are speaking up about it, and and I'm happy. Listen, there's no problem with being a contender series fighter, apex 
tough apex, but you reach a status. How many years have you been in the UFC? Eight years? Nine years? How long has it been? Yeah. My ninth year was that fight week. That's crazy. My ninth year. That's right. Yeah, that was my, my anniversary of my, uh, yeah, of my UFC on. debut. Yeah, you know Apex Fighter. That's uh, unbelievable. Man. And and I know th- this weekend is one year anniversary of, you know, your your last fight which didn't go your way. Since then two mm. wins in a row, you're rolling now and uh big plans for 2024. So, uh much respect. Congrats on the win and uh keep it, you know, everything that you're doing outside, keep it up, man. It's great to see and uh very important as well. So, well done. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, Ariel. Pleasure. Much love. Same to you, my man. Much love. There he is, Randy Brown, rude boy. Massive win over Muslim Salihov on Saturday. A very impressive finish, a very impressive um, stoppage. And uh, yeah, six of seven. He's rolling right now. And uh, solid wins. Alex Oliveira, Jared Gooden, Chaos Williams, Francisco Trinaldo, Wellington Terman, Muslim Salihov. The last time he had a clean knockout like that was Ring of Combat 53. In November of 2015, he was the Ring of Combat welterweight champion way back in the day. And so good to see him get another one of those clean knockouts against a very tough and game opponent in uh, Muslim Salihov. In a matter of seconds, we're going to be joined by Benoit Saint-Denis, who uh, you may recall a few months ago, right after the MSG show in November, he joined us in studio uh, after his incredible knockout of Matt Favola, which was on the short list for knockouts of the year. And after that fight, he said, hey, give me Justin Gaethje. Give me Dustin Poirier. And people said, like, this guy's going to be a future title contender, no doubt, but maybe not quite yet. Well, wouldn't you know, at UFC 299, in a little over a month, in about 31 days from today, <clears throat> excuse me, in Miami, it is going to be Benoit Saint-Denis against Dustin Poirier in a fight that we thought we lost last week, but of course is back on. Very excited to talk to the god of war, the pride of France, Benoit Saint-Denis. He's kind enough to join us right now. There he is. Hello, Benoit. How are you? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to talk to you again. Thank you for joining us. Um, where, where are you right now? What, which, uh, which country are you in? Uh, I'm in Bulgaria for three weeks. To, to get ready for, for my, next, uh, my next opponent. Why Bulgaria? Uh, I was supposed to, to go there um, to, to train a lot of wrestling because there's a, an amazing wrestling coach uh, named uh, Niki Stanchev. And um, we decided to still have the, him in the team, in the staff, and to go out there and uh, to bring a lot of guys with us uh, there to, to get a full training camp. So all my French staff is here. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we just changed a bit the schedule. It's not going to be a, a training camp to improve wrestling. It's just going to be a, a usual training camp to get ready for the fight. And, and do you usually go to Bulgaria before your fights? Uh, no, I usually go there like uh, one month per year to to get better at wrestling because uh, wrestling is a uh, is a sport uh, I began the latest with uh, like uh, in 2020, 2000, late 2019. I really began to wrestle, so um, I still have a lot of stuff to learn, and uh, I feel like uh, yeah, I'm getting good at it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm blessed to have a, a very uh, intelligent and uh, uh, full of experience and uh, 
expert in uh, in my my stuff uh, all around me. And uh, I saw earlier today, uh, it seemed like you were at some sort of like, I don't know if it was like some amateur show or sparring. Uh, was it boxing? Where, where were you at? I saw on your Instagram story. Where was that? Or what was that? As this morning, I just said a uh, uh, boxing lesson. Oh, with, okay. Uh, yeah, it was a very, very uh, talented uh, coach who was uh, responsible for the French uh, Olympic team in uh, English boxing. There is a tournament in uh, in Sofia right now for the French team. Oh. So he's coaching a lot of the guys out there. And uh, I managed to, to have, him, uh, yeah, have him by my side sometimes. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, so, so like I said, in November, after the win over Matt Frivola, you said, you know, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, these are the names I want. And... You know, I think a lot of people thought, like, you're going to be there very soon, but maybe not the next one. Deep down in your heart, did you think that you would get one of those names for your next one? Uh, no, I, uh, I I thought I was uh, going to have a, a tough fight against the top 10. Um, I really believed in this uh, Benil Dayush uh, matchup, uh, potentially. But I knew my manager was working a lot uh, on a lot of stuff, but when when something is not sure or is not done, he's never telling me because I don't want to be preparing for Hooker and then for Turner and then for for Dayush and for Sarukian and then for for Poirier and then for Justin and then uh, you go back from Justin to to Hooker or whatever. Right. So he always tells me uh, when he it's uh, almost sure, like ninety uh, percent sure. Okay. And so what was your reaction when you found out it was Dustin next for you? I was really, really happy. He's a tough guy. A lot of tough guy in this division is the top five. It is surprising to a lot of people that I'm facing him, but I think it's one of the only weight class where it's surprising to face a a top five opponent after five finishes in a row. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm really happy. He, he he has a lot of experience. He is an, a former interim champion, of course. So it, it's really going to be a test match for me. Uh, it's a big test to, 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 to see if I'm, I'm ready for, for whatever is next behind Poi. Did you have any idea that there was any kind of issue between him and the UFC about agreeing to this fight before all of this happened on Thursday? Uh, not on our side. On our side, everything was clear. You know, I had a message from uh, from the the main uh, match, matchmaker of the UFC. Uh, we agreed for the fight. Uh, everything was okay on our side. Um, I'm not a I'm not a, a big star like Poirier is, so uh-huh. I'm still pretty fresh in the in the game. So I I, I don't have the politics in my sure in, in my pockets, and I it's not a game I'm used to play or I have ever played. So I'm just I'm just gonna try to do what I'm good at. It's taking people's head off and going uh, climbing the rankings, and uh, yeah getting ready for this fight and uh yeah i, I imagine that uh, when you have been uh, this long in the ufc uh, there's a lot more talk uh, with uh, with the show uh, a lot of a lot more stuff 
But uh, yeah, really happy to have this guy uh, in front of me, uh, 9th of March. What was your reaction when you saw his initial tweet last Thursday that the fight was off? What did you do? Uh, I had a text of my manager telling me uh, keep training and, <laughs> uh, and uh, get ready because uh, uh, it's nothing. So yeah, I, I knew uh, it. I don't know uh, what really happened, but uh, I kept focus and. Uh, I knew uh, I'm, I was not injured, so if uh, anybody was going to pull uh, out, uh, I thank the UFC for that, but if somebody is pulling out of a fight, you 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 keep on the card and the other guy is going away. It's so it works. So the guy that is agreeing to fight anybody is going to stay on the card. So, uh, yeah, I, I was just uh, doing my, uh, my night training and uh, waiting for... But what's going to be next? Luckily, the, the drama didn't last very long. So I think just a couple hours later, you were able to see that it was all rectified. But I, I just wanted to ask you, and, I, and, and I'm not trying to cause any sort of drama here for you, but I just wanted to get like the timeline correct because I saw the, the, the message that Dana White posted, the text message, which I think was between you and the matchmaker, or you and Hunter Campbell, someone in the UFC staff. And then I saw an interview that one of your coaches did um, with uh, a reporter, Guilherme Cruz, where he said he found out about it during the, you know, when it was announced um, about the fight uh, in the night. But but I saw an interview with you in French, and comme tu sais, je, je comprends français, uh, j'ai, j'ai entendu qu'est-ce que tu as dit dans l'interview, and my understanding of the interview was that you knew from your manager that this was the fight, and then you just didn't know when they were going to announce it, and it was your wife who woke you up in the middle of the night to tell you that Dana had put it out there that the fight was going to happen. So you did know about it beforehand, uh, and maybe your coach didn't know about it. Is that is that fair to say? Is that why he said that? So, yeah, I, I did know the fight was going to happen the, the night before. Uh, we agreed, everything was agreed. and um, But like my manager said... Um, uh, when it's not announced, uh, you are not 100% sure. But yeah, we, we had the green light from Hunter Campbell. Uh, but my coach is a, a very energetic guy. So um, he is always the last guy we <laughs> who are telling uh, the fight is on. Because uh, he's going to get crazy all night long uh, watching his fights. Uh, so if it was not going to be the guy we are fighting, he was not going to be happy about uh, the announcement so yeah then uh, the day after i had the the surprise that it was announced this fast uh, because yeah it was only um, 24 hours after we we agreed to to make the fight so uh, because it's uh, this far away uh, i didn't know when it was going to be announced but uh, of course yeah i was surprised it was announced this fast yeah, and, and your wife woke you up to tell you? So, like, it was probably at around 5 in the morning or something, because I think it was announced around 11 o'clock here. So what was it like when she woke you up to tell you it was announced? Yeah, yeah, she, t- she, t- she told me, uh, she told me uh, uh, gr- green lights, everything, everything is green. Uh, now I believe because uh, your fight is on. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I was very happy about it. And, uh, yeah... It's it's a great matchup. I'm very happy about it, and uh, I was very happy to 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 
to learn from uh, Anton Campbell and Guillaume Pelletier, my manager, that uh, uh, the fight uh, was going to happen. And then uh, the announcement was pretty fast. And uh, yeah, just a lot of joy because, uh, uh, yeah, he, he's a tough guy. He's uh, a name and a figure in this weight class. And uh, I'm the newcomer and uh, I'm coming for him. So I know he's going to be prepared because... Uh, his experience and he, he, he always delivers. So yeah, it's gonna be a a, a violent fight, like uh, like we talked about yes. uh, with Justin. Uh, yeah, I believe uh, Poirier has the chin uh, as well. Uh, maybe the last fight is not the best to prove it, but uh, there has there have been a lot of fights where his chin hold up uh, pretty great, like the Dan Hooker fight. So I think it's gonna be a violent fight. Considering his last fight, considering his place in the division and sport, are you surprised he agreed to this fight? Um, yeah, I, I, I was surprised, but when you see his weight loss and you see uh, which fight was already booked and uh, that the guy uh, comes from a lose, so he has to defend his position. So I was starting to believe in it uh, more and more. Because uh, if you come from a lose, usually you fight somebody uh, behind you. So I saw uh, a lot of guys between him and me uh, getting booked, like Eddie and Gamrot. So yeah, I, I was starting to to hope that uh, I would get a guy like Darius or a guy like uh, like uh, Poirier, like maybe Chandler. I don't know if the Maybe maybe you know better than me. Maybe Charlotte will, yeah. will finally face Conor. I don't know, but yeah, I was starting to believe that uh, I was gonna have uh, somebody between uh, Poirier and uh, on Binal. So he told me I spoke to him on Monday, Dustin, on the show, and and he told me two interesting things. Number one, um, the original plan was for this to be at UFC 300, but he asked for it to be at 299, and it was his idea to make it five rounds and not three rounds. And so can I ask your thoughts on that? First of all, would you have preferred it be at 300? And number two, what was your reaction when you found out it was going to be a five-round fight? <clears throat> to be honest, it's even more exciting. Uh, it's like fighting Matt Frevola in New York. Uh, when you fight the New Yorker guy in New York, uh, uh, there is some excitement from the from the crowd, and I believe there will be some excitement from the crowd uh, against Poirier, so um, maybe he's uh, the, uh, the underdog for the matchmaker, but uh, he's not the underdog for the, for the crowd, and uh, I think I will feel the excitement uh, at UFC 299, uh, because uh, Miami is like his home, you know, it's where, where he's training, he has a great team, a big team, um, yeah, UFC 300 will have been crazy as well, but fighting uh, the guy that trains out of the American top team, that is like a figure of uh, of the ATT, which is one of the, the biggest professional gym in the US, fighting him, co-main event, uh, uh, hometown for him, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, uh, uh, yeah, he, I expect it to be a tough fight, and uh, I, uh, I'm expecting him to be very excited about all this. 
Uh, Nier five round is good for him. He believes he has the experience, uh, but um, of course he has the experience, and of course he is used to five rounds. But um, I will show you that uh, with the training methodology we have, uh, you don't you you are not gonna see me uh, uh, having a cardio issue or energy management uh, in my fight. It's gonna be a tough fight for both of, both of us, but uh, I hope he, he is not expecting it to be easy. And what about you, Benoit? Uh, here you are, relatively new to the UFC. Um, you haven't been around as long as he has. You haven't been training as long as he has. Former interim champion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you are the favorite going to this fight. Number eleven is the favorite over number three. Obviously, you're very confident. You believe in yourself, but are you surprised so many others believe in you? You know, I I believe it's a pretty new sport, and the odds maker are not <laughs> always right, or I will not be there. Um, for example, the Bonfim brothers, uh, they they are very very exciting to watch, tough. Uh, when they win, they win in big fashion, but it doesn't mean that the guy is a is a is one of the top ten or top five in the world. He's tough, but uh, the odds I had uh, was crazy, and uh, I, I I got my victory in the first round. So um, I don't know, I don't know about the odds. You know, uh, I believe it's uh, it's like fifty fifty because um, he has experience. He's a tough guy. He has a very professional staff around him. He knows how to prepare. He's uh, in his hometown. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 pretty fresh in the game, but uh, he has a lot of tools. Uh, but yeah, I'm coming prepared, and I'm coming to prove that uh, the 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 place is gonna be mine. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's it, the odds is always something special, so something difficult to to have a real idea of. Uh, before the, the octagon close, and maybe this is why we we love to bet and we love to to make those odds. You know, uh, two days before your fight, Cédric Dumbé is fighting in Paris, and we had him on the show uh, two weeks ago, and he said, without a doubt, I am the face of French MMA. You beat Dustin Poirier on March 9th. Is Benoit Saint-Denis the face of French MMA? <laughs> Uh, C- Cedric is a is a face of kickboxing, but uh, he's a very new uh, he's a newcomer in MMA, you know. Um, but yeah, he's the face of uh, of uh, kickboxing in France. One of the faces we have uh, Yuan Lidon. We have a lot of tough guys, guys that have beaten him, that he has beaten uh, as well. So uh, uh, on uh, those guys I'm talking about are gonna fight this week, I believe. Um, so. Uh, he's an exciting fighter. He has punching power, uh, and uh, yeah, he's, he's he's making his place uh, inside the the French area. And uh, I I hope he is gonna be uh, able to showcase all his uh, glory kickboxing skills. But um, I believe. Uh, uh, for now, I believe in the rankings, you know, and uh, for now it's Cyril Gann, the okay. face of the, of the French MMA. And if Benoit Saint-Denis is going to be one day champion of the lightweight division, 
he will be the face of the the French MMA and maybe even more. So yeah, you have to prove it. It's easy to to talk, but you always have to prove. So uh, let's go 9th of March and we will see. So what happens? Um, and I know you're not looking past mm-hmm. Dustin, but there's not much space between Dustin and the very top of the division. You win on March 9th. Where where do you think that leaves you? What do you think you get after that? Uh, it's a tough question to answer because, uh, like you said, I, I'm never looking past the fight. But, uh, of course, uh, there's not a lot of names uh, uh, left. So, yeah, it, it, it's very interesting stuff could happen after, after a fight. Uh, after this fight, but uh, I'm going to do my best uh, to keep it secret for now. But if uh, things are going my way against the scene, you, you, you will sure uh, hear from me. Uh, don't worry about that. Okay, <laughs> so you, you know a plan. There is a plan. You just don't want to share it. Is that fair? Yeah, of course, there is always a plan. Oh, but, I love uh, it. You know, you, you can plan as much as you want, but uh, when... Uh, when you are starting to get kicked in the face or punched in the face, you never know if the plan is going to work. Though. Uh, yeah, we will see. But yeah, of course, there is always something to think about. And uh, the future is, uh, is going to be... Uh, uh, yeah, my, my future as an MMA fighter is, uh, is going to have a big step on 9th of March. And uh, let's see what it's going to be. It's like Mike Tyson said, right? Everyone has a plan until you get punched in the uh, in the mouth. So, of course, there are always plans. But uh, Benoit, could you imagine everything goes your way March 9th, and then perhaps I don't know, right after the uh, the Jeux Olympiques uh, in the summer, it's uh, a title fight in Paris with everyone singing da na da na da da while you're walking out there fighting for the lightweight title. Could this happen this year? You think you fight for the belt this year if it all goes your way? Is that possible? <laughs> uh, you know, um, uh, for a French guy, everything is possible. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a concept we have in France, though. Uh, nothing is impossible for a French guy. So let's see. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You, I know you don't want to say too much. You don't want to look past us. Then, can I ask when you envision the fight? How do you see it playing out? How do you see yourself winning on the 9th of March? Uh, I see a very tough fight. Uh, I see a very entertaining fight, and um, one of us is gonna be drawing first. So, uh, yeah, I can just say that. Uh, uh, it, it's going to be mental for both of us and uh, I do believe it's going to be a huge test and uh, a fight we will be proud of and uh, I cannot wait to, to have the gun closed and uh, uh, have, uh, have uh, our tools to, to show to everybody. I can't wait as well. Uh, kudos to you. Kudos to him for uh, accepting the fight as well. A little over a month away going to be incredible and and your rise is really something and it's great to see so many people backing you as well so um much respect to you benoit thank you very much for the time i know it's getting late over there so we will let you go uh good luck in training and of course good luck on march 9th in miami thank you ariel thank you very much cheers cheers there he is the god of war benoit saint denis who appears to be on a rocket ship um he wins this fight 
There isn't a lot of room between Dustin Poirier and the top of the division. I can't say this enough. Massive credit to Dustin for taking this fight. There's a lot of people who would not take this fight in his position. He is number three right now in the UFC rankings. Above him, number two, Justin Gaethje. Number one, Charles Oliveira. We know Charles Oliveira is fighting Armin Sarukian on the 13th of April, UFC 300. We know Justin Gaethje is also fighting on that card against Max Holloway. Uh, the winners of those fights, definitely in the mix for Islam. We're not quite sure when Islam comes back just yet. But Benoit Saint-Denis wins that fight. You would think he leapfrogs a whole bunch of guys. There's RDA. There's Benoit went down since Monday. He's number 12. How is that possible? How did Benoit go down and no one else move in the... What? I just look at this as a reference. I know, I know there are better rankings out there, including MMA Fighting's rankings, I just like to see because I know the UFC kind of uses this as a promotional tool. How did this? How, there's one guy that moved in the in the in the weight class, and it's Ben White. He didn't even fight, and no one took his spot. It's a Moicano stayed the same. Dober same. That's bizarre. Anyway, RDA Hooker Turner Faziev, Dariush Gamrot Chandler. He wins this fight. He could leapfrog all of those guys. What a guy. I enjoy talking to him very much. Uh, still to come, Ben Whitaker, who's a rising star in his own right, speaking of the Olympics, silver medalist, 2020 Games. Uh, he'll join us. Spoke about him at the top of the show. Corey Anderson's going to join us in a couple of minutes. And Tim Welch, the Red Hawk head coach of one Sugar Sean O'Malley headliner for that card. They will join us as well. But of course, all right, um, let me just take some water here, Frank, because I'm very thirsty some intense water drinking. Got my son's Gatorade bottle today. Does he know that you have that? Definitely not. He's got a playoff basketball game this evening. <clears throat> Big one oh, for fun. him. Probably not going to play. As I mentioned, sixth graders, they don't get to play. But still good to be a part of that atmosphere, you know? To feel the buzz of a playoff game, you know? It's very important. I think, at least. There's no I in team. No, absolutely not. you got to cheer on your teammates. you got to be supportive of your teammates. You know, I think that's something that we can all learn a thing or two from. Even, you know, I don't know what goes on Who, in me? the... me? Yeah, control. <laughs> I don't know what goes on in the control room, but, you know, it feels like uh, it's a team back there, right? It's a starting five, and everyone has their role, and uh, everyone needs to contribute. And so let's see. Let's see how it all plays out. Uh, Friday, March 22nd, Bellator is back. Uh, they are back for their first show in their new era under the uh, the PFL umbrella, so to speak. First show is in Belfast, Northern Ireland. It's at the SSE Arena. And so far, just two fights officially announced. Leah McCourt, the Pride of, is she in fact from Belfast? No, she's from Saintfield, Northern Ireland, but pretty darn close. She is going up against Sinead Kavanaugh, second time they fight, and a title fight between Ireland's own uh, Carl Moore, who of course trains out of SPG with the great coach John Kavanaugh there, going up against the veteran Corey Anderson. A big opportunity for Corey to get that title that has eluded him, and he is kind enough to join us right now. Be the Magic of Zoom. There he is. Hello, Corey. How are you? What's going on, Ari? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing really well. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Um, first, uh, if we could take a, a quick step back, what was your reaction when you found out that PFL was acquiring Bellator? Were you excited about this, or were you a little bit nervous about what it would mean for you? 
I mean, I was never really nervous because I know where I rank in the world. So I always felt like no matter what happened, I'm going to have a home or a place somewhere. Uh, my biggest thing was making sure the money wasn't going to be messed up. Uh, that's the first question I asked my manager. I was like, yo, the contract say the same? He's like, yeah, well, if that's the case, I don't care. Wherever we go, I'm going. So just give me a fight. Let's go. Okay, and is that accurate? Did the did the contract stay the same? Yep, everything stayed the same. So okay, and 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 when the plans were being put in place for this new year, was there any talk of you going to the PFL, or or was it just clear like Bellator fighters are going to stay with Bellator? Well, that was a, I don't know if it was an option, but it was something we discussed. Um, he asked me like, "Yo, would you if Bellator wanted you or PFL wanted to sign you right now? Would you go?" Like, as long as my contracts stay the same, wherever we go, as long as I'm making my money, that's what it's about. I'm not going to take any less. If we get more, that's great. And uh, so I think there was an option possibly for a little bit to do the tournament this year. And then the opportunity came where I would fight for the title. And like, well, I'd rather get my title than fight in the tournament. Granted, I would make more money if I did a tournament because so many fights in seven months. But the main goal for me is to get the belt, you know, to get the belt. And to say I did, I finally I achieved my goal to win the world title, and then just keep stacking the bread and defend it. Were you surprised that Vadim Nemkov vacated the title to move up to heavyweight? Yes, 100%, especially since the way the first fight ended. Then, yes, he beat me in the second one, but if you, anybody that can be honest with yourself, you saw that first fight, it was yeah. like, it was slippery slope. If I didn't finish you before I told the ref I headbutted you, I was probably going to take you down and finish you the next round, because he was pretty much a fish out of water done at that point. So... Like, I thought for sure, like a third fight, and why wouldn't you? You make championship money, and now you got to go back and just be a contender. And I know how the contracts work, and I'm sure his work the same. If you don't have a title, you don't make nearly as much. So, like I just tell people, I say, why he avoid the fight? And I say, scared money don't make money. So, he didn't want to take the opportunity to risk getting beat the third time, so he rather just gave up his belt and go fight somebody else. You, you really think Vadim Napkov's scared? I think so. I think so, because he did an interview after the fight and then uh, said, well, when they asked him, what did you think about the fight between Corey and Phil? Like, well, I was actually hoping Phil, the translator said he was hoping Phil won or something like that so he can fight Phil the third time. But then when he did an interview and said he didn't want to fight at 205 anymore, he said, well, I feel it's time for me to go to another weight because I've already beat these guys. And I don't want to fight the same guys anymore. There's nothing left I can prove at 205. Like, well, when I beat Phil, you said you wish Phil won so you can fight him a third time. But now, a couple months later, at the time, Bellator had already talked to both of us and said we was fighting November 18th in Chicago. And uh, they was about to announce it. They told us we're going to announce it on Thursday. This was Monday. Tuesday night, he did an interview saying he was no longer fighting at 205. He was going to go to heavyweight. So it was like, come on, bro. We've been discussing this. They've been talking about the date and where to go for how long now? And now, all of a sudden, the week they're going to announce it, you decide you're going to announce you're not going to fight anymore. Like, and they didn't even know. I talked to everybody. Like, we have no clue. He's never told us. It is like, it's news to us, Corey. Like, what the hell? So, uh. And, and so I'm, I'm just curious, like, uh, you mentioned that first fight against him. We're approaching almost two years since that fight went down and you were very close to getting the title. You were close to, uh, I believe it was the finals, right? And, uh, yep. How much does that still bother you? Does it does it eat you up inside? Because you were en route to winning that fight. Everyone agrees. I think what bothers me the most is I didn't train the way I should have for the second fight. You know, I mean, if I would have trained the way I did for the first fight, I would have been well more prepared. And uh, in my mind, I was thinking, you know, we shined in the wrestling. 
And like I said, no, I got beat. That's the point. I showed up unprepared. I said every time I lost, what, oh, what happened? I showed up unprepared. That was my fault. And all I did at camp was wrestle. I feel like there's no way he's going to get his wrestling that much better. So I'm going to wrestle. Practice getting down, use my grinder pound, practice positions. And he avoided the takedown the whole fight. And that was all I was prepared for. And like even around, I'm like, why are you not throwing your hands? Like, man, my hands, they just don't feel like they're there. The one thing I do every camp is go to a boxing gym once a week and box park or go to a kickboxing and just kick only strikes, no takedown. Well, that camp, I didn't box bar one time. All mm-hmm. I do, went to MMA, I would throw a jab and take people down and just maul them on the ground, just practicing, getting my submissions. I was planning on getting my first submission on my uh, career in that title fight. It was going to be iconic for me to get my first submission, win the belt. But I have to get them to the ground first. The thing is, I've always said, plan A don't work. you got to have plan B or plan C. Unfortunately, I was so set on the way that first fight went. I thought for sure, I'm going to take him down. I'm just going to maul him easy early, which is why I shot so early in the fight. Little did I know, he was prepared. He came prepared and defended it. So hats off to him. He was the better fighter at night, the smarter fighter, because he did what he had to in camp to be prepared for my game. As for me, on the other hand, I didn't challenge myself like I should have. I didn't push myself well, the push myself the way I should have, like I did the first fight, and it cost me my belt. So, second fight bothers you more than the first fight, just because you feel like yes, you. The first fight, the first fight sucks. Like my mind, yeah. like, Why would you say something? That's just how I am. I'm a good sport like that. I don't. It was an honest mistake. I headbutt him, and I didn't know that the ref was gonna just wait, or the doctor was gonna wave it off from the fence because even the ref said we gotta get the doctor here to look at it, at it, but he never even came in the cage. On the outside of the cage, he just waved his hands like the fight is over. Like, yeah, but you didn't even come in and look. Like, it's three seconds left. You can put Vaseline on it right. and let it go to the round, and then you can do But nope, you wouldn't let it go on. So I didn't know that was going to happen. If I did, can I say I would not have said anything? I don't know. That's just, like I tell my my manager and other people, like, I coach college wrestling. So when I tell kids, you always do what's right. Like, you never really try to hurt anybody, but you want to go out there and dominate them. But if you do something kind of like own up to what you did, like, it's okay. And that's just what happened. I headbutted him. And I was like, clean shot, keep going. I looked up. I heard him say clean shot. Like, no, it wasn't. Headbutted him. I had no clue he was going to stop the fight right then and there. Right. But just communicate. Just like when Mark Henry calls him in the corner. If I hear it or don't hear it, I'm like, ah, oh, it's not there, coach. I just communicate out loud and stuff <laughs> like that. Unfortunately, that night, it cost me. If you're put in the same spot, you do the same thing all over again? I don't know. I think I'll just keep my mouth shut and then say something after the round ended. Yeah. <laughs> the round is over then. It's like I said, if the three seconds would have ended, I would have been a champ. But the fact I said something with three seconds left, it's what it is now. By the way, uh, when your coach, Mark Henry, one of my favorite people, one of the best people in the game, says something to you in the middle of, of a round and it's not there, like he advised you, you actually say back to him it's not there? Sometimes. Really? If you go back in the basement, you'll see. Uh, well, it was actually there. And I said it to him. There's two fights in France that you can see on camera. The Bader fight, the first combo Bader threw, we knew he was going to do He's going to throw the jab. He's going to put He pushes the jab with his head out. You hear Mark say, it's there. I say, I see it. <laughs> and next time he throw, I hit him with the overhand and put him out. That was the code. He throw the jab. We go to overhand over the top. Okay, leave his chin up. Follow with an uppercut, uppercut and a cross. And then the Pat Cummings fight, with um, him and Ricardo was screaming, get the hook, get the hooks. I say, I'm trying, but I can't hook his left. <laughs> it's like, I just do that in practice. When coach is talking to me, if I can't hear him, I'll be on top, or if I am got taken down, I'm like, say it louder, I can't hear you. So they know, like I'm listening. Or Mark, if I throw the jab to such and such, 
And I'm like, it's not there. Like, that happened this weekend, actually. He saw me, so I was like, it's not there. Like, yes, it is. Then we look back on camera, like, oh, it was there. You're right. I mean, I just always been a communicator like that, even when I wrestle. I don't know. That's something I do. After the second Nemkov fight, did you think potentially that you would never get another chance at a title? I, to be honest, I don't know. I think that Phil Davis fight, I've said in interviews, that was the most nervous I've ever been going into a fight. I remember that was the first time I had Frank corner. I remember talking to Frankie in the back, like, yo, I, like that whole day I thought I had COVID or something. They came in my room, my room was turned up to like 90-something degrees. I was like, why is it so hot in here? Like, y'all hot? I'm freezing. Like, I was so scared. I think the nerves in me was thinking, like, I either I'm going to win this fight and possibly get a shot, or they're going to go another way, or if I lose this fight, I'm never getting another title shot. So I think the nerves of that just had me so worked up and so anxious and so, like, I was nauseous. I, it was the worst feeling I ever had. Like, just that whole day. Like, I was so prepared all camp, but then when fight day came, I had never felt that sickly in my life. Like, wow. it was bad, but I don't know. I think, I don't know. Part of my mind, I think it was thinking, if we lost, we definitely wasn't getting another one. And if we won, since we both had just recently fought them, they might go another way. So it was kind of unanswered what was going to happen. And so here you are, and, and uh, that fight was in June, I believe, right? So it's almost been a year since your last fight. Mm -hmm. Has that been frustrating? Uh, like I told my wife, I always say when she was bothering me, when are they going to fight again? Are they going to call you? What's going to happen next? Do you know? Are they saying anything? I just always say, yo, chill. God got us, regardless. Okay. Like, I'm a hustler. We ain't never going to go broke. The whole time we was out, I got a hunting show, a YouTube channel, a hunting show. I get paid doing that. Like, I'm just going to hit the road. I'm going to be traveling, doing a lot of hunts, getting this money. I'm going to get the paper. We're going to make sure the bill's getting paid. We got money in the bank. If we had to stop fighting today, we good. We open the gym. Like, I ain't stressing it. Whatever happens, God got a plan. So just relax. Calm down. Like, yes, I wanted to stay active. I wanted to fight. Like I said, I coached college wrestling. So season started. I was with those kids. Hunting season was in. I was out hunting, getting my content, filming, doing stuff with my partners, getting money that way. So it was not frustrating, but at the same time, I was hoping it happened sooner or later because I didn't want to get to that point where father time, you know what I mean? You can only stay young for so long and the aches and injuries start adding up. And then you get a fight and you banged up. It, was, it came at the right time, you know? It came at the right time. We're still healthy, still feeling good, still going hard. So it came at the right time. Like I said, God got us. And he just he answered at the right time. What's the hunting show? Like, what, 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 what do you do on there? So I got a channel called Outdoors with Overtime, and I travel. Like, most of my hunts, I do with a bow. So I got big Whoa. in the archery. I got two bow shops. I build my own bows. Um, build bows for other people. I do, like, product reviews on there. I travel the country or go out of the country. I've been to Canada, uh, Vancouver Island, hunting whitetail and all this stuff, different stuff. Anything you can kill in season, I'm going to eat. I go out, I kill it and show how I track it and bring it back, process it, and just just show the thrills of outdoors. And that's another side of me a lot of people don't know. Like, people see me at the bow shop. I'm like, wait, you're Corey Anderson, a fighter, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wait, you hunt? That's what I love to do. Like, I'm in the woods more than I'm in the gym, to be honest. I just love being outdoors. So after the OSP fight, I really got big into it. And uh, somebody hit me up. One of the producers from Tough, like, yo, you should start a hunting show, man. You could be good because there's not many black people in the industry. And I did it. I ordered a camera off of Amazon and been doing it ever since. So do it all myself. All my own editing, my filming. Wow. And post everything. So, like I said, overtime is more than just fighting. It's just 
I'm always doing something and keeping the money coming because I'm a hustler. That's just how I am. And by the way, why do you use a bow and arrow as opposed to, I guess, a, a gun, right? Like, why? why? Yeah, more challenging. I <laughs> can get a gun. Like, I do, when I go to Texas, I do veteran hunts once a year. I donate my time to these veteran hunts and go out with them. And then we do guns because those guys are big in the gun. But on my own dime, I'd rather a bow because with the bow, kind of like martial arts, if you're not prepared, if you're not practicing, if you're not trained for it, you're not going to get a kill. You that deer has to come within twenty to thirty yards. Well, deer they see with their nose before they see with their eyes, and they nose they can smell for hundreds and hundreds of yards. So if you don't have the right wind, or you making too much movement, or you making too much noise, they gonna see you way before you see them. So the fact that especially if somebody my size and stature, when I get into a tree stand, I'm twenty feet up or whatever, fifteen, ten, however high up I am, I gotta be still and stealthy and make sure I can trick that deer. To think he's safe to come around here and somehow walk right underneath my stand within 20 yards to get a shot with an arrow is the most ethical way you can kill an animal and to see him go down and process it and it's, it just make you feel good when it's all over said and done. It's the drill and yeah. rush like fighting. You're like Robin Hood out there with the bow and arrow. Yeah. I got my man Frankie put on the shooting the bow. Him. Got a couple <laughs> other fighters that want to try it. I just got to get him to the woods. He can give you a a full breakdown when he do his first time because I've been doing it my whole life. So it's like, to me, it's kind of like just a way of life. But I would love to get Frankie out there and shoot one and let him break it down. Like how, like even shooting the boat, he says it's like something crazy. It's just so fun. You're like, it's peaceful and it's so exciting. Then when you kill a deer, it's just a whole different story. It's just you providing food for your family with a bow and arrow at 20 yards to a deer that's supposed, or animal is not supposed to be able to get that close to people without getting scared but you tricked him into doing it. You figured out how to get him to come in front of you and get that perfect shot and everything. It's just, I could go all day about hunting. Let's not even talk about that. Okay. Go all day. I was just curious, who, ta- who taught you how to do the bow and arrow thing? Well, me and my father actually started when I was 12, 13 years old. My freshman year in high school, it was a bow shop that got put in up the road from my house, and we was leaving the store or something and saw it. We went in there, and uh, we just used to do it for target hunting and or target shooting. And when I was 16... One day after football practice, a teammate of mine, I told him I was going to shoot with my dad, and he told me you can hunt with a bow, and I had no clue. He took me out for the first time, and I killed my first one by the time I was like 22. It took me forever. So from 16 to 22, it took me to kill a deer. But that's just how hard it is if you don't know what you're doing. And after that, I've been hooked. It's been on it since. I'm 34 now, and if I'm not in the gym, I'm out shooting my bow or in the woods. That's my passion. Okay, back to the other passion, fighting. How much did you know about Carl Moore? before they, they they offered him to you? So I've only seen him recently because he fought Alex Pelizzi, who's a buddy of my, oh, we're acquaintances. We grew up in kids club wrestling together, and then we went to different high schools. So as kids, we used to wrestle together all the time. And I would go out to Vegas, and we reunited again out there at Extreme Couture, and we would train. And uh, I was out there the second NEMCAR fight, and he was telling me that he might be fighting Carl Moore the next year, blase, blase. And then he had, and I was watching film on him and studying on him then, and then he fought the same day I fought Phil Davis. That's when him and Alex finally fought. So since then, I've seen little bits and pieces of him. I didn't, like, watch him like I am now, but I knew who he was, and I was aware of him. Was I aware that he was going to be the next guy to get a title shot? I didn't think that far ahead, but I had an eye on him that night, especially after he beat Alex, because, okay, well, he's working his way up. So he could be one of the guys who can fight someday. I didn't know it was going to be the next fight. 
Are, are you uh, impressed with him? I mean, obviously, he hasn't been around as long as you. Solid record in Bellator. What do you make of him? He's actually been around longer than me. I think he debuted the year before I debuted. Is that true? I think. Way less, way yeah, less fights I, than you. I uh, not, he started not, in 2012. He's 12 and 2. Uh, did he? Did he? Uh, start? He took a long absence. He took like three, oh, four years yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. Okay, well, less fights under his uh, under his belt, but that's fair. That's fair. And your your debut yeah. was bad. I mean, he got fights. Yeah, he got fights. You're right. You're right. My bad. But uh, yeah, he's not no one to look overlooked by any means. He's uh. He's kind of well-rounded. You see his fights. He's more of a striker. He'd rather strike with you. And being southpaw, you know, it's like everybody say, it's easier for a southpaw to get, get looks because most of the time southpaws train with orthodox guys. And orthodox guys, it's harder to get the southpaw guy. So he's always just putting that jab out there trying to lead you to step into his cross. And, uh, yeah, I feel like in his earlier years, he was more combo-oriented, fast-moving, Hitting combos, not throwing so much power, but now he's like slowed down his output, but putting more power onto his shots, trying to hurt you with each shot. Um, he can cage wrestle a little bit, got pretty decent cage wrestling defense, and on the ground he's got submissions. So he's got that, and I don't have any submissions. So, I mean, he's a well-rounded mixed martial artist. So when I look at it. You win this fight on March 22nd. Are you the best light heavyweight in the world? I already believe I'm like best light heavyweight in the world. People are gonna say whatever you want to say. I believe it every day. That's the only way I can get up and keep doing this thing. I believe so hardly I'm the best. I lost my opportunity to prove it against Nimkov, but it is what it is. And they're gonna say, well, to you nothing UFC, you can never say you're the best. So you can say what you want to say. <laughs> belief is belief. I believe it and I know it because I've trained with some of the best. I've trained with Magomed Ankalaev and like like I said when I did the interview, he, me and him, I think two best light heavyweights in the world. That dude is dangerous. And we go at and we go, we have rounds, we have good rounds. Like I love going with Maga. He's a tough guy. I'm a tough guy, and it's not like anybody that's mulling over each other. It's actually good work. And I know for a fact, I know for a fact, like I am the best, if not one of the best. Like I said, me and I, Maga, the top two. We've never actually fought each other, but we have wars when we spar. And I believe holy, he's the best other than me. And that's just what he did. He had a great win uh, last month, but obviously there's Alex Pereira, and you know I know you and Jamal were going back and forth. You guys good now, or uh, agree to disagree? In my last post, I said like I, people. Go, he said something about uh, you would never be this and that. And what you think about me? Like, bro, I don't even think about you. I didn't even say your name. That's the reason why he came in my my inbox or whatever. I did an interview and didn't mention him as one of the top light heavyweights. So he clapped back. He got offended because I didn't mention him. You don't even cross my mind on my radar. Like, congrats. You got the belt. You beat a guy for the belt that I dominated on a week and a half notice. And you got cut up and beat up by him a little bit. So that's what that's what you bragging on? I was like, say what you want to say. We beat the same people. You knocked out Johnny Walker. I knocked out Johnny Walker. Just because you got the belt don't mean nothing. I say to this day, the 205 division in, like, in the UFC ain't what it used to be. There's top guys out there. And like I said, Jamal got that belt. When Ratchet, Ankalaev, and Jan Block, which all hurt, I think all three of those guys are better than him. But they was all out at the time when he got the call. So, dude, you didn't he didn't beat anybody, and I said that, and he got mad. I didn't even say he didn't beat anybody. I just said the light heavyweight division wasn't that good, and he got <laughs> mad. So, that's on him. I don't have any thoughts on him at all. 
Uh, fair enough. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm just wondering if it ever annoys you because you maybe do the greatest things in Bellator, but there's always like this stigma. Oh, if you're not doing it in the UFC, even if the competition is tougher, but maybe not as well known, does that ever get to you? Do you ever get frustrated by this? Why would it? I was in the UFC. Everybody's seen what I did. Like I said, I beat those people. The people I beat, let's put it this way, I would beat people that I should get a title fight for, and they're like, oh, no, you got to get more. Then somebody else come up and beat that same person. Like, oh, he gets a title fight. Oh, that was a great win. Like, hold on. When I did it, the guy was lackluster, or he was old. Like, when I beat Clover, oh, he was washed up. That's why Corey Anderson beat him, and he don't deserve a title shot. Then everybody else be like, oh, he gets a title fight. Like, get the f- out of here. So it got to the point where I left. It was like, no matter what you do, people going to have an opinion. It's just how you feel about that opinion. And I really don't care about that opinion because I know who I beat and I know who I can beat and I know what I can do. Let these naysayers say what they're going to say. I'm at peace with what I'm doing. I'm out here. I'm making money. I'm taking care of my family now. We live in life. We got two houses. We got land. We got whatever we want to do. I'm fine with it. It went from the point of chasing a gold belt to prove I was the best in the the biggest organization that's been promoted the most, which is why UFC is the biggest, to now I'm making my worth and making money, having fun, doing what I love to do. And I wake up every day just blessed. So the people can say what they say. I wake up. I live my life. You worried about what I'm doing. Me and my family, we eating. Know that. Okay. Just know that. Um, and, and last thing for you before I let you go, just curious. I know you haven't been to Fight Week yet, so maybe it's hard to say, but so far, does it feel like same old Bellator? I know Kogan is still around, so I know a lot of the fighters are happy about that, but do you feel any difference with the organization, or is it too early to really tell now that there's new ownership? I mean, it's, like you said, it's kind of a little early to say, but the communication factor is there for me. That was another big thing I loved about Bellator. When I had a question, I reached out to Kogan or CJ, anybody there, and they get back to me right away. So that was always big on me. Nobody ever left me hanging out in the breeze trying to find my own answers. So I still had that communication key. It seemed like a lot of the same people I work with came over, and they messaged me, contacted me when I got questions or sending me the paperwork, whatever I need, and everything is smooth. So right now, I'm a happy camper. Everything seems to be the same. The same people I love working with, I hate that Scott didn't come. Like I messaged him and said when he, they said he wasn't coming over, Whatever they said, like, yeah, I just want to say thank you for everything you did. Because it wasn't for you make, taking an opportunity on me, I wouldn't have the life I have now. I guess UFC got me the picture, and everybody knows who Corey Anderson is. But Scott Coker and Bellator gave me the life. I made that post before, and I'll say it again. Like, he took an opportunity on somebody, but just got knocked out, got me over here. And I went in there and proved my worth, and then got another big contract. And now, now it's just like, now my family is kind of set. Like I said, if we didn't fight again right now. We're going to bat an eye. Like, we go to the banker, tell we need this much out to start a gym, need this to invest in that. Like, the money is there. And that's all because Scott Coker, Mike Coker, and Bellator MMA and what they did for me. Mm-hmm. I'm forever thankful for that. I'll never say a bad thing about anybody from the Bellator. Well, it's going to be a fun scene next month, right? Because Carl's from Ireland, close by. Uh, you're going to be in enemy territory. But those are the fun fights, right? Those crowds are always amazing. So I'm sure you're relishing that. It's going to be fun. It's great to have it back. Uh, good luck to you, Corey. Thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And uh, good luck in training. And then, of course, next month as you try to finally get that belt. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you for having me on. And uh, yeah, man, look forward to talking to you in the future. And hopefully, I got that belt with me next time. I do as well. Thank you, Corey. All the best to you. There he is, Corey Anderson, overtime, formerly known as Beaston 258. 
he gets a big opportunity to finally capture gold. And yeah, it has been quite the the journey for him. Ultimate Fighter season 19, he uh he he burst onto the scene with just a 2 and 0 pro record. Could you believe that? 2 and 0. And he was very he was very young. Uh won the Ultimate Fighter and improved to 3 and 0. He beat Matt Van Buren. Went on a run, of course, signed with the uh UFC afterwards. Went to Bellator, got the opportunity to fight for the belt, and was a part of that tournament. It ended up uh, being um, an unceremonious end to the tournament. Then he gets the rematch against uh, Vadim Nemkov, loses that one, gets the Phil Davis fight in June, wins that fight via split decision, and now will fight for the vacant light heavyweight title coming up in a little over a month in Belfast at the SSE Arena. Like I said, if you're wondering how you can watch the new Bellator, I think they're going to announce this in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. Over in Europe, it will be on DAZN. All right, uh, let us move along now. Wow, our next guest is so popular. Everyone loves when he's on the show, and it's not just my show. They love everything that he does. I don't know if there's a more popular coach. Yes. He even has his own theme song, for goodness sakes. And, of course, he is working very hard to prepare his guy, Sugar Sean O'Malley, for his first title defense, the 135-pound UFC bantamweight title. It goes down in a little over a month. Main event of UFC 299 in Miami against Cheeto Vera, Sugar Sean, Cheeto 2. By his side will be Tim Welch, also known as... The Red Hawk. And this is his... I think this is his song. We still haven't quite confirmed it. Is this it? <laughs> now you can hear it, right? Did we get it right? Nope. I think so. Can't quite hear it. Uh, <laughs> I like this. What is this? This is my drum my father sent me from the reservation. Wow. Is Are, are, are you uh, Native American? Yes. I didn't know that. Is that why you're nicknamed yes. the Red Hawk? Yes, actually, uh, John Crouch gave me that nickname a long time ago at the at the lab, and I kind of just stuck with it. Um, and and so, where does your dad live? He lives in Great Falls, Montana. Okay, wow. And, and so, is that where you grew up? Like, I knew you grew up in Montana, but did you grow up um, with your father? Yeah, well, he was born and raised on the reservation. I mean, his parents died at a young age. He joined the carnival, the traveling carnival for years. That's where he met my mom. And uh, and then he ended up in Great Falls, Montana, and that's where I was born and raised, about, I think, six hours from the reservation. Okay. And by the way, can I just say, I mean, your camera quality, I mean, it feels like you're just staring into my soul here. Jeez Louise. <laughs> it's uh, It's something you've really upped your game here. Dude, we have some we have some great editors and just guys with social media. And you introduced me to Michael. He's been helping me with my YouTube, and he's just been the man lately. Oh, nice. And he, uh, thank you for helping me with him. Yes, yes. Michael Wansover. He's a freaking wizard. Um, mm-hmm. He's helped uh, DJ, of course, and Henry Cejudo. So this is great stuff. I'm happy you guys are working together. So, okay, much to this. And by the way, Tim, are you the most popular coach in MMA? I mean, there's no... I can have like a who's who on the show, you're on the show, and all the comments are about you. Where, where's all this love coming from? Why are you so popular? I don't know. I, it could just be our podcast. P- people like the podcast, and uh, that's that's probably it. I mean, you see this. All the, lo- all the comments are about you. Yeah, I mean, I get, I get a lot of love from the people. I don't know why, but it's nice. More love as a coach than when you were a fighter. Would you not say that? Oh, for sure. For sure. 
It's amazing. Well, I'm happy to see it. Um, lot to talk to you about, of course, 299 coming up, but uh, I don't want to stop, start there. Uh, what a great summer for you and, and, and as a coach and as a friend of Sean O'Malley's, as a mentor, great summer. But then you tear your Achilles playing basketball, which is the fear of all old people, right? And I'm not saying you're old necessarily, but certainly my fear. And I saw the video. We're not going to replay it, but I saw it. You're just shooting around with a buddy, and all of a sudden you come crumpling down. What did that feel like? It was so weird. I looked behind me and I thought someone hit my heel with a rock, but then there was no one behind me. And Sean's like, dude, I, everyone heard that. Everyone that was playing ball heard it. And it was just like a loud pop. And I just sat down. My foot went numb. And he's like, that had to have been your Achilles. And then you squeeze the Achilles and it's just mushy. And it was, we were playing for 45 minutes hard. These young bucks ch challenged me. And I was schooling them, schooling Schmitty. And literally the last play of the game, I had one more point to score and it was over. And we were heading home. I shot a free throw, sprinted forward, and it just blew my Achilles. Oh, my gosh. And, and you recorded this. Why were you recording this? I just wanted proof that I was better than them at basketball. <laughs> okay. And then you got that. Are you able to watch yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, I can watch it. And they actually let my uh, physical therapist record the surgery oh my gosh and it is gnar gnarly he's in there it's on my youtube video uh, page too they're recording the surgery and they're yanking on my achilles drilling through the the heel hole pulling the achilles out hammering it in working on me just like a car and now i got on all the peptides and the stem cells so i feel like i'm healing good i'm out of the boot now so i'm walking around pretty good now uh, when was the surgery 11 weeks ago today wow okay and so how long do you think before you're 100 percent they say they say it's a year before a hundred percent, but I think I'm going to be able to be quicker. I'm still going to be safe about it. My other buddy, twelve weeks from his Achilles surgery, he went to physical therapy. He was doing the ladder and he tore it again, and the whole <sighs> thing frayed, and it was just a, a nightmare. So I'm just going to be real careful with it, and I should be a hundred percent here in a couple months. And so you're, you know, you're obviously in the gym a lot. Have you done any physical activity? Are you rolling? Are you doing anything at all? I'm still able to, to teach my classes and I was still able to hold mitts for Sean with my boot on. Now I have no boot, so it's a lot easier, but everything was pretty normal. Like I said, I have a lot of students that like look up to me and stuff. So I had to make a good example and try to eat healthy and get, not get fat and just be a good example for when you get injured, what kind of mindset to have. Obviously you're not uh, an active fighter anymore, but like I said, you're a very active guy. How difficult was it early on to, you know, not be as active as you'd like to be, especially with jujitsu and everything? Oh, I mean, you, I'm bat battling the mental demons all the time, but I'm so used to training twice a day pretty hard and getting all my energy out. And then you got all that energy built up. You just want to go fucking crazy, but try to just, I mean, uh, counter those thoughts the best I could. And just, like I said, I got people that look up to me, so I got to be an example. How do you, how do you like sort of quench those thoughts? Probably just, Fuck. It's hard. Sometimes I do a little smoke, smoke, smoke a little weed. Sometimes I'll go to the cold plunge. I could still, with my boot, ride my Airdyne. I could still do the skier. I could still do a lot of upper body stuff. So I was still able to work around it and just build in other areas. How do you do the Airdyne with the boot on? It's fine. You just put the boot on and you just you just do it normal. Wow. And And were you worried, oh man, my guy's champ, first title defense, and I can't be 100% for him? Like, was that any type of concern? Yeah, I was worried. So I was trying to train my other couple of my other guys to hold pads for him, but it's just not the same just because we've been doing it for so many years together. So it was a little bit of a worry. But then once they said, I'll be in the boot, be able to walk around, Cheeto doesn't move around a lot. So it was, it's pretty easy to just stand there.
Is that shade? I don't think so. I don't think so. He doesn't move around a lot. Does he? Okay. Does he have a lot of footwork like Corey Sandhagen or right, something? Right. He stands Cruz, kind of right. in a, Muay, a Muay Thai stance, like yeah. Okay. And by the way, was it the right foot or the left foot? In other words, could you drive? It was the left foot, thankfully, and uh, I could drive. Oh, uh, that's huge. That's always a big one. Yeah. That is a big, you know, oh, yeah. it's not one that you often see MMA fighters get, but obviously Jamal Hill suffered this injury and, and he keeps saying he's going to come back relatively soon. Do, do you buy that? Or, I mean, July was when it happened. I, I feel like it's kind of hard to come back before July, no? Yeah. I mean, it sucks with the the whole, the drug testing. I don't even think these guys are allowed to do peptides oh, or anything right, that right. just clearly are going to help speed up the healing, but I think they're able to do stem cells. So hopefully he's on top of the stem cells and... I bet you for him, if he's doing it right, he'll be able to come back. But it, it, it is going to be scary. He's going to battle some mental games really driving off that thing. Right, right, right. That's a good point. Uh, you're, you're, you're not beholden to anyone. So you're able to uh, do whatever you need to do to get to 100%. So that was kind of a bummer. But what about the coffee shop? This is very exciting. Uh, I, saw, I saw your video. Uh, so you, you, you nah, finally opened the coffee shop, right? Here it is. It's the gym slash coffee shop, Yes. Yeah, it's room two of my gym, so I have a lot of beginners classes in there for jujitsu, and then I just invested in like a seven thousand dollar espresso machine, about two thousand dollar grinder, and then I get fresh beans every week from this place. And I went and checked it out, and that's really good quality beans. And I do organic milk, and then my girlfriend makes the sweeteners with uh, honey, cinnamon, and vanilla. She's making those each week, the bottles of sweetener. So it's just really a quality uh, cup of coffee. And then we have some teas there too, and the students really love it. It's a good place to hang out. And just uh, chill out. The coffee's turned out phenomenal. I was going to ask you about the sweeteners because I saw your video and you mentioned the sweeteners. And I was like, hmm, you seem like a pretty health conscious guy. So I was worried about that there would be like high fructose and things of that nature on there. But you say it's all uh, au naturel. Yeah, we just get the, we get the honey, the, the local honey. And then we just do the cinnamon and vanilla. And Mariah whips it up. She kind of mixes it with some water and cooks it, puts it in there. And it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, I'm a bit of a coffee snob, in particular when it comes to the milk. Like it has to be the right. I'm, I like almond milk in particular, but it can't just be like the silk almond milk because then it tastes like burnt styrofoam and it doesn't froth the right way. Could I ask what kind of what kind of milk do you guys have available at your shop? Right now, I've just been getting some organic milk from uh, Costco and then just some organic oat milk. But I'm I'm about to work with this uh, butcher shop, and we might be getting raw milk at the. Oh at gosh. The, coffee shop but that's some states the raw milk's uh illegal but it's not in arizona but it's really expensive so i'm still trying to work out the details in it but the have you tried raw milk before no no i actually don't like any kind of milk to be honest so raw milk is that that's from a cow i presume right Does the milk mess with your guts a little bit or yeah you know i've, I've got that jewish stomach it's all it's all mess you know mm -hmm. the raw milk straight from the tit Oh, come Straight on. from the tit. Uh, what do you mean tit? Yeah. Un tit of what? Of the cow? A cow. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I thought the... Uh, <laughs> I thought... I thought... <laughs> from a woman's tit? I wasn't sure. <laughs> Who, me? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, wait, so what's the difference between the raw milk and the milk that you get at the supermarket? The pasteurized milk, they heat it up and they kill all the good nutrients along with oh. other stuff. And uh, this is just raw. It's the best, the best kind. And and so no almond milk at your spot. I haven't done all almond milk. I mean, I haven't had many requests for it because mm. I think that's kind of like a, I think 
more beta people like that. Nah, that don't give me the beta. No, don't kidding. give me the beta. Wait, you have oat milk. You have oat milk. Oh, no, 100%. If you, <laughs> and when you come and visit, I'll have almond milk ready to go. For come you. on. If I would have said soy milk, you could have used that joke, but I don't like soy milk. <laughs> yeah. That's soy. Yeah. Um, all right. So it's going well. Is this open to the public, by the way? Like if I just want to walk in as a guy off the street or do I have to be a part of the gym? No, it's up open to the public. I've been just working on uh, training my baristas. Actually, Big Schmitty, I think you've met him before. The big yeah. guy, he's one of my main, main baristas. But that's the toughest part is just training these baristas to do a good job. But I got a few that are good now. Is he personable? Because when I met him, he didn't say much. So, like, you know, you like a nice barista who's friendly and, and, and inviting. Is he that kind of guy? Yeah, he really is. He's probably just nervous and playing his little act with you. But he's actually very friendly, a big, a big very nice guy, welcoming and... It's working out good. Okay. And last thing on, because I love this stuff. Um, I'm just curious, are you hoping to open multiple shops or are you just cool with the one? Like, is this going to be a real thing? I, for I, want, I want to do it like I did my gym. Just start real slow, not get in over my head and just slowly grow as as I learn more, get more experience with it, get more experience running the thing. And I definitely like to open open more. But right now I'm I'm pretty pretty spread out with what I'm doing. Sure. And of course, uh, focused heavily on uh, next month. And so I'm just wondering, were you in favor of the first title defense being Cheeto? Could have gone in a bunch of different directions. Did you like this? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I knew it's going to be a big fight. I mean, I don't even think Corey Sanhagen was ready to go at that point. And uh, I, yeah, I was happy about it. That's one we've been wanting to get back for for a long time. Sean has exploded. He's one of the faces of the UFC. Any difference in him now that he's champion? Oh, I mean, it, it, compared to the last time he fought Cheeto, it's a whole different animal. You got to think about, I mean, one of the main things for a fighter is how confident they are. And think of the wins he's coming off of right now. Just sparking Aljo and then having this war with Peter Yan, who is supposed to just murder him. His confidence is very, very high. And just he's grown up. His body is getting bigger. He's still been sticking with Brandon Harris. And you can just see it in pictures. He's just filling out and becoming more of a man. So his confidence is is really high. And uh, he's healthy. And it's I, I'm pretty excited about it. And and to be clear, I was just wondering, you know, like sometimes not. I, I don't think like I, I always base it on this. And it's a silly thing to base it off of, but like when someone becomes a superstar or champion, I always kind of base like if they change or not as to how quickly they text me back. And he's still like within a minute. It's unbelievable. And and so he doesn't seem like he's changed or has gotten too big. He came in studio, all that stuff. It was great. But I'm just wondering, like, do you feel at all like the be the head is getting bigger, that the, the stardom is being a distraction to him or anything like that? Is there any kind of difference in who he is going into the Aljo fight and out of the Aljo fight? No, I don't think so. I mean, just there's just more money. But at some point, just the money doesn't really matter. And if he get, ever gets that way, we just bring him into practice and bring some good guys in there to beat him up a little <laughs> bit. And then, it, and then it changes right away. So he's he's pretty good at staying humble. And the, the things he's been joined, doing with his money is spoiling his family, uh, buying his farm, and just – yeah, he's been staying pretty humble. He he knows he knows how good people are and how good he can get, and he's he's pretty good about that. So 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 you say that he's improved exponentially since the first fight. Uh, how would you assess Cheeto's improvement since the first fight? Do you think he has improved a lot as well? Uh I don't I don't think a a ton. I don't think a ton. I mean, and I don't think his confidence is going to be high and. The way he showed up against Corey Sandhagen, I mean, he got smoked by Corey Sandhagen, barely got past a little short, I mean, 
no diss, but Pedro Munoz, who's not very like fast and big. He's a little bit older. So I, th- I don't think his, his confidence is, is super high, but Cheeto's dangerous. He is really, really good at getting beat up and then, then winning, which is a dangerous <laughs> thing. He's very durable. He trains hard. Uh, he's got a, he's got a good coach. And he's dangerous. Last time we fought him, we overestimated him. We thought he was just slow and clunky, and then that happened. So we're not underestimating him uh, this time. And uh, that's what I think. So you mentioned like the getting beat up and win. There's two examples that people bring up, the Cruz fight and the Frankie Edgar fight, right, where it seemed like maybe they were figuring him out, and then he figured them out in the end and scored a thrilling knockout. And I feel like those fights may be, especially from your perspective, early on, maybe closer to what the fight will look like on March 9th, as opposed to, say, a Sanhagen fight who used a lot of grappling to neutralize him. Is that fair? Can you take a lot from those two fights early on and try to adapt it to what you're trying to do on the 9th? Not really. We're not really focusing on so so much of that stuff. I mean, I I, I feel like I know what Cheeto's game plan is. And like everyone's game plan, kick the legs, kick the legs. Oh, his body's going to be soft. Kick the legs, kick the legs, maybe kick one to the head kick his body, um, maybe try to mix in some shots. I mean, he'll slowly, in this big cage, he'll feel really quickly that he's not going to be able to take Sean down, and he's gonna his game plan's going to go to shit really quick, I believe. Um, but like I said, we just pretty much focus on his last fight against Pedro Munoz. How, how did he look in his last fight? That was not that long ago. So watch film on that. Watch film on Corey Sandhagen, because Corey Sandhagen obviously switches stances, moves around a lot, and how did he go about that fight what did he do and uh it seems like he just got confused and he got broke mentally so if that Corey, i mean if that cheeto shows up on on march 9th it's going to be really bad for him uh you've predicted a, a viral knockout yes yeah yeah i i believe it's going to be a viral knockout but like i said i'm preparing sean for a five round war i'm bringing tough the toughest people i can find in to spar him going tons of rounds, trying to break him, trying to break his legs, kicking his legs. And we're preparing him for a five-round war because Cheeto is really good at taking shots. He's very durable. Um, So we're preparing him for five rounds, but I do believe in my heart that he's going to be probably face-planted at the end of the fight. Uh, Which which challenge kind of kept you up at night more, like made you a little more anxious, Aljo or or this one with Cheeto? I mean... Definitely Aljo. Definitely Aljo. But like I said, I can, cannot overestimate Cheeto. He's very tough. He's durable. He's long. He's got a good coach. He works hard. If you run out of juice with Cheeto, he's going to beat your ass. So Aljo, I had a lot of, lot of anxiety about just because of how that fight camp went. Um, but this, this one, we're healthy and we're training hard. So I'm, I'm, I'm really just excited about this one. And by the way, are you the type of coach that stays up at night and worries and watches film in the middle of the night and, and all that stuff? Are you a worrier? Not too bad. Not too bad. I'm just I, – I like to watch my film at the designated times that I pick, but then I, I'm pretty good at just being where I'm at, and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. We're trying to just prepare the best we're, best we can. Worrying doesn't help one bit. If it helped, I would do it, but I'm, I'm pretty good at not. Mm. And And does Sean watch film with you? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes uh, we watch film, and I'll, I'll watch it by myself a lot. And then certain things that he does, I'll, I'll bring Sean in just so he can see it. Because he's Sean's such a good athlete; he can literally watch something and he can put it into play. So, I was just wondering because there's some fighters who still say they don't watch film, which blows me away. Isn't that weird? 
wouldn't you want to see tendencies and just like, I, obviously you guys fought Cheeto, so it's a little bit different, but I just can't imagine fighting another human being and not wanting to watch anything on that person. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's a little weird too. Like we don't sit there and watch a whole full fight because we're focused on what we're going to do, not really what Cheeto's going to do. But some things where his reactions to some things, the way the way he wrestles in, in some positions, I, li- I like him to see. And I'm just curious about what you said regarding his confidence. He does technically have a win over Sean. He is coming off a win. Here he is, big opportunity for him, fulfilling a dream. He's wanted this for a long time as well. Why do you think his confidence is going to be low? I just think that Corey Sanhagen bout is just going to be in his mind. And when he feels Sean's movement and Sean's speed and his reaction times, I feel like that's going to come back into play into his mind. Like, fuck, he just couldn't get started. He felt like he could just couldn't reach him. He just couldn't get to him. He was too slow. Uh, and I, I feel like that's probably going to come back, especially in the big cage. Hmm. Are we going to see grappling out of Sean? <laughs> There's a good chance of that. Okay. <laughs> um, because perhaps what you saw in the Sanhagen fight, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, and I don't know what happened. I don't know. My my guess in that fight is he was just probably overtrained because he got that fight canceled before. Then he had to wait three weeks. But it was weird. It looked like he was completely lost on the ground. I know he grapples with good people with those Mendez brothers, but it's just on the ground. He just never even tried to wrestle up. He didn't even know how to get up. It just didn't look like he was completely lost. It was weird. So we're, I'm not expecting that Cheeto to show up. If that Cheeto shows up, though, he's fucked 100%. But I feel like a, the strongest Cheeto is going to come up, show up. He's going to be prepared, and we're going to be ready for to bounce the knuckles off his face for five rounds. Mm. Um, and, and what's so interesting about this is like, there's, there is a long line of guys waiting to fight Sean. I think 135 is the best division in the UFC. Um, I, I just think it's the most talent rich and also has the most guys who haven't fought for the belt yet. Like 155 has a lot of great guys, but a lot of guys have maybe had their chance or on the back nine of their career. There are so many good guys at 135. There are options, but I've even seen Sean say like, Hey, if I win and Ilya wins, that's the fight. 145. Not looking past Cheeto, but just always curious, what do you mm. think would be next for him if uh, all goes according to plan on the 9th of March? I mean, if Ilya was able to get past Volk, which, I mean, it's it's possible, but I don't know. It's possible. And Sean knocks out Cheeto. Who wouldn't want to see that fight? That would be a sweet fight. Uh, Ilya is both one of our favorite fighters to watch. He's one of the most technical sound guys out there just watching his boxing but I have seen them in the same room. They're this. I've seen them. Ilya's not way bigger, and Ilya's an orthodox guy. He's got a really wide stance. He's not super like. He's got a super linear stance, uh, and we've been fighting orthodox boxers the whole his whole career. And orthodox boxers like that who are good at they really want to get their jab started. It's just a good fight for Sean. He's good at knocking him out, and you can. I, I think you can kind of hear it in Ilya's voice when you even bring up Sean. It doesn't seem like he's that interested in that. It's like, why wouldn't you be in that interested in that? That's a huge fight, especially for Ilya. But Ilya brings up Conor McGregor. It's like, okay, so you're going to fight Conor McGregor at 185 pounds? That just doesn't even seem realistic at all. But that's definitely a fight that is interesting and and people who say oh my god he's so stupid Ilya will kill him it's like yeah that's what everyone said about peter yawn mm. that's what everyone said about aljo it's like this kid when you can touch people with either hand with any limb and you've knocked 
very good people out. It's like he has confidence to touch people on the chin and put them to sleep. I don't think he's gonna. I think that's crazy to say. I just uh, I like a champion who defends the title in the weight class. You know, a bunch. You know, like a long an Anderson Silva type, a George St. Pierre type. And I mm-hmm. I would love to see him against the test that is Marab or the test that is Corey. Is 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 that not of interest? No, for sure, for sure. It, it's bound to ha- the Corey Sanhagen fight's bound to happen. Yeah, a hundred percent. Marab, it's bound to happen. If Marab whoops Henry's ass, then it's that fight's bound to happen. If Henry whoops Marab's ass, that's bound to happen too. So, I mean, I don't, I don't really deal with that too much, but I know Sean wants the biggest fights, which you can't blame him. And whatever's going to be the biggest fight is what he's going to want to do. You think Marab beats Henry? Gosh, I'm going back and forth with that. Now you're hearing videos of Henry still talking about retirement. He's, yeah. he's probably not quite the athlete he used to be. He can't train hard, near as hard as he used to. But I feel like Henry's going to be able to negate where Marab's good, where Marab's good at just getting on the fence and just pushing on you. I think Henry's going to be able to keep it in the middle. I think Henry has a little bit more technical boxing. Uh, we'll see how he handles Marab's pace, though. Marab comes out there and just puts the pedal to the metal from the first round on. So I'm, I'm pretty excited from that fight. We're going to go. We're going to be ringside for the fight, so it's going to be good. Oh, nice. Uh, that's close. That's close to to Miami. Why? Uh, was that your decision, their decision, meaning the team's decision, UFC's decision? Or are you going to go on, on route to Miami? Uh, no, we'll just we're just going to go a quick trip. We'll fly in there Saturday. We'll come okay. back Sunday uh, just to be be a uh, cage side for Henry Marab and Ilya, Ilya. Volk. Right. You th- so uh, like if you had to make a pick Ilya Volk, do you think Ilya pulls it off? Yeah, I, I wish I could see the type of people that Ilya is sparring because you saw how good Volkanovski is at kicking the legs against Max Holloway. He's just whacking his legs the whole time. And Ilya's stance is so sideways. It's such a long boxing stance. Ilya is such a strong counterpuncher though. Um he's got the opportunity to clip Volk, but I think if I had to pick, I think Volk might beat him up. Um, any concern, and, and you would know as a former fighter and coach, a, a knockout could change you as a human being and as a fighter. Do you think that that may come into play? Yeah, I definitely. It's, getting knocked out can demoralize some fighters, but but someone like Volkanovsky, who's pound per pound the GOAT right now, I, I think... Someone like him, it's not going to affect him. He took that fight on three weeks' notice or however long it was, short notice, straight off the couch. He's going to have a full fight camp for this, and and Volk is he's another level. So I, I don't think it's going to affect him. Okay. Um, by the way, he hasn't talked about it in a while, but after winning the belt, uh, Sean and Tank Davis were kind of going back and forth, Ryan Garcia as well. Do, do you like this idea for Sean? Yeah, I mean... Why not? Why not? And then and all the people are like, man, Gervonta is gonna would kill Shug. It's like you've never seen them standing next to each other, and you all these people have that same mindset. That's probably why they're just doing normal things throughout life. This kid's got super confidence. Sean's very very tall. Anybody who spars him, and we've sparred with good professional undefeated boxers, and he gives them issues. And but Gervonta does hit hard. That's a super dangerous fight. If Gervonta is becomes more of a star, I think it's possible. But if Gervonta kind of fizzles out or or the Ryan Garcia kid fizzles out, probably not. Hmm. Um, yeah, that would be incredible. And I'm wondering, by the way, like when, when someone of your stature has a fighter that makes it to the top and explodes and whatnot, what you start to see is fighters from all over the world want to come to your gym to train with you. Have you gotten this a lot? 
since August? Do you, do you feel like there's a lot of people that want to come to the gym? And are you, you know, in a position where you have to be selective because you don't want to have too many guys that you're looking after? Yeah, I've just, with the UFC fighters that have asked me, I've just had to be honest with them. I just don't have the time right now. And if I commit to you, then I want to be able to commit to you fully. And I have just too many things going on. And also my chill time is super, super important. That's where I get all my ideas. That's where I can do what I want. I can read what I want. I can study what I want. So I don't want to just give away all my chill time to some fighter who could just dip in the next couple months. Um, so I have really good coaches at my gym. I have really good wrestling coach. I have Jakar Close um, as my MMA coach, Courtney Casey, his wife as another MMA coach. I have great coaches. And when I teach my classes, I'll go in there and you can take my class and I'll help you and try to give you as much advice as I can. What are you reading these days? Random stuff. Random stuff about just keeping employees, trying to be a good leader. Um, I'm reading this book on, I think it's Seven Habits of Highly Toxic People, oh. How to Avoid to Toxic People. And that's a really good book, how to just um, kind of notice, notice what they're doing and stuff and how to avoid it. Are there toxic people in your life that you had to get rid of or you're trying to get rid of? Uh, not too bad. I'm, I'm pretty good at steering clear from those people. So why do you have to read the book? Just so I can have my alerts up for when they come around. <laughs> so they do in sneaky ways. They do? At the gym or just in yeah. every, every maybe the, the coffee business? Yeah, not, not, not really. I mean, there's always, there's always drama but between, between teams, between other, between all that stuff. Every place I've trained at, there's been drama like that. So just try how to navigate it and not just focus on it and let it take, take over and make me pissed and make me moody. Just focus on what I can control and just keep going. I love it. And by the way, you know, I love asking about the morning routine. Did the Achilles injury affect your morning routine? Did you have to adapt it? Uh, yeah, I couldn't do the cold plunge for a while, oh. which really sucked. Couldn't do the cold plunge for a while. But other than that, I just switched some a few things up and it's still the morning routine's pretty good, uh, dialed in. Okay. I mean, we all have to adapt, right? Evolve. Maybe you learn some new things as a result. Maybe there is a silver lining. Yeah, I mean, same thing that happened with my broken jaw, my biceps. It kind of led me in the in the direction I'm in now. So I'm thankful for that stuff to her happening. Okay. All right. Well, keep it up. Uh, good luck. And the official prediction is a knockout. Yes, an early one, late one. What are we thinking? I think I think Cheeto's going to come out like he always does, kind of slow, trying to pace himself uh, for pace himself for five rounds. And I think Sean's going to piece him up, piece him up. He's going to be real tough. And then uh, I'm going to say third round KO. Damn, what a scene that would be. Well, wish you guys the best. Uh, good luck. Congrats on, on everything that you're building over there, coffee shop, the YouTube channel, the show, all that, and, of course, with the team as well. Uh, always a pleasure, Red Hawk. Thank you very much for the time. Thank you for blessing us with your time. And uh, good luck to you guys next month as well. Thanks so much, Ariel. You're the man. You're the man. There he is, Tim Welch, the head coach for one um sugar sean o'malley and many others and that is coming up what a camera that is Jeez, louise this camera was better than this one that was high level stuff I need, to get, I need to get a camera like that frank for my house when i'm talking to the likes of tyson fury and alexander usik right i mean definitely it's the least i can get let me see here i always i'm afraid to look at the uh the phone By the way, how's Forrest doing? Mm -mm. Early goal. Ah, and of course, oh. 
by Forrest. And then they came back? Uh, it's 1-1. One, one. You said it, not me. Oh, Origi. Uh, I scored in the 14th minute. Wow. Yeah, I should have, should have been keeping up better. Hey, Jason Knight. Is that the same Jason Knight from uh, BKFC? Uh, and from Tough, yeah. Yeah, that's right. He went back. Signed with Bristol City. Wow, Bristol City. They play right next to ESPN, right? Uh, yep, exactly. Bingo, nailed it. Uh, well, this is fun because if they remain tied, it's only 50th minute, so it's early days, as they say. But then they go into uh, to a shootout. Now, I, I'm kind of, you know what? What's that? Penalties. Yeah. Penalties, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of feel like at this point, I kind of want to say peace to the FA Cup. We've got bigger fish to fry, right? Mm, yeah, it's it's getting a little worrisome in, in league play. It feels like we might get get the Relski going, you know? Yeah, no one e that's a good that's a good sign. He shouldn't be playing today. Alanga back, okay. Um Matt Turner in. You know why Matt Turner has to be in because the, the new keeper was uh not a part of the squad. He wasn't he wasn't signed up. I I, I read about this. So no uh no Giorena as well, so we'll keep an eye on that. But very excited to say hello to our next guest and final guest of the day. He has been uh, the talk of the combat sports world since his sixth pro win, which went down on Saturday. Everyone has a say on this man and what he did. I, I showed you the, the highlights. We can show this while I'm introing him as well. Uh, these highlights have been everywhere. What he did, uh, pretty damn amazing, and uh, some might say... It's uh, exactly what boxing needs um, on the Sports Center Instagram account. Over a million likes. I mean, just look at the movement. Uh, look at the punching power. Look at the speed. Look at the showmanship. Look at the dancing. Look at the the foot movement. The elusiveness. It's uh, it's mesmerizing stuff. And like I said, undefeated, six and zero. Every single win except for one via stoppage. And he's not just some, you know, geek off the street. He's a, an Olympic silver medalist. He's very highly regarded. And a lot of people think he could be the next big thing to come out of England. He is the man they call the surgeon. He is Ben Whitaker. He's kind enough to join us right now. Hello, Ben. How are you? Thanks for the time. Yo, thank you very much for having me, man. Um, that was a great intro. I really liked it. All right. Oh, I appreciate that. And uh, congratulations on everything that you've done up until this point, not just on Saturday. I know a lot of people may be learning about you, especially here in the United States since Saturday, but you've been at this for a while. Could I ask, what has life been like for you since Saturday, since everything really went viral for you? Well, first I'm on your show, so I must be doing something <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's been crazy, if I'm honest. Um, but the likes of Shaquille O'Neal message me, follow me, send me his number, Odell wow. Beckham, the list goes on. But um, it's it's an honor if I'm honest, but I don't do it for the views, I don't do it for the likes, it's my style and it's the way I express myself in the ring. Why do you think this fight is the one that has gotten you all this attention? When, let's be honest, you, you've done this throughout your career. This is not new. So why do you feel like this has changed things? That's what we was really trying to get the grips of, if I'm honest, because I've done it since my debut. Um, I, I usually go in there, showboat, get the win, go back, eat five guys, and wake up as a normal day. 
I did the exact same routine, but I woke up and I had about 3,000 more followers. So I don't know what what, what happened, if I'm honest. Uh, and since then, you have like 250,000 or so new followers, right? Like everything has exploded for you. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But, um, you know, all, good, all publicity is good publicity, I suppose. Have you ever been a boxer who didn't do this? Or were you this way even as a youngster coming up as well? Like, was there ever a time where you were just your traditional normal normal Queensberry rules boxer without the showmanship? Honestly, if you came and watched me in the gym, I was probably the worst in the gym. Um, not so long ago, I asked my dad, why did you keep taking me to the gym? He said, there was something about you. He said, um, even if you was getting beat up, you'd put your hands down, slip to the side, throw an uppercut, and I knew you was different. And ever so, maybe so, ever since then, I've always been different and I've honed my skills. Of course, if I need to, I can go to the traditional boxing. I can go back to my basics, but uh, the flair, the showmanship, that's what expresses me to be the boxer I am. When you were doing this early on, uh, did you have people in your life, coaches, etc., teammates who are like, no, you can't do this. Like, this is going to be too controversial. It's going to invite too much criticism. And then if you do get caught, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be a laughingstock. Did you have people who were trying to deter you from fighting this way? Yeah, so when I got on the Olympic team, uh, I think a lot of people get the English style as very stiff, very strong, come forward. So that's kind of the idea I get from the English boxing style as well. So when I got into the Olympic team, they hated my style, if I'm honest. They kind of changed me. They told me it would never work at the high level. The next thing you know, I got a silver medal for representing them. So sometimes <laughs> you just got to block out the things and you know what's right for yourself. Um, and, and of course, in those Olympics, uh, 2020 Olympics in 2021, silver medal and you 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 garnered a lot of attention when you said that you felt like a failure for the silver medal and then i think later on you said you know i'm sorry for what i said you were proud to wear it how do you feel about that silver medal now i'm not gonna lie i still look at it with regret sometimes and a bit of envy but i think if you're in a combat sport you always want to do one better you always want to be a winner so uh, coming out the ring with a silver medal it's a bit of upset, of course, but looking back, it's opened up many doors for me. And a lot, not a lot of people can say they're an Olympic medalist. So, yeah, take it with a, a bit of salt. Um, afterwards, I think you said that you were going to try to rectify this. And, and reading the articles from back then, if I, if I were to read them in a certain way, I thought maybe you would try out for the 2024 team. Uh, is that a possibility still for you or are you done with the Olympics? Yeah, I'm done with the Olympics. As soon as I started seeing those paychecks as a pro, I thought there's no point. <laughs> but, uh, not only that, you have to think, uh, Roy Jones Jr., he got a silver medal. Floyd Mayweather got a bronze medal. So sometimes, even like the, today's age, Shakur Stevenson got a silver medal. So sometimes it's not always the gold medal that matters. When you're professional, it's about those straps. And but your hair right now is pretty traditional. Back then at the Olympics, you had the, like, the multicolor do. What was the uh, inspiration behind that? I loved it, by the yeah, way. So, Thank you very much. Uh, I went for the Sugar Sean. <laughs> you did. It did. But, uh, it was very Sugar yeah, Sean-esque. But um, I actually dyed it blonde. I tried to go for the gold look, ah. um, but it actually came out silver, and I ended up with a silver, so it's probably a bad look. <laughs> uh, but then, but then, the, like, I'm, 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 we're looking at the picture right now. Like, you had all kinds of colors in there, right? Was, was that right after? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that, that was after, yeah, that was after. I thought I'd switch it up, um, but I ended up looking like 6'9", so I swapped it real quick. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, I know I know. when you decided to go pro, you signed with Boxer and Ben Shalom, and obviously the UK scene is on fire with Boxer, with Matchroom, with Queensberry. Did you also talk to Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren or their teams 
And ultimately, why did you choose Boxer and not Matchroom or, or Queensberry? Um, yes, yeah, so um, coming out of the Olympics with a medal, you're kind of hot property, you know, everybody wants a piece here. Um, but the first thing I did was get a good lawyer because, mm-hmm. you know, your lawyer's got to look over everything. Uh, secondly, I got my management team. I'm managed by Anthony Joshua, so um, they opened up many doors. I sat down with all promoters, Frank Warren, Eddie Hearn, and Matt, um, Ben Shalom from Boxer. And uh, just the platform that Boxer could offer at the time, Sky Sports, especially in the UK, is really big. Um, and it came with a big bag as well. Okay, so uh, are you happy with that decision? Yeah, of course. Um, like I said, um, in the UK, other than Anthony Joshua, maybe Conor Ben, there's not many people that are the face of boxing, really. So they're pushing me in the right direction to hopefully go that way. And And how many more fights do you have with them? Because I feel like... Whenever you're a free agent again, you're going to be an even hotter per, uh, commodity and property. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I can say that okay. yet, but um, you, you'll soon see where, what the next direction is. Okay, you have a plan. There's always plans. You know? okay. I mean, you got, there's baby steps and there's future plans, but I kind of know my, my next five steps. Uh, how far away do you think you are from being the face of British boxing? Uh, not far at all, if I'm honest. Of course, there's always a process to these things. You need the right fights, you need a title, you need all those things to line up. But um, skill-wise and marketing-wise, I'm not far at all because, you know, huh. Benzo's Benzo. That's right. Um, and, you know, I, I've seen, uh, I, I, I'm a big boxing fan, I'm a big British boxing fan, British sports media fan, and I see you're, you're that's, very... That's Forest. Yeah, Forest. that's Mike's squad. Yeah, you like them too. Hey, yeah, my, I'm good friends with Morgan Gibbs, so I'll let him know. Come that. on, MGW, that's my guy. I just brought my son his jersey. I love him. He goes, he goes like this when he scores. That's my yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell him I say hello. I love that guy. They're playing right now, by the way, against Bristol City. We're keeping yeah. an eye on that. Yes, yes, we love them. That's tremendous. Um, you know, I, I I listen to all the media, and I see that they're they're, they're very torn on you because some some of the traditionalists are like this guy's a sham. And my theory was this, and I wonder if you agree with it. I think that for the British public, you know, they kind of pride themselves on being, you know, humble, hard hat, blue collar, lunch pail guys. Oh, we can't be too crazy. But I think the American sports fans and and the public here, they're like, this guy's amazing. This is incredible. Like, give us more of this. Boxing needs this. Do you feel that that juxtaposition? That's the exact same reaction me and my dad said. We said, what's going on? Like, you know, sometimes in the UK, like you said, it's very plain. It's very simple. And uh, sadly, when someone comes out with a bit of something different they're not used to, they don't know how to take it. It's a bit too much for them on the plate. But then when when it comes to America, you guys love it. And that's what we love. You know, I've, I've always grew up watching American boxing, UFC, things like that. The whole showmanship. Yeah. And that's what I've been brought up on. So, and not only that, my coach is American as well, Trigger Hill, so he loves it too. So, you know. So does that bum you out? Does it bum you out that there are some people in your own country that are trying to, like, you know, kind of bring you down? I kind of like it because I believe um, when you've got people kind of trying to tear you down, they're going to watch you more at right. the end of the day. If, you, if you're one of these people who's a people pleaser and try and make everybody happy, sometimes it goes the wrong way. I'd rather be in the middle and people hate me or love me because they'll want to view me no matter what. Is there anything that uh, you can learn, or maybe you have talked to Anthony about, you know, his rise was, you know, similar to yours, Olympic uh, medalist, gold medalist, and then he was beloved, but then it seemed like at some point 
everyone turned on him and tried to tear him down as well. And it seemed like maybe the pressure got to him or just like, you know, what happened in the Usyk fight in the second one afterwards and all that. Is there anything that you've learned from that and the way, you know, he was he was treated by the public in the aftermath of that? Uh, yeah, um, he's never, we never actually spoke about this, but me just being a, an eye on the outside, I'd say um, be true to yourself. I'm coming in this game as myself. Like you said, the showboating's me. The way I act, the way I dress, that's me. And um, when AJ first came out, maybe you're trying to please the public a little bit too much. Um, later on in his career, he thought, you know what, I'm going to be myself. And people kind of thinking, what is he changing now? And uh, that's what I like, that if people don't like me now, at least I've not changed. Do you think that this style can only go so far, meaning once you start to get to the the top dogs, you cannot fight like this anymore? That's what I'm excited to show. I want the top dogs, and I'll still be bouncing on one leg while doing it. (laughs) (laughs) When you were growing up, who who did you you know, look up to? Who did you try to emulate? Obviously, the one that everyone brings up is Nassim Hamed. Was it him or was it someone else? Yeah, truthfully, no. Uh, Nazim, I only started watching him recently because I'm sponsored by Adidas and I thought, I want a good ring walk. And then it kind of made sense because he was Adidas too. But growing up, um, the first actual boxer I watched was a man called Mario Kindling, a Cuban boxer. He beat Amir Khan in the Olympic final. He was great, man. And then looking into the sport, the Pernal Whitakers, the Tommy Hearns, all, all the old school fighters, James Tony. He, I, I love James Tony. And then today's modern age, of course, Floyd Mayweather and Adrian Broner, they was my favorite boxers. But uh, most of those guys don't box like you. They don't do the things that you I do. Know, I know. I just think I've got my own style. But, uh, but I'm, uh, the good thing about me, what I like is I'm only showing people what I want to show you right now. Yeah, I can show both things like that. But when I really need to box, I can box. And a lot of people who've seen me box, they know I can box too. So when I really need to show it, that's what I'm excited to show too. And and you don't strike me as the kind of guy who is short on confidence, but you do know, like, if you did get caught in a in a bad way yeah. doing what, like, the internet would just go insane, right? Yeah. Everyone wants That's to say, me. yeah, yeah. That does that not cross your mind or worry you at all? Definitely not. I think, uh, especially being a fighter, you need that risk. And when I've got that risk, that's what excites me. That's what keeps me up at. That's what makes me run in the morning. That's what makes me go hard in the gym. I like putting myself at that risk and knowing that I could become a meme. I make sure that doesn't happen. And it's also a little bit exhausting, no? I mean, like boxing is exhausting in its own right, but all that extra movement that you do sometimes, you know, doesn't that exert more energy? 100%. um, It's a very hard style to fight, like you said. Punching and moving, that's just one thing. But hopping on one leg, looking out the ring, it's a lot, but... Luckily enough, because I'm so used to it from a young age, it's kind of normal now. Okay. Um, and so on Saturday, what was up with this referee, man? Was he, like, what was going on over there? What, it, it, he was just, he, he was ruining your vibe out there. You weren't doing anything it's wrong. Ridiculous. What was he saying to That's you? Like, yeah, he just kept saying, don't be disrespectful, don't be disrespectful. I said, I'm not being disrespectful. At the end of the day, you know, the, the referees have got to do the job. They've got to make sure we're safe and things like that, but... I really didn't get it because I'd get in a nice little rhythm. I'd hit an uppercut, I'd tap him on the head, about to do something else. Then he'd step in. I was like, oh, <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, were you at all worried he would take a point away? A little bit. Um, I think he spoke to me three times and he said, uh, this is the last time I'm going to take a point off. So I just looked at my corner and said, it's time to take him out. Okay. And that's what we did. 
That's great. <laughs> have you ever had a ref that was so on your case like that before? Yeah, in the amateurs, uh, okay. especially like the, the amateur game, like the hate that stuff, but I couldn't help it. And I've had points taken off so many times, but you know, it, it is what it is. And even someone like Sugar Hill, he's never said like, yo man, you got to chill out. If I'm honest, Sugar Hill loves it. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> if I'm honest, like I said, when we're in the gym, we make sure we tick every box. So we go over the basics, we go over scenarios, we go over tactics. So um, he knows I can box, but when I'm in that flow, he just lets me be because he knows when I'm in that flow, I'm very hard to be touched. Everything is I, – I, by the way, I, I don't know if I've said it to you. I said it before the show uh, or before you came on. I love it. I, th- I think you're a must-see TV. I think it's fantastic. Um, and it, and it's just so much fun to watch you fight. The 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 movement is great, but the bop over the head like that is like that is like embarrassing. That's like Three Stooges stuff. Where did you come up with that? One? That's like you're dunking on the guy. Like you, it's almost like unnecessary, but you do it just to freaking put the exclamation point. Where did you come up with that? If I'm honest, sometimes it's always on the fly. Um, <laughs> someone on a someone on the sports center killed me in the comments. I said. My boy just hit him with the Looney Tunes punch. Yes, oh, man. yes. Well, oh, like I said, when I'm in there, I'm flowing. Sometimes I don't know that I've did it until I've watched the highlights back. I'm like, I did that. But, you know, um, it was a good moment and you're, it's, it's, it's doing this numbers. Do you know who O'Shea Jackson is? I, I'm sure you know who he is now, Junior. Did you know yeah. who he was before? I, I knew who he was before, yeah. And uh, when I came out, my dad showed me. I said, whoa. Yeah, and then like I said, Shaquille O'Neal message me. I said, "What's going on here, man?" So like seeing people like that who I thought would never get in touch with me, get in touch with me from doing what I do and doing what I love, it's an honor, man. It's it's real good. What about my boy Central C? Did he reach out? No, man. We need to get him on. I want to ring walk with him, man. I think that would blow up. Oh, you know that would me? be. A, what song would you choose? UK rap. She Ooh. don't listen to UK rap. What did, what would you choose? Oh no, I think because I'm a fighter. It's gotta be Khabib, man. Uh, that, that would be, that and and would be and that is for Khabib, right? Is that has he I ever confirmed so. that? He, he, he drops a couple bars about Khabib, so I think it should be. That is wild. So, what is your dream walkout? Like your walkouts are amazing. What would be the dream one for you? Would it be Central C? Oh, there's 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 many on the list. If I'm honest, I say venue wise, it's gotta be MGM. You know, growing up as a boy, that that's that's the mecca of boxing, and then. Um, I think we'd have to bring a brick with us, you know, show us that we've got some flavor. So we'll have to put it in the notepad and see who we can bring over. That would be amazing. So I know Boxer's next show is March 31st, I believe at the O2. Are you going to be on that one? Yeah, I think so. That's something we're looking into. I've had a week off this week, eating all the food I can endure. And then I'm back into the gym Monday. Hopefully my team can get me an opponent and we can get into that show. And and I know when someone like yourself is uh, out there successful and you're doing the things that you're doing, there's this rush to say like, all right, let's put him in there against the real guy. Like, who's he fighting? He's fighting some bum. Um, and, and that's not to disrespect. These are what other people are saying. And so how yeah. far away do you think you are from those higher echelon opponents? Yeah, it's like I said, I'm, I'm six fights in now. And if you look at Twitter, they want me to start fighting Bivol next. It's right, like, yeah. Like, give me some time, man. I'm 26. These guys are in their mid-30s. But at the end of the day, that's a little confidence booster to me because if I'm six fights in and they want me and when those guys already, I'm doing something right. But you always see it sometimes. You see these prospects do very well against a certain level. Oh, let's jump to this level. And when they jump to that level, they don't make it. I want to make sure I go through every phase. So when I'm at the top... I stay there. 
But um, I'm not far off skill-wise. I believe I'm there already. You think like next couple of years you're in those fights or further? Yeah, well, I'm 26 now. By the time I'm 28, I want to be a world champion. So two years max. And how soon before you really want to fight in the States? Because I understand, you know, Boxer just signed this deal with NBC here in America. And I feel like you could be their guy. You could be the face of this promotion, especially as they try to make an impact here in America. How far away do you think you are from that? Yeah, um, like I said, the good thing is me having a coach in America. I do my camp a lot of times in uh, Miami. So I'm very familiar with America. I've got family over there too. So the sooner the better. I think sometimes the UK guys, they wait too long. Then they come over and it's they've missed the boat. I think I'd like to grow slowly with the American crowd, especially the feedback you guys give me. is sometimes better than my hometown. Yeah. So it's definitely something I'd like to build up out there. And are, are you uh, an MMA fan? I am actually, yeah. Um, the the gym I train at sometimes because I do a lot of grappling. Yeah, um, I train at the same gym as people like Leon Edwards and Jai Herbert. So wow, yeah. in Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, Renegade. Renegade, yeah, those guys are great. So you have a relationship with Leon? Yeah, I know him well. I know him well. My coach trains down there. Does all the um, does all the training with those, and I sometimes go down there just to work on my grappling. Those guys throw me all over the place, but I think it's something good to learn. Why do you work on grappling? Why do you need that? Just like when you're close in a clinch, you need to know where to put your head. And it's very clever. You see these prospects and people, they're always tight. These guys teach you how to just relax when you're there, find little gaps, bow, bow again. It's something good to learn. And not only that, it's a good workout as well. Yeah. Would you ever want to do MMA? You know what? This is what I respect about people that come from the MMA background into boxing. It's always they come to us. We never go to them. And I say it's because they can do so much more than we can. Um, I wouldn't like to get involved if I'm honest. Those leg kicks look too much, man. I'll stick to just these hands. Fair enough. Your style reminds me a little bit. Do you know a guy named uh, Michael Venom Page? Have you heard of him? Yeah, yeah. I like him, man. He's, he's good. He moves around a lot. Not quite as much as you, um, amazingly. <laughs> but his, he, 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 he showboats a lot and he's a showman. And people have criticized him for that. And uh, he's had great success. He just signed with the UFC and is about to make his yeah, debut next that. month. Yeah, I just saw that he signed. Um, I'm excited for him. And um, hopefully all the previous organizations he's been with, he did well there. Hopefully continue with the UFC. And I understand this is uh, a big day or a big night for you as well. I think uh, just a couple hours ago, your, your new rap song uh, came out, the video and whatnot. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what, what is it called? It's called How Many Times. Uh, I'm ticking all the boxes right now. All I need to do is a catwalk, and we've ticked off all the boxes. I love it. We're showing some of it right now. So it's out right now, and, and where can people see the video? And get, Is it uh, available everywhere? Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's available on our website on YouTube called Grime Daily. It's the same same place that people like Central C, people like Europe all put their music on, so I'm in good company. Uh, and uh, how many songs have you come out with? Um, so before like I really went professional, I had about four or five songs. Since turning professional, this is my first one. So hopefully we can continue the run. Wow. And uh, how long did it take to uh, to make that video? Um, the video was about 30 minutes. And then I made oh, the song in my bedroom. I made the song in my bedroom as well. So Look yeah, at so you. Good. And uh, you wrote it yourself? <laughs> yeah, I wrote it myself. Uh, mixed it and all that myself in my bedroom. So. What? 
you know, I'm a bit of a whiz kid. Wow, <laughs> I love it. You know, uh, two years, no, last year, there was a song that came out by a guy who was masked, and they said he was a Premier League player. Do, do, do you know this guy? Oh, I heard about that, yeah. Thrill, I, I think it was, that. or Trill, or something like that. Yeah. Did they ever reveal it. who it was? I don't think they did, you know. I don't think they did. I don't think so. There was some rumor that it was a guy in Arsenal, I think, in Ketia. There was a rumor that it was him because of, like, a tattoo on his arm. It was a good song. Yeah. I actually thought it, it was... quite good. Yeah. yeah. It's quite good. But you know what's going to happen, right? If you stumble, people are going to say, ah, you're focused on the rapping, the fame, the this. They're going to they're gonna turn all these things against you. You're okay with that? Yeah. 100%. Like I said, one of my favorite boxers was Adrian Broner. And um, it sounds bad, but I don't know him, but I learned from his mistakes, if I'm honest. I saw him coming up. He looked hungry. He was... One of the pound-for-pound best, in my opinion. But then uh, the world title kind of got to his head. He started living the wrong lifestyle, going out with the rappers. And now look at him now. I bet he wishes he never did that. I do that more as a hobby, but I know boxing's the way out for me. The boxing's what's got me here, and boxing's what will change my life. So boxing's all that matters for me. So how do you allow that to not make your head too big and, and, and not distract you? What are you doing to... Because I'm sure a lot is coming your way over the last couple of days and will come your way. How do you stop all of this from changing you? First, I think it's about a bit of mental strength, you know. If you know, if you know where you want to go, you know those distractions are not needed. But secondly, I've been brought up really well, you know. Uh, my mom and dad keep me away from distractions. They've kind of told me... They've kind of set the life for me already. My dad said, you will be a world champion. This will happen. This will happen. If you don't do this, this will happen. So I've kind of been drilled with that mindset. So I don't want nothing to mess up my plans. Okay, amazing. Best best message you got since Saturday? Was it Shaq or was it someone else? Was it a, a sportsman in the UK? What was, the, what was the best thing you got? It's got to be Shaq, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Growing up, growing up seeing Shaq play, uh, um, he's someone who we all look up to. He's an icon, if I'm honest. And for him to message me, for him to actually watch my fights, and then for him to send me his number... Jeez. Man, that's got that's got to be the best number in my phone right now. Did you hit him up? Um, I ain't hit him up like that. No, okay. yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I got the confidence to yet. Um, but like I said, when I get a fight, especially in America, we got to sort him out some oh, side yeah. seats. It's sort of like getting a girl's phone number. Like you can't be too thirsty, right? You can't hit him up like right exactly. away. You got to play it cool. Like, what am I gonna say to him? Like, <laughs> hi, uh, it's me from Instagram. Exactly. You know what I mean, so I'll I'll let it simmer a little bit, then I might hit him up. Man, Shaq sliding in your DMs. Yeah, man, exactly. And not only that, you got people like Odell Beckham. I think he's sick. Yes. Uh, and the rapper followed me. People like that. So it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Uh he's a huge fight fan. I saw him in Terence Crawford's locker room after his win over Errol Spence. Chance was just chilling in the locker room. So. Uh, for sure, you know that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Um, last thing, what's the dream? What's the dream fight for you? Location, venue, opponent. The dream fight that is that is feasible, not like you versus you know some old timer that that is that is yeah. in your you know in your in your mind right now that you want to get. Oh, okay. Let's go. MGM. Um, I'm about 28, maybe. And I'd like to fight the winner of Paterbia and Biffle. Wow. They've got all the belts, so it's only right I come and take them. Ah, that would be tremendous. And yeah, that's coming yeah. Uh, That's coming up on June 1st. Well, lovely to meet you, Ben. Really, uh, it's, uh, it's incredible what you're doing. We're huge fans. Keep doing what you're doing. Forget the noise. Forget the naysayers. Forget those crotchety media guys that don't like to have fun. <laughs> 
do your thing, my man. It's great to see you. It's a breath of fresh air. And uh, say hello to Morgan for me as well and tell him we love him too, okay? He's my guy. Uh, Much love. All the best to you, Ben. Take care. There he is, uh, Ben Whitaker, who is an absolute uh, superstar. And uh, if you don't know, now you know. Those highlights, I mean, they are something else. And uh, so divisive. And I guess... I guess you know you're doing something really special when you're divisive, right? When people are, uh, I think, I think people call it disruptors. They call it disruptors. Yes, in today's day and age, um, he's a great talent. And so it was sort of like M- MVP back in the day when MVP came in to Bellator. People were like, "What is this guy doing?" And let's be honest, he's had great success. I know he's lost, and uh, he's only going to get more attention. And honestly. If something happens, people are going to point to all of this, but look at how far it's gone to him at this point. I know he's just 6-0. and Calm down. I know the opponents aren't, you know, world, world class, but he has an opportunity to not only be the, the face of boxer, the promotion, but to be the face of UK boxing, which is on fire. And, and boxer needs a guy like that. They've got some great fighters. Their show on um, March 31st is solid. The one they had on Saturday is solid. They've got... A lot of great women's boxers, Carolyn Dubois. Uh, they've got the 18-year-old or 19-year-old Francesca Hennessy. They've got, um, you know, some some great British boxers. But I think he could be the one that can help them cross over here to the United States. Um, and that's, you know, that's the big time. So that was fun. Congratulations to him. Appreciate him very much. Um, and appreciate the guests. I wanted to go back to the questions because I ended halfway there. And there was two questions. uh, So I asked Rick the question about the fights he was most looking forward to. GC, this one's for you. Pick a dream fight feast and pick a main event to support your fight feast. Also, when is your next race? The crew shamed your New York City half medal. I'm not familiar. I don't remember us doing that. But they don't have the guts to run one with you. Who, me? (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's accurate. I actually don't remember the shaming either. There's no yeah. shaming. What the hell? Did y'all do that? No. I think Why? it was probably the YouTube community. I don't know. He said that. I feel like I feel like y'all might have. I'm going to need to go back and look on that. Uh, not, running, not running a half marathon. running a 5K, actually, in, uh, in two weeks in Central Park. Serious? Uh, oh, yeah. I love a good yeah. 5K. Oh, love a good 5K. That's, that's, that's what got me into running in the first place. Nice and easy. You can get your friends to do it with you, make a whole day of it. Uh, then I'm doing a 10K on Governor's Island in uh, Whoa. May. Yeah, so so got some plans for uh, for running. Already signed up. Got the bibs in the mail. So looking forward to those. Dream fight feast, man. I don't know. I I just love trying new foods that I've never experienced before at all. Um, so it would have to be something like that. Uh, like. I mean, say, like, maybe the next time Izzy main events, like, trying, like, Nigerian food or something. Uh, yeah, I'd have to think more on that. But something that I've never experienced before. So it doesn't have to necessarily be tied to the location, right? It could be tied to fighter. Yeah, but, I mean, if you want to talk tied to location, they were supposed to go to Shanghai. And, like, I talked to to Rick, who is, is very well-versed in, in Asian cuisine and uh, learned about Shanghainese food that they have a lot of restaurants for here, and we were making plans, but obviously mm. they moved it to the Apex. So Could have done it for like Road that. FC, Road to the UFC, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> you know. Not the same. 
I think they'll go back to uh to Yeah, no, of course. And then, and then we can do it then. Also, you're in the best city to do something like this. Like imagine you lived in you That's know, why it's so perfect. Cincinnati or something. I mean, shit, even if I lived in like Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, this is They the literally have everything here. Like we were talking about like what if uh DDP does another main event and we want to do like South African food and Frank was like, "Is there even really South African food?" Sure enough, uh South African restaurant yeah, Manhattan. confidence. Yeah. Com- comes up with one. Um, that is oh, amazing. Oh, Frank's actually upset about this, man. Oh, stop it. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't have mentioned that, man. Uh, Frank, this one's for you. Are you more interested in a Serrano title fight in PFL or a Serrano versus Katie Taylor rematch? I want the Taylor rematch. Yeah. I feel like the last one was a draw. Okay, let's not get crazy. I mean, oh, I thought it was a Serrano win in real time. In real time, I thought that was a Serrano win. Do you think she ever fights in PFL? No. Probably not. I don't know why she would to be honest she's about to sell out a huge stadium or a huge arena in puerto rico of boxing i don't know maybe maybe, maybe down the line um al ariel we all love the behind the scenes stories with your former agent nick khan now being the president of the wwe please share some of the involvement he had in the infamous moments of your career how did he handle the ufc 199 banning ufc fox sports debacle and so on i'll say i'll say this much um I was very anti-agent early in my career and, and probably didn't need it. But I think the first time I ever met with an agent was 2011. And I met with others, which is always very nice. I ended up meeting with Nick for the first time in 2015. Actually, I was in LA for UFC 184, headlined by Ronda Rousey versus Katzengano and Cal Pennington, Holly Holm. First time, two women two women's fights at the top of the bill. And part of the reason why I was interested in in talking to him was because I knew that he was supremely connected in the sports media world. And, you know, sometimes you need someone to help open those doors for you. And I don't believe that I honestly get to ESPN, which was a huge moment in my career. I don't believe that I get there if not for him and his relationships and his you know, his his guidance, so to speak. And so I remember going for lunch with him uh, maybe a few months before that, and he kind of like laid things out. And, and like I always say, he's usually four or five steps ahead. It's remarkable. Like he would tell me things that are about to happen that were not even on anyone's radar and they would happen. And so that to me is the biggest sort of takeaway that I have from my time working with him. Um, and when he left in 2020, in August of 2020, it was shocking because he was just so powerful in the world of sports media but i understood the position and it's obviously been an incredible move for him and and i do feel like there's more to come i i don't think and i hope he doesn't mind me saying this i i don't know and i don't think that wwe is his final destination i think he's just incredibly smart talented ambitious that i could foresee him being Honestly, president of Marvel or DC or Disney, something like that. ESPN, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. Um, and he doesn't necessarily need that because I know he has a tremendous position in WWE and everyone seems to really like working for him and with him. But I have, uh, I have talked about in the past when the, the 199 thing happened, I've talked about when I, I wanted to come on the show on the Monday after and tell everything that happened. And I remember, I, I, I've said this like, oh, you know, 
I, I, I was uh, approached by a lot of different shows, Levitard, Eisen, Dan Patrick, to talk about it beforehand. And all those shows would have aired before our show. And then I thought, well, this is our story, my story. I might as well just reveal all on the show. And it was Nick and uh, my other agent at the time, a guy named Matt Olson, who told me, no, you have to get the story out there. You have to talk to as many people as possible. You really have to, you know break through the MMA bubble. And so I think that advice actually saved me in a big way as opposed to just coming on the show, doing it here, contained MMA. I think it was tremendous advice to tell me to to get out there and not turn down those opportunities. And I do really think it worked out. So obviously now the relationship is totally different and, um, you know, he's he's killing it over there. And so I, th- I think he's been gigantic for WWE and not just from a, a media rights perspective, but obviously that's been a big one, but just all the other moves and the signings that they've had over the last couple of years. Ken O, if more and more media members ask fighters, do you like fighting in the apex and the responses are negative, will it finally come to an end? No, they don't care. It's about business. And uh, it just makes a lot of sense business-wise. Uh, so I don't think it's going to impact. And, and, and you can see everyone kind of says it, but they bite their tongue. It's not a thing. Aaron, hello, Helwani. Quick one for you. Were you much of a WCW fan back in the day? Do you ever attend any shows and do you have any fun or fond or wacky memories of watching? I was a WWE guy until the late 90s. Believe it or not, during WCW's old, like like during during the 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 peak in in 96 and 97, I I was I actually stopped watching wrestling in around 94 when I got to high school, seventh grade. That's high school in Quebec. I stopped and I really got into basketball. And then I only really got back into it in 97 when I went to the Survivor Series in Montreal. And I learned all about the internet and, and uh, the screw job and what it was all really, you know, meaning. And then I only really got like. WCW, I only started watching them when they started to actually go down because the the booking was so wacky. So New Blood Rising and Lance Storm going over and Mike Awesome and and all that stuff. Um, you know, David Arquette winning and Jeff Jarrett and Booker T and Hogan getting out and Vince Russo coming in when it was a total mess. That's really when I started to get more into WCW, believe it or not. And then, of course, um, 2000 was a mess. And then 2001, they were sold to WWE. Um, so I never got to go to an event because they didn't come to Canada, or at least not Montreal. I don't know if they ever even had. Maybe they had one house show. I, I don't. I don't even know if they ever had one house show in Montreal. To be honest, um, Montreal was much more of a WWF slash E territory. Uh, but I did enjoy them in their later years, and uh, obviously have read and 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 watched everything and the documentaries. And I'm excited about our friend Mark Ramundi's book on the NWO which is coming out, uh, I think, in 2025? I believe so. What a time. Muhammad, off topic, but what about the fast car performance by Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs at the Grammys? Incredible. I've, uh, I have I watched that 10 times. It was amazing. Showed it to my wife. She loved that song back in the day as well. I don't know much about Luke Holmes, but he was amazing too. And just the reaction to Tracy and the nostalgia and the good vibes. I mean, it was just amazing. Until that very performance, I only knew the 2015 house version. Ever since listening to the Grammy performance, the song has been stuck in my head. Me too. It's even uh, the title of this week's Substack. 
I must have listened to it, no joke, over 100 times in the last two days. What are your thoughts on the performance? I thought it was incredible. It was just amazing. It was beautiful. I, the, the, the words hit differently than when you know I, I, I first heard it. I think it came out in 88 or 89, or maybe it was a little bit later than that. I read this great story about how she was, went very early on in her career, she was scheduled to perform at Nelson Mandela's 75th birthday which I think was at Wembley. And um, also on the bill was Stevie Wonder. And something happened to the floppy disk that they were using for Stevie's performance. And it didn't work or they lost it. And he got very emotional and refused to go on stage. And so they told Tracy to go on stage. And she sang that song. And it was a breakout moment for her. Um, and that, that clip is is online. It's pretty amazing stuff. And I understand that she hasn't been... Um, in the public eye, hasn't put on a lot of shows, um, hasn't performed in public. So uh, it's it's amazing. It's remarkable uh, that she comes back like this. And I understand also that Luke Combs is giving her a lot of um, of the royalties, a, a large percentage of it. So that's a, a mensch-like move. So yeah, all that is incredible. And the performance was amazing. It was It was really, it was touching. It was emotional. Uh, Grant, hey Ariel, how does Mrs. Helwani deal with events like Saturday Just Gone, where the day's schedules change quickly due to your work? Are you an ask for forgiveness, not permission kind of person? Does she just go with the flow? And if so, do you think you would have had the success you have had without her by your side? Uh, yeah, that one, I was supposed to go to my son's game. She then had to go. She has never given me stick or any sort of guilt or anything like that. She knows Saturdays, which are typically a date night, uh, are problematic and doesn't really seem to mind. And I've said without her by my side from the early days and, you know, never giving me any type of issues or guilt or jealousy or anything like that, I don't think I would have been this successful. Whatever you want to say the success is. So uh, I actually sent her this question and um, her response was, haha, ask for forgiveness. I will make you humble. Tell him I appreciate him. So there you go. The I will make you humble as a Iron Sheik line. Uh, but no no problems. And um, obviously, I appreciate that very much. I uh, screen grabbed a lot of questions. Man, there were so many. And now I've realized that I've gone 30 deep. So, man, there's so many good ones here. Can you guys all put them back for next week? Because I don't think we can do many more. Um GC, what's your dream main card for Apex 100? This is from uh, Kai. Yeah, I feel like it's... Feel Why like do they keep gotta... asking you about Apex 100? I know, especially because, I mean, we're only going to be at 90 entering 300. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to have a, an unranked heavyweight fight on that main card for sure. Uh, you got to have a, a flyweight fight that has good potential of a flyweight under. Um, yeah, I got to build that out. I got to think more on that. Uh, and when everyone's like commenting on, on Dana White's stuff about what they want for the UFC 300 main event, I'll start laying the groundwork for, for Apex 100 main card, which is great because we're, we're likely going to get the six fight main card as, oh, yeah. as that's what happens on the, on the Apex card. Uh, as is tradition, feel like Apex 100 has to kick off at 4 p.m. Eastern. That just no, no, no. Is. It has to be a 10 p.m. main card. It has to really you be for so? the hardcores. Oh, yeah. 
I, I kind of feel like in Apex fashion, you kick that bad boy off at 4 p.m. Eastern. Fair enough. Uh, which which gives us the 7 p.m. main card start. Everything's wrapped up by about 9.45. I uh, feel like I have to watch Apex 100 on a side TV, uh, too, just in, just to really pay tribute to, to the warehouse in the desert. Uh, here's another one for you. G, wow. uh, one for Connor, but everyone's opinion welcome. I know you've been selective with your futures, but what are your thoughts on these prices as of a few weeks ago? Heavyweight, Jalton Almeida, Almeida, plus 300. Mm, I just, plus 300, how does he get the shot? You got you to think Aspinall is, is next in line. Feels like the division's kind of moving slow. Middleweight, Strickland to retain all year, plus 350. Obviously, didn't go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, welterweight, Conor McGregor, plus 2,000. Oh, man. <laughs> I just want to see Conor McGregor fight. Yeah. And I doubt it's going to be for a title. Featherweight Evloev plus eight hundred. I don't hate that, especially if uh, especially if Taporia wins. No, especially if Volk wins, then who else is there for him to fight? Taporia opens up a whole a whole chest of new matchups that can happen. Bantamweight Cejudo plus sixteen hundred. Mm, I'm back in Rob, so uh, yeah, I don't I don't really like that one. But obviously, everything I'm saying here, I mean, I'm so wrong on these futures. It it really doesn't even matter. Flyweight, last one, Macy Barber, plus 1,000. Mm. Mm, Macy Barber, I, I don't know about that one. You got to think it's it's going to be winner of Blanchfield Fioro after they do Shevchenko Grasso 3, and then maybe Macy Barber after that, if she continues to win. Mm-hmm. And then there's a world where you get Zhang moving up if she continues to win his straw weight. Macy Barber, 2025. Okay. All right. Uh, Thomas, Ariel, this year I set out to read 12 books. I've been on a roll. So far I've finished three. I was wondering if you and the crew could help me out and give me a recommendation. I'm good with fiction and nonfiction. Thanks again for the hours of content you provide to get me through the week. Uh, I'm currently reading a really fun book, but I, I... presume it's actually a fascinating book and, and i presume most people who are listening don't care but it's called prehistoric and it's on how the raptors were born and like everything like from the 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 the, the embryonic stages and how they they chose the name and the jersey and the ticket sales like nothing about them actually playing games all from like how basketball came to toronto it's great the reporting is great it's actually kind of fascinating to see how all these things uh came together so that would be one from me um any of you guys want to jump in with one uh if we're doing fantasy i read the whole harry potter series last year that was tremendous i mean just such a journey right now i'm reading this book uh fourth wing it's about dragons and it's a it's, wow. a, it's a big fantasy but it's uh don't really know how to describe it it, it is written by a woman for women mm. uh there are uh yeah there's some scenes uh, 50, 50 Shades of Grayish in there. Uh, it's definitely not uh, appropriate for kids. They, they just came out with the second one, and she's supposed to make five of them. I'm probably going to read the second. I don't know if you're going to get me too much more after that. That's a, that's a, How many pages is that book? This is a big boy. It's about 600. Sheesh. Crazy, I'm working through it. Got a, we're, about, we're about 350 deep, 300 deep. Yeah, I heard, I heard really good things. Uh, but yeah, then I started reading it. It's uh, it's not necessarily slow? up my alley. No, it's not slow. It's super exciting, but it, it's it's very uh, it's it's 
It's like a borderline romance novel. Oh. Okay. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know. Not the best book I've read, ever read, but, you know. Frank, what are you reading? Oh, man. Um, I'm reading some fantasy books right now. Mm, that means you're reading nothing. Yeah. No, I'm reading <laughs> some fantasy books. Some R.A. Salvatore. Some. How are you reading more than one book? Yeah, it was I can Because never I, I jump around a lot, but I'm reading oh, the... The Cleric Quintet by R.A. Salvatore. It's like a Forgotten Realms book. I read 20 books last year. Let's go. And I have been... 20? Slow to start this year. I'm going to tackle Dune again once I'm done with this. Oh, before the second movie. To the Guy's Question, Ishmael is a book you should read by Daniel Quinn. And then um, I'm going to tackle Girdle Escherbach sometime this year. You know what I'm reading after uh, this book? Is uh, Be Here Now, a uh, Corey Sandhagen. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I love that. Bookshelf. Okay, last one. And again, I'm sorry, but 33 is a good number. I'm, uh, Or maybe this is 34. I uh, wish I could me? get to more. Yeah. Could do a whole show just answering these. They're really great ones. But let's end on this one. <clears throat> Ryan, Ariel, please answer this. I've been commenting for weeks, and this is my last chance I'll be fighting tomorrow. Hey, my dear pal Ariel, I'm fighting in Vancouver, Canada on February 8th for BFL, and I'll be at my weigh-in as you hopefully are reading this. It would mean the world to me and the boys if you and the boys could wish me luck as it is my dream to be on the show, as it is literally the only thing I watch thus making it my unrivaled favorite show by far, and I guarantee you I'll be on one day. But until that day, please tell me something I could do either on the way to the cage or in the cage or after the fight to progress my journey to immortalization on the wall. I am highly anticipating hearing back from you. I hope to be representing the MMA Hour crew in there, your future pal and regular on the MMA Hour, Ryan Mozafari. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Peace and love. Peace and love. Wow. Well, Ryan, you are fighting on February 8th. That's tomorrow for BFL. I wish you the best, my friend. Now, let me just, let me just double check. Ryan, what's what's Mozaffery? Yeah, yeah, I've had my eye on this one over at BFL against uh, Sal Calvary. Yeah, one and zero, right? Yeah, one and over, zero and one Canadian on Canadian action. Uh, I mean, obviously BFL seventy nine. This is uh, big. Yeah, I mean, going down in Vancouver, uh, we all know it. I mean, he, the fact that he's he's on the same card as uh, Maxime Susi and, and Radley De Silva is uh, even bigger. It's big. I mean, a couple titles, couple title fights here. Uh, they actually got a super lightweight championship, Scotty Stockman versus, obviously. There's uh, a whole break that might even be in the freaking parlay pals. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if we can get a line on 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 Ryan, I mean, it's it's a must play. I've been saying that all week. Ryan, it's already written. It's already fed accompli. You've got this, my man. You're going to go out there. You're going to do the thing. And then when you do the thing, you're going to get on the microphone and someone on your team is going to record this. You're going to say, shout out to my boys, Ariel, GC, Rick, and Frank, and the whole MMA Hour crew, shout out to the team back in New York. You've had my back since I was 1-0. I will be on the wall, but until then, much love to you all. You all believed in me when no one else did, and I can't wait to talk to you on the program. That's what's going to happen. I can't wait to see the video. It's already a done deal. It's the already best happening. best way, he also should kick it off, and when they, when they go to interview him, they're like, uh, Ryan, how was this win tonight? And he responds, who, me? Yeah. Then he goes, no, when, uh, when they intro him, he should say, who, me? <laughs> when, yeah, when the Bruce Buffer of, of Battlefield Fight the League announcer is, announces is them, screaming just say, Ryan's name, 
they he just looks at the camera and goes, you know, hits a shrug and shows. Oh, yeah, man. and and look if uh, if you want to wa- walk out to uh, Rick G to Profits. Uh, remix oh, of this song, yeah. oh, you know. Shout out! Hey, yeah, we're in the NYC. Mm, mm. Like you, his I mean, whole, his whole fight just becomes a tribute. Like, it, I mean, there's it, no elements that are not. Branded. It's a banger, and look, he wanted he wanted the shout out. It's a banger. I mean, the whole I mean, place will be jumping. It, I look, he if he wants to get on the wall, you know, these are the these, these are, are the, the things that yeah. need to be made. So, uh, good luck, good, good luck, luck to my Ryan. friend. Yeah, oh, seriously, good luck. All yeah, the respect in the world to to make that walk. Um, all right, and thank you very much to everyone who sent in questions. Appreciate you all very much. All right, guys, what do we got? What do we got? We got UFC Apex uh, 86. Yeah. As we uh, continue to climb, let me see. Uh, wow. Uh, nothing from uh, – oh, we got to do the uh, parlay pals here first. <clears throat> uh, mm-hmm. jump, jump in the gun. Oh, boys. Uh, I think boys. it's pals. Uh, nothing from, uh, oh. nothing from Juliana. Wait, she left oh, us? Wow. wow. I don't know. Nothing from her. First time? Oh, yeah, let me go ahead and fire one off. I mean, we, we can give her a grace <laughs> period, you know. Has she ever missed? Yeah. No, this is the first time. Wow. It's, waiting for me. it's always starts with one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you don't know what you got till it's gone. I mean, I feel like we took it for granted, her her always being so prompt with it. Uh, so, yeah, really, you uh, want back in? Yeah. No. Hey, hey you sure? I'm good. I mean, I'm. I feel very confident she's going to get us uh, the pick. She, you know, she must have forgot the the shows today or something. Training, so, you know, the, yeah. she always does the training around now. So we'll get it. We'll get it. So that leaves us to us. I'll throw our names. So in it's the just a, it's, it's a three legged parlay for now. For now. For now. For now. For now. And then hopefully we will we will get her pick and um, bang. There it is, Rick. Gonna lead us off. I'll go second. Frankie will bring up the rear. I'm gonna do an alternate, um, an alternate rounds, and okay. I'm gonna take the under oh, four yeah. and a half. Yes. Uh, in Hermanson and Pfeiffer. Beautiful. Oh. Beautiful. Uh, Big one. Like that. Like that. I mean, it's a Joe Pfeiffer fight, so I feel like. Uh, Feel like an over can, or I mean, an under can certainly hit there. Uh, you know what? I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna stick with the props. Nice. I'm just getting nasty with it, nice and chalky here. Under two and a half. Ehor Potieria, Robert Bryshek. Under two and a half. Oh yeah. Minus seven fifty on that. Oh man. You tell me, Frankie. Yeah. Because how do you tie this bow together? I'm also. Oh, a little wow. alternate total parlay wow. for the boys. Wow. The only one is maybe Juliana will do a money line. Who knows? Wow. Boy, I'm going to do co-main. Yeah. All right. The last three fights right. of the night. Over one and a half. Bang. And this is with Ige and Feely. Yeah. Danny Ige, Andre Feely over one and a half. All right. Uh, minus 120 before we get Juliana Pena's pick, but uh, I feel certain she'll she'll bring a winner for us. And so is there a deadline? Mm, yeah, let's say uh, tomorrow by 5 p.m. Eastern or Central? We'll give it Central. Okay. Uh, seeing as that's what she's going off of. But I, I feel confident with within just a few minutes she'll have it in. She's obviously watching the show right now. Yes, of she's, course. She's she's putting in the hard research, and, and she'll get that over to us right now. I'm, sh- I'm sure of it. All right. Them's the pals. Uh, what uh, else? Yeah, let me rip through mine real quick. Uh, I'll start. Daniel Marcos, the undefeated uh, Peruvian, getting back in here. 
not his best performance last time out. Uh, you know, you could have made an argument that maybe he shouldn't have gotten that decision. But in this fight, I really see this one just going 15 minutes of striking. And and Arichi Lang is is a hittable opponent. I think Daniel Marcus is going to be able to uh, to capitalize on that. I think he has a nice bounce back performance and uh, pulls away in this one and gets a clear cut decision win. Next up, kind of similar to to the Stoliarenko bet last week, uh, laying this heavy a chalk on Devin Clark. Uh, did it last week with Stoliarenko. It didn't work out for me, uh, so it it could happen again. But I feel confident in the path to victory for Devin Clark in this one, and that's the wrestle. Obviously, he could get knocked out. Uh, Marcin Pragnil can hit hard, but if he wrestles, I have full faith that he's going to win this fight, and I think he has that capability. Next up, seeing a lot of people on the dog, and uh, maybe that's just going to jinx it, but I, I am going to go with, uh, with Max Payne Griffin here uh, in this one. I think he's going to be able to stuff the takedowns. I, I'm, I'm envisioning, I said this on No Beds Bar last night, I'm envisioning similar to Simmelsberger, maybe not as many knockdowns, but... But having a big uh, a big advantage in the striking and being able to stuff the takedowns, he's super durable as well. Uh, I don't see Jeremiah Wells finishing him. Um, Max Griffin, four knockdowns in his last five fights. I think he's going to have a striking advantage in this one, uh, and I think he gets it done. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna go as far to say Max Griffin uh, by KO. Next up, this one could get uh, this one could get dicey. It is Brad Tavares, and I will be playing the under two and a half in this one. But you're giving me plus money on the under two and a half in a RoboCop fight. I'm just going to have to take that one. Uh, RoboCop, he's an agent of chaos. He, he is absolutely an agent of chaos. When he comes in here, uh, things get crazy. In his UFC career, uh, almost exclusively uh, ending via finish. Brad Tavares, yes. Uh, almost all decisions. I think he has one knockout over the last 13 years. Uh, but I'm going to trust that that RoboCop, because Tavares has has so few finishes, he's just going to let it all hang out like he always does. Uh, five of his seven UFC fights ending inside the distance, and uh, I think we see another one here. Tavares, I know he's durable. We saw it in the DDP fight, but then we also saw him got iced out by Bruno Silva uh, just last year, so I think we see a finish because it's a RoboCop fight. Couldn't uh, Couldn't pass up on the plus money there. Uh, my parlay pals pick, but this one I am taking the under one and a half. If you're going to tune into any fight this weekend, I I think this is the one to tune into. Other than our guy Joey Pryfer, obviously. I mean, this is just an absolute slobber knocker. Uh, Brycheck, the goal of late, come in, knock you out. That's all he's here for. Five straight fights ending by way of first round knockout, all coming under three minutes. And if you look at uh, seven. Eight of his last nine fights have ended by KO. Seven wins for him, one loss. Uh, and who better a dance partner than Ihor Potieria? Seven straight fights have not seen the third round for Potieria. I mean, he gets finishes. He gets finished. I think this one is going to be as fun as long as it lasts. Uh, but I think we are going to get some fireworks in this one. Uh, and then to the co-main event, I'm going to go with Dan Ige here. I love Andre Feely, but this one is short notice, and this one is uh, – this is a tough matchup for him, in my opinion. Feely hasn't really been relying on the wrestling at all as of late. Uh, in his last six fights, he has a total of two takedowns, and I imagine getting that beautiful knockout that he had back in December is is going to keep him sticking to the striking. And that's a tough out against Dan Ige. I mean, beautiful hands on this man. Uh, crisp boxing. And when you look at it, 
the level of competition that this man fights when he loses, it, it's to the top of the top. Josh Emmett, Korean Zombie, Movsar Avlov, Calvin Cater, Bryce Mitchell. Uh, and a lot of those guys had wrestling success, and that's how they were able to beat him. Um, so I think if it stays striking, I think Danny Gay gets the better. And then lastly, the durability on Danny Gay. Never been knocked out, never been submitted. Uh, I don't foresee that changing here. So in a fight that could go 15 minutes and that I think is going to be striking, I'm going to favor Ige. And then I have a prop parlay, Guskov, Pauga under two and a half, Lukbunmi, Brasil over one and a half, and Pfeiffer, Hermanson under four and a half. And then that parlay from last week that carries over our man, Joey Body Bags, Pfeiffer, hopefully finishing that one off. And that is UFC Apex 86. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. The can't last wait. stop before what was that? I said can't wait. Yeah. Oh yeah. Last stop before two ninety eight. Two ninety eight. Uh, so nothing Ooh. on uh, the takeover, huh? Teofimo. No, 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 no. Too big of a fave. Yeah, he's like minus eight hundred. Yeah, uh, but I am looking forward to that. That's on uh, Thursday. Going to see uh, the great Ronnie Chang tomorrow at Radio City. Whoa. Really, my guy. Yeah. Really. Big fan uh-huh. of the program. Uh, he showed up him. at a comedy club that I went to in December. Incredible, right? Yeah, special guest. Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah, first time I see him. Can't wait. Kung, uh, Fu, Fan, uh, Kung Fu Panda 4. He's got, a, uh, he's got a role in that. Oh, I didn't even know there was a fourth one. Yeah, it's coming out next month. Wow, where? Exciting stuff. Theaters. Theaters. Okay, oh, everything's back wait, to man. theaters, huh? There's no more oh, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, this is Jack Black. This is a real production here, man. Okay, the world Except is opened Roadhouse. up. Everything but Roadhouse. Uh, ah, yeah, not cool, bro. It hurts. Not cool. Uh, so I'll let you guys know how it goes, you know? I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's... Listen, you know, or just I'm just going there to have a good time. That's it. First comedy show in a while? I've been to a few. I went to... No, I went to Seinfeld in uh, July, remember? When I was in Vegas. Thanks to our good friends over at ppv.com when I was there for uh, Crawford Spence. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that and looking forward to returning on Monday, gents. Thank you very much. God bless. Frank, it's time to go. Yeah. MMA hour in the NYC. It's in a hot OD. MM hour in the sea. I don't even know what am I what am I saying, right? What am I saying? What are you saying? Nah, I don't know, Frank. You doing uh, all right? No, I'm trying to see what why why isn't the forest game on any type of platform? It's not on ESPN Plus, which usually we get FA Cup on ESPN Plus. It's obviously not on Peacock. Is it just not airing? What do we live with? I, I every 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 twelve hours I get ESPN. Uh, cable bundle, starting their own platform, starting and it, like in 2024, everything should be televised. Okay, what is this? Is this really the way we're gonna have to deal with this? I mean, it's a gigantic, gigantic match right here. <clears throat> uh, they're in extra time, by the way, in case you were wondering, in case you were nervous about it. Uh, so we'll have to see how it all plays out. For now, though, it is time to say goodbye. Another fun show in the books back on Monday. Uh, thank you very much to all our guests. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Any big Super Bowl plans, guys? Any big parties? Any uh, any big to-dos? Anything? Anything. Probably not going to watch. Nothing. Okay, I mean either. You're really not watching. Yeah, I mean, That's you're out of town. Saying, too. Wife's out of town. No, I'm not out of town. Oh? Oh, well, then what time should I come over? It's a big All right, call. seriously, come over, dude. We'd love to have you. Me and DT hosting a party. Who, me? Uh, thank you very much, Ben St. Denis, Randy Brown, Corey Anderson, Tim Welch, Ben Whitaker. Back on Monday, same time and place. Tell the Debbies. Right here.